Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. <laughs> well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom, our Christmas episode, episode 246. Rich, how are you? I'm trying to decide whether to say ho, ho, ho or bah humbug. Ho, ho, ho. Come on, Rich, you are the Christmas Grinch, but you know me, I am the spirit of Christmas. (laughs) Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light From now on Our troubles will be out of sight I was going to say, it'd be, it'd be, which one? Present, future or past? Uh, my, when I think of Christmas, uh, which is ironic because in Australia we have a hot Christmas, I know in the States and stuff it's, it's a... I, I think of a winter Christmas, I think of snow, I think of like the old school Santa, like, you know, old school, I always think old school, like 70s style, like paintings of Santa and stuff, uh, with the big sled, but ironically, I've never experienced a winter Christmas. Well ones. What's that? The Rockwell ones. Is that what it is? Yeah, I don't even know what it is, but that's probably what I'm thinking of. And um, But ironically, in Australia, it's a nice hot Christmas, and we have the cricket, we have all sorts of stuff going on, it's a lot of fun. Um, and how many, you, how, like, when did you come from South Africa, Rich? Like, over there, similar weather to Australia in a Christmas, isn't it? Uh, not as Somewhere. hot as Australia. Really? Not as hot? Okay. Yeah, not as hot. Oh, okay. Well, what, um, when you were in South Africa, what city were you in? Cape Town. Cape Town, right. Okay, cool. And, uh. Um, yeah, South Africa doesn't get 40 degree days, man. Really? Yeah, I didn't our, know summers don't, our summers don't get that hot. What's the town where the cricketers go and it's really high up in the air and the, the air's thinner and stuff? There's Is it Johannesburg? Like they're playing like in the mountains or something? No. There, there, is, there is a cricket pitch that they play in tests which is high in the air. I don't know which one it is. Is it Newlands? It's, it's high up and the air's thinner and stuff and the ball goes faster. So it's a test cricket ground in South Africa. I'll hit Google. I'm disappointed you don't have this information on the drop of a hat, Richard. I'm sorry, but there's no Himalayas in South Africa. I don't no, know where you'd be playing that. It's, the it's, air would be so thin it, 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 in, it definitely in South is. Africa. I'm going to find it for you right now. I mean, come on, Rich. You know, this is something South African commentators are constantly going on about in, in test matches. Test oh, cricket... Bullshit. It's just bullshit they made up, man. Test cricket, high, high... Lati- is it latitude? Is latitude up? I think it is. <laughs> Test that, that cricket. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I, I'm pretty confident. Oh, no. Longer to shoot? I don't know. It's not. I want something. It's not Google's not giving me the answers. There is a Test cricket ground in South Africa which has a high... News to me, mate, and I lived there for most of my life, so, I mean... The only reason I know it is that commentators always crap on about it, like, and I want to say it's it's Newlands, but I'm, I, that's a guess, you know. Not Newlands, mate, that's where I'm from. Okay, all right, well, we'll... And we'll... trust me, we don't have trouble breathing when we go watch the cricket there. No, it's not like you have trouble breathing, but the air's thinner. 
and the oh, and the bowl and makes the bowling faster. Supposedly, supposedly, no, definitely not Newlands. I honestly have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, all right, jeez, wow, wait, with that, can you imagine in, in some? Um, you may have just dreamt it, Dave. No, okay, we, here we go, here we go. Cricket grounds in South Africa. Uh, Super Sport Park Centurion. We want to see something. Uh, Newlands, Cape Town, arguably the most beautiful cricket ground in the world with Table Mountain and Devil's Peak offering the perfect backdrop. Uh, then you have St. George's Park. I'm looking for one. You have Wanderers at Johannesburg. Uh, da -da -da. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, there's, there's one here. Kingsmead. Cricket ground Durban. Uh, these days, the pitch conditions naturally favour the seam bowlers, with the theory being that the tide of the nearby ocean affects the atmospheric pressure. Well, well, that's completely different to what you said. No, no, I, no, I've, I've definitely, I'm repeating something that, um, <laughs> that I've. Here we go. I've got altitudes of cricket grounds. So, um, Old Wanderers, Johannesburg, South Africa is is um really high up there you go so it's it must it must be it must be old wanderers johannesburg that they're talking about is that where you said you were from you said cape town didn't you yeah but even <laughs> I, I'm, I'm i'm repeating old wanderers johannesburg uh south africa is pretty down. flat mate like is it? that's what i'm saying like i really don't understand this whole like <laughs> it's South Africa is pretty flat. Yeah, you're you're not buying into the the what I think might be an urban myth now. I think so. Like that's why I said like because again I've watched cricket and I grew up in South Africa. No one ever ever have you been about to have you been to this ground altitude of a pitch and all that. Have you yeah. been to old Wanderers? Yeah, it's on pretty flat surface. Like it's not like up no, a hill or it's, whatever. No, not up a fucking hill, but it's in the hills. Like, it's not like the ground is... It's not like when you're at the ground, you're like, man, this is on a massive incline. It's high up in the hills, supposedly, anyway. Again, I, I think that's I think that's a bit of mythology there. Yeah, I think that's could a bit be. Of bullshit, a bit, bit of bullshittery. Or if, if, if the commentator said that, that's a bit of bullshittery. Oh, the, on the, not, not one commentator, many commentators, South African commentators included, but also a lot of Australians who've played there have said it as well. So it's often come into commentary, you know? Um, Old okay. Wanderers. I, I'm I'm going a bit deeper into this. Uh, da -da -da -da. Yeah, funnily enough, when you when you click on the thing, it says nothing about height. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I just. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know what. Like I've never heard that. Yeah. I, I'm just. I'm as a South African. I've. I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. Even. Yeah. Like, fair enough. I like it's, it's a weird thing. It's the first time hearing about it. Yeah. Well, you know, and. We'll throw this open to other listeners um, if you have any... Because I know Ray is a big cricket fan. There is definitely a ground in South Africa where, even if it's only a myth, the commentators constantly go on about how it's higher up in the air and they always talk about the air's thinner and the bowlers um, bowl a lot quicker there. That's what they... Like, you know, Alan Donald and um, Stain and all that used to charge in there. And visiting teams were always, like, getting battered by, you know, because you've always had a pretty decent pace attack. Um, yeah, but uh, it's it's concerning that Richard, as a South African and a cricket fan, is not aware of this, which tell, which starts to make me think, is but this... the entire area around it is flat and, like, suburbs. 
So I don't even know where this, oh, it's up the hills that you're talking about. Like, it's <laughs> fucking flat. Maybe that's not the one. Let's, okay, let's let's regather. Um, we've got two weeks before the next show. We've got the Christmas break. Let's get the interns on it. And Lois will do our own research as well. We need to get Barry fucking Richards on the show because Barry Richards, I believe, is one of the guys who's always talking about it. Um, if you might remember him, Rich, he was like a 70s South African player, very, very successful. Um, and he's often in the commentary box, you know, since, you know, since he's retired. And I believe I've heard him talking about it a bit. And, um, I think plenty of West Indian commenta- uh, commentators as well, like the likes of an Ian Bishop. Um, and certainly Mark War's spoken about it as well. You know, because they've all toured there. So, Sounds like excuses. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the Aussies are making too many excuses, Rich. We've uh, beaten you many times over there, so we're not too worried. Um... Uh, I don't think you've won that many times in South Africa, have you? <laughs> we've won a few. We've won more than a few. We've, we've. Yeah, con- I'm pretty sure you've lost more than you've we've, won. Though. We've contested many, uh, many. Uh, uh, what since the reunification, or whatever you want to call it, since your comeback to the international sphere, um, I reckon we've we've done pretty well in South Africa in general. Like you know, I mean. Yeah, we've, we've, I reckon we've won more matches than we've lost in South Africa against the South Africans. Are you thinking home ground advantage, Rich? Well, I mean, that is usually the case with most... Um, yeah, but we've had a pretty strong team. Cricket. We've had a pretty strong team in general when we go over there, Rich. You know? Think of the likes of Ricky Ponting, Steve War, etc. Alan Border. These guys didn't lose too many matches on the road. <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> we can, sure. Google, Google, I'll be getting welcome. Do you remember, Rich? And we're kind of in reminisce mode on a Christmas episode. Uh, it was quite a lot of years ago. It might even have been. It might even sadly have been ten years ago. But it was probably more like about seven or eight. We were round. You, you hang on before you get into that. Speaking mm. of one of the best losses mm. that we handed to you was um, this was in South Africa, mm. where you guys put on a massive score of four hundred. And something, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's game over! It's game over!" And then we chased it down, and we Special beat you. Gibbs. Yeah, it, it was, was a one day. day. I'm talking about that the... was a good day. But I'm just saying that was a good day. <laughs> it's a f- fucking bad day for Australian cricket. Uh, yeah, well, that was ridiculous. And God bless Ricky Ponning, but honestly, uh, frankly, um, look, Herschel Gibbs was on fire that day, and and good, you know, and well done to the South Africans, frankly, because that's a massive total to chase down. And as you know, I. You know, I've uh, like I've admired the South African team for many years, but to not be able to defend that in a fifty-over game, some of that has to go down to field placement. You know, you you've got to be able, or just rotating the bowlers, because that was absolutely ridiculous to to lose that game. Um, to not be able to defend it, I just don't know what was going on. I mean, I know Herschel Gibbs went off incredibly well in that match. Um, we should look up the stats of that match because it was. It wouldn't you agree, Rich? Like I've never seen, I've never in my life seen a score like that and a chase like that in in all the like. I've not seen any team score four hundred in a one day, and I definitely haven't seen any other team chase it down. It was just a crazy match, wouldn't you agree? I agree, and I have it on DVD, so I can rewatch it anytime I want. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'd like to watch the first half where Ricky Ponting slogged two guys around. Like. No, but do, but do, don't you agree? Just just impartially. Don't you think that any team should be able, like an Australian team with international bowlers, should be able to defend it 
you know, like you should be able to... Again, you're playing away from home. And again, there is such a thing as... There is such a thing as home ground advantage, you know. I mean, you you have it easier. You the more the fans are behind you, mm. you're familiar with the ground, um, the but, pitch. But, but we came out and put on. Like, we, we came out and put on four hundred and something. I'm, I'm I'm bringing up the stats now. I just I at the time I I was I just wasn't happy with the um, I wasn't happy with the yeah. Meanwhile, batting first, Australia scored a massive four hundred and thirty four for four. Mm. With former Ricky skipper Ricky Ponning scoring 164 batting at number three, uh, he I remember the match and I and I thought there was absolutely no way in hell we could lose that match. And then um, Herschel Gibbs, you know, did play very well, but I I just don't understand. I, I like to this day cannot understand how we didn't have the bowlers to be able to contain you guys for that. I mean, it must have been an absolute road of a pitch. You know, I was gonna, well, again on the day, I think it was basically a batter's pitch. Yeah, I mean, look, there's again yeah. both both sides fail, like struggle to take wickets yeah. on either side. So it's it's not like a one-one. It's like no, they both both teams bowlers struggled. Yeah, to 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 curb runs and I suppose so. and and bowl out cheap. So again, I I think it was just a batter's wicket, and at the end of the day, we just managed to put on. Mm. We managed to just chase it down. Yeah, and yeah. again, because we bowled first as well. We probably had uh, the the pitch probably get, uh, gave even less. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like um, in the second second innings, which made it probably a bit easier. But that's why I said, like, it's you know, I, I don't care. I'll still take the win. It was a fantastic day. Everything it was South a, African it, cheered. It was a. It was a. I mean, look. But I mean, while you're bringing up Herschel Gibbs, let's not forget in 1999 when he dropped the World Cup and Steve Waugh went on to score 120 and uh, in a match, frankly, that mattered, and we went on to win the World Cup. Uh, a lot more was at stake that day. You know, while we're while we're bringing up the greatest hits of African cricket, don't forget there's been a few losses to Australia along the way too, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean South Africa have always choked in in the World Cups. They but have, to say that someone uh, lost the game because they dropped a catch is the dumbest fucking comment I've ever heard. Well, he did though. You know, remember he caught it and then tried to loop it in the air and dropped it. And uh, and Steve Wozniak yeah, just dropped the World Cup. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's a game of fifth. It's a game of like fifty innings. Yeah. Okay, so you dropped it then. That doesn't mean that you can't get the player out again. Or but they didn't know. Bowl smart. They didn't I mean, know. It's not like it's all. It's not no. But that's my point. It's not the whole game doesn't hinge on one catch. Well, it did though. That's the thing. You you know, Steve Waugh went yes, to score one hundred and twenty. No, we That's 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 what Steve Waugh's point was when it happened. He was he was on song. If you got no, Steve Waugh out, you won the he match. He doesn't know that though because if he'd gone out, someone else could have carried it and won it anyway. Well, that's that was... my point. You don't you don't. You can't look at the pass and go, oh, no, exactly how it would have played out if things had gone differently. That's, like, a really stupid comment. Steve Waugh made the comment. I mean by them. Steve Waugh made the comment as the catch was dropped at the time. He made it at the time. Yeah, to be an asshole. Yeah, and we went but on to win. he had no idea he was going to go on to get 120. He was already on a few, though. He wasn't, it wasn't like he just started. He was just starting to click. I believe he was in his 40s. He was moving through the gears. If you got him out, it was all over. Like, he was our last man standing. And, um, I mean, while we're... Well, you know that was a great that was a great mm, World no, Cup. No, Dave. No, Dave. Even if you get Steve out, you guys bat deep. The, oh, we were in trouble. No, that we were in trouble. Team. Like as an Australian supporter, we were in trouble that day. I, no. I remember it well. Well, anyway, no. anyway, look, Herschel Gibbs. Um, this is must be fascinating for American listeners. Was a talented but erratic player, but he was very talented on his day. He was very destructive uh, when he was on. But the problem was with Herschel Gibbs, you never knew which Herschel was going to turn up. 
basically. He he had um, uh, psychological problems. He did no, 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 and he was and he was talented. Like I mean, you know, you guys had a very good team. No, no, man. but he had like he, no, 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 but he had like um, like ADD or something. It, it's almost like um, not ADD, like um, not bipolar, but you know, like he had those. Um, yeah, he, he I, I think he he when I say he had psychological problems, I think he had like these mood swings where yeah. Uh, you know, he'd almost switch from one person to the next yeah. in terms of, like, attitude or... He was a bit um, manic. He might have uh, had some borderline personality issues or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, wa- he wasn't exactly, like... He wasn't a rock. Uh, in form. <laughs> in, no. in the mind department. No, no, he was um, He was definitely one of his... He was definitely a bit of a sort of, um, oh, you know, like... He was an individual, basically. He t- that's probably being kind. But he was he was one of those guys, like, you get some guys who are just sort of... They're, they're sort of on their own trip. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what he was. And um, it would have been... From, from, a, from a sort of the opposition's point of view, he was a danger player because he was like that. But... I imagine as a supporter, he must have been very frustrating as well because you must have had a lot of matches where he didn't come oh, yeah, off, yeah. you know? But, I mean, for me, my, my, my South Africa team has always been the um, the older team. Like, for me, uh, the, the team that made more of an impact because of the age I was was the... Um, like Kepler Vessels uh, and stuff. Yeah, you know, your, your Kepler Vessels, your John T. Rhodes, mm. your, your Kirsten brothers. Oh, yeah. Um, Peter Kirsten? I used uh, to love Peter Kirsten. Yeah. Peter and Gary Kirsten, yes. Yeah. Um, two solid openers. Sean Pollock. Um, Sean Pollock. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, Jack Sean Cullis? Pollock came a bit later. Uh, Jack Collins. Like your Richardsons was the wicketkeeper. Uh, right. Alan Donald. Um, Finey De Villiers. Oh yeah, that's um, kind of like the early nine, the early nineties into the yeah, mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that that, w- that was like the team when I was like at that age where you know uh, you're young enough to be like inspired by all of them. That was and they're talented. like your heroes kind of thing. That was then, a very talented when team. I was a bit older, then it was just like, oh, I'm just a, I'm a, you know, I'm supporting South African cricket. But I was older there, so that like I didn't look at the players with as much reverence sure. as I did when I was younger, watching like the Kirsten brothers open or John T. Rhodes, you know, dive through the wickets. Fantastic field and and all that sort of stuff. Like mm. he had epilepsy, John T. Rhodes. Yes, that's why he had to retire. Sadly. Yeah, yeah, no, he was a very talented player, John T. Rhodes. I, I would say he was as good as Ricky Ponting um, as a fielder. He was fantastic. Like, geez, he could field, and he wasn't a bad batsman either. John T. Rhodes always a bit underrated as a as a batsman. I always felt like that's why I like AB de Villiers because he kind of reminds me of John T. Rhodes. Well, yeah, he's like John T. Rhodes, doubled, tripled. You know, like. Yeah, David Villiers is one of the best. Oh yeah, two point oh. Yeah, for sure. He's Jonty two point Well, you know, and what I was. But anyway, gonna, let's. Yeah, let's, this is not the cricket podcast. It's not the cricket podcast. We could spend a lot of time, but we're in a Christmas, but we're in a festive mood. So Dave, of course, and we and I let Richard play greatest hits there, and I thought I'd just play one on him. You know, like. <laughs> but I do want to say, years ago, Rich, don't you remember that time we ran at your house and I had some money on the game? And and I believe Australia got bowled out for like fifty or something, and it was just a crazy match. Like wickets were just tumbling, and I had money on individual players, and I was going crazy. It was it was it was an entertaining night. Yes, but, yeah. the, the, 
This was in your gambling phase. I was gambling on the cricket, and, and I was already pumped up because the cricket was on, but even throwing some juice into the equation, putting some skin in the game, and it was a, that was a hilarious night because I had money on individual guys getting out, and the wickets were just tumbling, and I was making cash. I was happy. Now, um, turning to matters that are less happy and more sombre, um, R.A.P. to Anne Rice, uh, who passed away, I believe she was about 70, um, I really enjoyed her Vampire Chronicles novels in the uh, 90s, like Interview with the Vampire, Queen of the Damned, um, Tale of the Body Thief, Memnock the Devil. Um, I mean, I found it personally fascinating stuff. Did you... I hopped onto it when the movie came out, Rich, um, of course. Uh, have you read any of these novels? You there? Not my jam, my friend. Not my jam. Not your jam? So you've not read any, any of the novels or anything? Nope. No. Okay. Um, well, I, you're missing out, Rich, is all I can tell you. They're actually pretty good, man, especially... Mm. I don't think I am. <laughs> Why? What don't you like about You're not a vampire guy, is that it? I'm not a vampire guy, and I have seen the movie, and I'm, I definitely know those books are not for me. Fair enough. Well, that's only the first book in the whole series. Interview with a Vampire. Definitely not for me. All right. Well, I I enjoyed them. Anyway, I mean, I mean, I, I am sorry that she's passed away, and I believe it was quite a sudden. I think she had a stroke. Um, but I, look, for me, she was inspirational in the sense like she really made me think. You can write. You can write in this genre. Um, look what a success she's made of herself, kind of thing. Like I, I, I honestly found her creatively very inspiring. Um, and I like the way I like what she did. I think she had an interesting take. I tell you, who wrote a really good vampire novel? Uh, Larry Hummer has written a really good vampire novel, which you can get on Amazon. I, I, I bought it years ago and read it. It's actually it was really good. It was um, I'll I'll bring up the I I was on my Kindle the other day and I saw it and I thought, oh yeah, that was such a good novel. Um, Chuck Dixon wrote a vampire novel, which was actually really interesting. It was from the perspective, Rich, of like um, like a realtor who got made into a vampire, so like very much an everyman guy. Um, and you know, it's just, it's just kind of like if you or I, with our normal lifestyle, like nine to five existence, got turned into a vampire and what that would mean. Um, he, it was called Blooded that Chuck Dixon did. And then roughly the same time, Larry also did a vampire novel, which was more kind of, um, it was a bit more like, uh, Interview with a Vampire, actually. Um, it had a lot of stuff from Paris and everything. I really enjoyed it. I'll, I'll, I'll find out what book it was, but... I am sad to see she's passed away, but, I mean, the last train comes for us all, doesn't it, Rich? Yes, it does. It does, man. And uh, you, you catch that last train out, you know, final words, what would you say? You know, everyone's dust to dust, ashes to ashes. That's it. Game over. I'd like to be on my deathbed and say, come close, I have something important to say, and then <laughs> die before I say anything. <laughs> and people are just like, what, what did he... What did he? What, did, what was he going to say? What was he going to say? What the, was he going to say? Just the mystery of what Richard's final words would have been, probably reminding me about the fucking four hundred scoreline, like for the tenth time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't remember it until you started bringing up cricket. So there yeah, you go. no, I know, Rich. You, you, uh, I, 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 I. It's look. Let's face it. Uh, I, I do like. Yeah. Um, I do like to glory in Australian victory, so it's only fair that every now and then you get a chance to, you know, reminisce. Uh, Larry Hummer's vampire novel is called The Stranger, Amon Diaz and the Queen of the Undead, and it is actually really, really a good read. 
I read it when I was, I was on Hawaii uh, in on holiday in Hawaii and was just reading it at night just in the just in the uh, where we were staying and um, it it just totally enraptured me. Now, um, yeah, so now we're gonna do um, a Spider Man No Way Home review and discussion. I saw it last night. Um, I look, there will be spoilers, but I'm not gonna be spoiler heavy. I, I, you know, Rich, you haven't seen it yet, have you? You haven't had a chance. Working, mate. Working. Yeah, I was going to say you haven't. Do you mind if I give a couple of spoilers? Couldn't care. No, that's what I was thinking, Rich. I mean, you're reliable in that sense. Um, well, look, uh, I came out of the cinema, Richard, and I said it's a ten out of ten, and I said it's my favourite superhero movie since Batman '89. No, I'm not even exaggerating, and I and I still feel that I loved this movie, man. Loved it with a passion. Well, that's good. But yeah, I came in real hot, real, real hot for this film. I was um, as pumped up as I could possibly be. I think, Richard, would you agree? Yes. <laughs> Although you get pumped up for a lot of stuff, so. <laughs> Like you, you give movies ten out of ten before they come out. So, well, this was ten out of ten. But this is good because this this might be the first one that's actually lived up to your uh, pre-movie score. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Pre-viewing score, I should say. I agree. I agree. And uh, look, there's going to be spoilers here. Um, Norman Osborn, William Defoe is excellent. The guy who plays Doc Ock is excellent. The Spider Men, Richard, and, and notice I use the word plural are really good. It's not walk-on cameos. They're an integral part of the movie. Um, I cared about MJ uh, a lot. Ned was good. Bender that Cumberbatch was good. Honestly, I I always said Into the Spider-Verse was my favourite Spider-Man movie of all time. I, I think this has gone above that. I think this is the greatest Spider-Man movie that's ever been made, frankly. So that's... that's now, what Spider-Man not in it? Uh, obviously Tom Holland, um, uh, Andrew Garfield, and uh, Tobey Maguire. They're all in it. There's, there's, there's story reasons for them being in it, but they're in it. They're in it from early on to the end. So it's it's pretty full on. So if they play a central role in the movie, why mm. couldn't they just promote the movie with them in it? Well, I think they're waiting on for word of mouth, and they'd already given away all the baddies. Um now, I will say this, and I said this to Michelle, who loved the movie. Um, the whole story is the multiverse. So there's no other story, and I think it was a really good idea to make the incursion of the baddies and of the other Spider-Men the real... That's the whole story of the movie. So everyone gets a chance to shine. It's two and a half hours of brilliance, frankly. Now, Lizard doesn't get much to do. Uh, and um, Lizard has very little to do in the movie, but Doc Ock really has a big chance to shine. That actor is fantastic. William Defoe is very strong, and Jamie Foxx is fun, even though Michelle goes, he really does have a crap character. I said, well, that's just Electro. You know, like, he's not a complicated guy. Um, he's better than Electro was in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, well, that's a, that's a low bar, though. It is, and but he is good. I mean, he, Jamie Foxx plays him well. I like Jamie Foxx. Uh, but it was a really interesting movie. Uh, it's got twists in it. Um, there's a lot to like in this film. And they also... Um, uh, I won't spoil the biggest reveal. There's a really big... 
uh, or not reveal, but like twist story point, which I won't reveal, um, that is quite sombre, that happens at the two-third mark. And I think they made a good uh, decision to put that in the kind of middle part of the movie um, because then if you still really get to, after that moment where it's really quite sombre and dark, you then really get, the final act really pays off. In fact, I think the final act is one of the strongest final acts in any superhero movie, and by that I mean any comic book superhero movie uh, in the last 25 years. I, I honestly think this is... Batman 89 has always been my favourite comic book movie. Um, this is there at that level. I think it's an amazing film, and I think it really pushes... You can really tell they're going to do more movies with Tom Holland. Um, they set it up really interestingly, um, I, I will tell you, Rich, just so you know, I won't reveal anything else other than at the end of it, the world has forgotten who Peter Parker is. Uh, everyone in the entire world. So nobody knows who he is other than obviously himself. Um, and it sets what, even, even his aunt? Yeah, even even his aunt, yeah. No one. Wow. Um, and it's set up for a, how can I say, a, a, a kind of a brand new start with him older. Um, you can clearly tell there's already talk that they've signed him up for another uh, one to three movies. Uh, he's very keen to continue playing the role. Uh, clearly they're going for sort of a young adult Spider-Man in his 20s uh, and get to kind of have a fresh rebooted start. Um, it's pretty interesting. It's a really good movie, Rich. Uh, 10 out of 10 from me, and that's no hype. If I could go higher, I'd give it like a fifteen. It's fucking fantastic, man. It's um, is my hype. Oh, well, that's high praise from Dave. Yep, it is. <laughs> now, Adam, the computer saw it. He gave it eight out of ten, um, and he said he really enjoyed it. He doesn't think you'll enjoy it, Rich. Wait, said, wait. I thought you said it's a ten out of ten, Dave. I, for me, it's ten out of ten. I'm saying Adam, the computer saw it, and he gave it eight out of ten. He really enjoyed it. Um, if, it's a, if it's the best comic book movie, everyone should be given a 10 out of 10. Well, I don't know, but this is individual scores from audience members. And um, he did say, well, Rich like it. And I said, Rich doesn't like March. <laughs> so I doubt it. Um, but, you know, will you go watch it in cinemas, Rich, for The Signal? Uh, if I got time, I will try. But Yeah. Maybe over I the holidays. Have, I, might have to, I might have to wait for streaming or something. Maybe over the holidays, man. Just pop in there one day. What holidays? Day I'm working every day, man. Like, yeah, but you have days off, don't you? I don't get up. No, and with now I've got to work extra days. Really? Jesus. Yeah. They're like slave drivers, aren't they, really? You know? Yeah, it's true. Thankfully, I get paid, but I mean, <laughs> yes, it's still tiring, and I just, you know, I might have to wait until just the new year to go watch it all. Fair enough. You know, well, I that's have fine. to wait for But again, I just, I don't have the time to just go to, because you got to remember, like, um, I I got to sort of cram a lot of the stuff that we do for the show in like two days. Sure. You know what I mean? And I mean, luckily, we're not actually doing a show next week because otherwise I would have had to cram it into one day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. So, and know. for listeners at home, we're doing, um, we're having a week off for Christmas and then we're coming back to do a show right on the new year, right on New Year's Eve, basically. Um, so we will have a week off. But um, and that, and that's a good opportunity. I'm actually having a week in the forest, Rich. Just me with it's actually it's not just Dave alone with his thoughts looking in the mirror because that could get dark real fast. Um, you could come back in half an hour, and, and Dave's you know 
tiny little fucking mirror. Dave, with... Dave, no, I was gonna say Dave's uh, reliving the uh, or reenacting <laughs> the Revenant. Yeah, or um, Apocalypse Now, the style of Apocalypse Now when he's in the apartment by himself <laughs> <laughs> and he's doing putting the paint on his eyes and stuff. Um, yeah, no, I'm not a man built for like lengthy sessions of solitude. Uh, no, Michelle will be with me, um, but we'll be outside of Wi-Fi range and everything, and so it's going to be interesting. Um, I get lost. Yeah, no, we'll be fine, man. We'll be fine. We've got cabins and stuff. It's not a camping situation. We'll be fine. I'm looking forward to it, actually. Um, but, yeah, so, look, I just want to say I really, really dug it. Um, there is, let me think, there was a mid post credit scene. Oh, yeah, and it featured Venom. Um, and it was Venom and Tom Hardy uh, following the scene at the end of Venom when he transported to the other world. Um, he's in Mexico, and the, the bartender's telling him all about the Avengers and the Hulk and all that kind of stuff, you know, like, so he's he's getting all that, and Venom's going crazy, like, uh, making jokes and stuff, like, so he says, um, the bartender says to Tom Hardy, and there's a guy called the Hulk, and he goes, the Hulk, and then Venom goes, and you thought Lethal Protector was a shit name, <laughs> and, um, because, you know, Venom always wants to be called Lethal Protector, and um, but then he transports out again at the end of it, at the end of the scene. But a little bit of the symbiote is left on the bar, and kind of like crawling around. So there's a bit of the symbiote still in the Marvel universe, sort of leaving that. Uh, so that's how they're going to get symbiote Spider Man. Probably yes. Um, yeah. So they thread that, and it's really, the, it's really the cart before the horse, isn't it? I don't know why. Well, well, because obviously in the comics, to get to Venom, you first got to go through Symbiote Spider-Man. But in this world, Venom comes first, yeah. which leads to Symbiote Spider-Man. True. Like it's weird. It's just it's, as I said, it's weird in the movie world because it's the it's the it's the cart before the horse. Yeah, I guess, but that's just because of the Sony Disney split, you know, kind of thing. But hey, at least they're doing it. Um, and the post-credits scene. Wait, wait, what about what about uh, uh, Morbius? Mo- 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 Morbius? Morbius? Morbius movie is coming, but there was no teaser. Oh, so they didn't give him a bit of a teaser or a cameo or anything like maybe no. he came through or no. might be joining the universe or something. There was nothing at all about Morbius. Zero. Uh, in fact, there wasn't really I, that many. It, can it, I just say how cool would it have been, right, if Sony was like, okay, fine, we're going to share Spider-Man with with Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. But we're going to build the Venom universe. And we're gonna have like Morbius and all you know, and yeah. all the other people connected in a Venom universe, where Venom is almost the Spider-Man of that universe, and he's going up against like Morbius and mm. you know uh, whatever other characters you want to throw in there, Craven and stuff. Like if you take all the darker, well, they they own all the rights. Characters. That that could potentially happen. They own all the rights to all the Spider-Man rogues. So Sony, do I'm just saying they have Venom. Like they should kind of maybe go look. We're going to make money off Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe and mm. we'll create the Venomverse mm. where Venom is the main character and we can use some of the darker Spider-Man characters for him for maybe some of his, uh, you know, rogues gallery or, yeah. you know, shared universe or something. That could have been cool if they do something like that. Now, there was, um, talking about spoilers, uh, um, Charlie Cox as Daredevil's in it, as as, as was predicted. Um, he turns up to give legal advice to Peter Parker and, um, you know, Happy Hogan uh, and Aunt May at the start of the movie. 
and um, he said, you need a lawyer. You need a really good lawyer. And then someone throws a brick in through the window and he just catches it. And, and Peter Parker's like, how did you do that? And he goes, I'm, I'm a really good lawyer. Um, so, yeah, so he is in it, Charlie Cox, which was pretty much Kevin Feige came out the other day and said we're going to use him in um, Marvel movies and stuff. So, yeah, he did turn up uh, in so he, no other appearances. And, in fact, there wasn't a lot of... Um, a lot of teasers and mentions, um, but not really any other appearances of other Marvel things that I can think of. Uh, obviously, Happy Hogan's all through it, um, and Stark Industries is mentioned a lot, uh, and all that kind of thing. And you find out that in the Marvel universe, there, there is no Oscorp, so Norman Osborn doesn't even exist in the Marvel universe. Um, so that was interesting from 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 that angle. Was it there, wasn't is there another cameo in there, or are you keeping that a secret? I can't. I, I can't remember one off the top of my head. Um, there's a big. There's a big related to Daredevil. Uh, Kingpin. Yes, that's in Hawkeye. Yeah, but I mean, he's that that cameo is implying that he's in the Marvel universe, correct? With Charlie Cox. Yeah, yeah, but that's not in Spider Man. Is it not? So it's only in Hawkeye. That didn't have him in. No, there was. Uh, look, uh, if there was, I missed it. You know, no, there was no, there was no kingpin reference in um in this movie. There, there was um, as we're going to do in the news, there was there was a kingpin reference in Hawkeye. So he, kingpin is in it, and and Charlie Cox as Daredevil is definitely in it, like one hundred percent. Like, I mean, there's he doesn't have any other scenes. It's just that scene at the start, which is basically. Uh, okay. Teases him like you don't see him fighting with Spider Man. And Peter Parker's like, how did you do that? Uh, because he doesn't know that he's got the senses, but he clearly does. So he he did something spe- special. Um, he's he's really in the scene as a lawyer, um, Matt Murdock. So there was that. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so the final. So there was the mid credits scene, which was the Venom scene. The post credits is just a, is a trailer for Doctor Strange, which was a trailer for Doctor Strange, and it had a lot of stuff with um. Scarlet Witch and, and, you know, Wanda and all that kind of stuff. Um, look kind of interesting because Doctor Strange is in the Spider-Man movie a lot, uh, as is Wong. And then at the end of it, because uh, it's all the repercussions from Doctor Strange kind of, um, you know, he the multiverse pretty much totally fractured the entire world. Um, and sort of the repercussions of that play out in his movie. And you see the dark Doctor Strange, which was actually... Um, they say, uh, Stephen, the, the biggest threat to the multiverse is yourself. And you see the Dark Doctor Strange, which I think had been, um, you know, was in some of the comics and definitely was teased or predicted by some online commentators. So you do see the Dark Doctor Strange in the Doctor Strange trailer. It looked pretty cool. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not a massive Doctor Strange fan, but I, I thought it looked pretty cool. And Wanda says to him, you know, like, I know I made some mistakes. He goes, I'm not here about that. I'm here. What do you know about the multiverse? So she's in there. For, for, from that aspect and look at I, I thought it, was, it seemed like an interesting trailer but this movie was just so much better than any of the more recent Marvel product like your Shang-Chi's and all the other stuff and even your Black Widow which I didn't mind and there was something else I forget some of the Loki's like it was just so much better than all that stuff you know um, it was a lot better you know what, what one thing I do find fascinating about the Scarlet Witch is that hmm. in the MCU that how they've tied her to the magic yeah because technically her powers are cosmic right well it's chaos magic isn't it isn't that what they always say 
No, she got she got her powers from one of the Infinity Stones, her and her brother, from experiments. Right. So te- technically, her powers are cosmic, not magic. Oh, in the MCU. Yeah, yeah, in the MCU. Right. I mean, I mean, I don't really give a shit about her, frankly. Like, I mean, I know some people love her. I know Tash is a huge fan, but to me, she's a walking plot device. You know. Um. I don't, yeah, I, I'm I, just saying it, it's odd that yeah. that she's so tied heavily into the magic and all that with Doctor Strange. When it's like, yeah, but technically in the MCU, your powers are cosmic, not yeah, uh, not not supernatural or magic. Good point, Rich. Um, but then again, maybe, may, or then again, maybe Doctor Strange is also a bit cosmic. I don't know. I don't know who. Well, uh, Doctor who Strange is kind of cosmic. Yeah, like if you think about it, like um, yeah, he, he definitely. I think, yeah, he's cosmic in a way anyway. Like, there's a lot of... In this movie, there's a few scenes where he's, like, in the sh- in the mirror dimension all that kind of stuff, you know? Um, so, yeah, look, it's it's um, it's um it's pretty interesting, you know? Um, I, look, I really... I dug the movie heavily. I really... I was really hyped for it. And I know I'm a massive Spider-Man fan, and, and I'm in a huge Spider-Man phase. Like, this, this is really reinvigorated. Like, this current sort of... I, I, I just think them ramping up the Spider-Man aspect has really reinvigorated my love of the character and brought me back to Spider-Man in a massive way and I'm exploring runs I haven't read before. and So I'm very much, you know, really enjoying it, I, I think. And it's led me to read runs. Um, for example, James DeMatteis' Spectacular Spider-Man run and Jerry Conway's run and stuff I haven't read before um, because a lot of the time I'm more familiar with the... Um, you know, with the with the sort of movies and TV shows, Rich. You know, because that's where I've seen it all. Mm. So it's it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, and for me, just as a, as a viewer, now I will. Say, it's a pleasure. Now I will say this: that um, Michelle loved it as well. She said like it's a nine point five. The one thing that she said was a missed opportunity, and I thought this during the film. So you see a scene where right at the climax of the movie. Basically, the multiverse is breaking through, and everyone who knows Peter Parker is going to come through, basically, in all the multiverses, which means, like, tons of people. Um, And you sort of see shapes forming in these huge cracks in the sky. You see people there. Now, I said to... They sort of didn't know what to do. You kind of got the feeling like they wanted to bring in, like, a lot more Spider-Man characters and have them be seen, if you know what I mean. Like, sort of... Or teased, but they don't tease anyone, and all you see are vague, shimmering shapes that don't have any form. And and I felt like that's a shame that they couldn't line up the people to get like a Spider Gwen, a Miles Morales, a Craven, you know, whoever, whoever they want to build this universe up. You kind of felt that's what they wanted to do, but just didn't kind of maybe have the planning or execution to do it. Um, but I did say to them, and she said it would have been cool if they could have done that, and I agreed. Um, one thing I think they will do is you will see spin-offs from this, which will reference back to that point and show like a Spider Gwen, for example, coming through in that breaking moment, um, and that kind of stuff. Because they were basically saying everyone who knows Peter Parker in all the different um multiverses, so all the infinite computations of what could be, were going to come through um because of this spell going wrong. So that's a hell of a lot of characters that you can shoehorn in that way. So. It was interesting, but they didn't really... I, I guess for me, the disappointment was you teased it, but you didn't even show one. You showed shimmering shapes, 
and then he closed it. Michelle goes, well, they closed it. Go, yeah, but that doesn't mean someone couldn't have come across. Like, this is fucking how they do things, you know? Like, of course they could. You could have a scene like at the start of Batman Superman, you had the flashback to the Man of Steel um, climax, remember, where um, Ben Affleck was running into the buildings, into into the dust? So it was interesting. Do, do you know what I mean, Rich? Am I making sense? Yeah, you're making sense. Mm. I don't necessarily agree, but you make sense. Yeah. What you don't I get want... the point you're making, yes. You don't want to see it, is that what you're saying? I don't need to see every single character and <laughs> shit from comics in the movies. Right, but that's what's going to happen. Man. Like, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy to have, like, a, again, a Spider-Man movie, or I mean, I don't need, you know, I don't need a Spider-Man movie, I don't need a Marvel's Marvel's movie, I don't need a Spider-Gwen movie, I don't need, like, I don't need seven different Spider-People movies mm. and spin-offs. Like, uh, I don't need everything from the comics in movie form. But that's definitely where they're heading. You know, if it's successful. Yeah, of course, because yeah. they've got to milk it as much as they can. Yeah, well, I'm digging it, man. I mean, I, I do need it. And this way they could do Spider-Verse. They could do like a like a live action. Like I was kind of really hoping for Spider-Gwen because, you know, I quite like Spider-Gwen. Um, but anyway. No idea why, but yes, you do. Uh, I, I love Spider-Gwen. So, look, I mean, it was, it was fascinating stuff. Now, uh, so I gave it 10 out of 10. So, Rich, we're coming to a very cool part of this show which is i want to introduce a new sponsor for the show richard which is manscaped um now signal doom uh is honored to have manscaped as a new sponsor and for those who don't know manscaped is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world they offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels uh they manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 all across Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and I I have them, Rich. It all got delivered today. Um, Rich is getting his. Uh, I have mine. I've used mine. You heard that right. Some, not trimming some hedges. Exactly. Uh, you heard that right, Rich. It's the 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Now, if you go to the website, and I'm going to give you that website right now, uh, you can and put in the signal, S I G N A L. So S I G N A L signal. Uh, when you go to manscaped.com, and you can order uh, the lawnmower 4.0, you get a 20% off if you put you type in signal, uh, insert that code at manscaped.com. You will get 20% off, and you can get. Uh, this lawnmower 4.0. Now, Rich, imagine having a sleek, well-designed and optimised trimmer that makes shaving time your favourite time in the bathroom. Now, I'm one of the first people to try this new 4.0 as I got it today, and I am blown away. I will say this, Rich, uh, I'm quite confident to say this, you know, as a male, uh, a lazy male, um, who takes <laughs> life for granted over the years... I have had multiple... Especially, especially over lockdown, let's be honest. Especially over lockdown. I've had multiple women over the many years, not, not that many women, but quite a few women over the years have said, could we do something about this situation? And I've always been, you know, too lazy, <laughs> too lazy to do anything. Well, deforestation occurred today. I used the product myself and, I, I you know, it was a, a big improvement. And apologies to all the ladies that I basically ignored their advice and I didn't pick up 
uh, a Manscaped product in all these years. And now I have, and I, I, in one day, have been turned around on this whole thing. Uh, it was an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Uh, it features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents uh, thanks to their advanced skinscape technology. And I now feel confident shaving my boys. Um, I will say this, it comes with guard lengths, Rich, so you can do different sizes and stuff for, like, you know, different shaving. And did I mention wireless charging? Uh, it's actually wirelessly charging while I speak. Uh, the new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, Rich, which can help battery length last longer. Um, and if you've been shaving your face with the same trimmer that you go downstairs, that's been a mistake that I think many males have done over the years. You no longer need to do that. Um, so get 20% off and free shipping with the code SIGNAL at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. There you go, Rich. Um, I think we're excited to have a sponsor. You can, you can have you can have some fun with it, you know. You just have <laughs> just have people shape their hedges, you know. You can have a bit of fun with it too. Exactly, shape of animals and all sorts of stuff, Rich, going on. Um, <laughs> Actually, you know what? I've always thought Manscaped should like. There's a. Do you remember that show? Um, uh, oh shit! What was it with the um, Scrubs? Yes. You ever watch a show called Scrubs? I have seen it. Yes. There's the one where they act the the uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he played the mayor in Spin City. Uh, anyway, he's in the episode, and they accidentally shave his um uh, his nether regions, right? Right. Um, uh, in preparation for operation, but he's decided not to do it, and they're like, "Oh, but we've already shaved." And he goes, "Yes," and I actually do appreciate that. It makes everything just look a little bit bigger. <laughs> well, that's what they say, Rich, as well. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They should use that. They should use that in their ads. It helps it look a little bit bigger. Oh, definitely. I definitely agree. And I mean, I think that's been a big part of uh, what's I think inspired a lot of men to start doing this, where they wouldn't have done it like 10, 20 years ago. You well, know, they so. do. I mean, uh, they've been. Well, to be fair, these guys. Have, I, I must be honest. These guys have been around for a long time, and they do yeah. seem to be. Uh, the the product does seem to be very successful. Definitely. Um, definitely. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, Look, I, yeah. I use it today, and I can only give it a thumbs up. And so you go to manscaped.com and type in Signal, and you get 20% off plus free shipping. Now, Rich, moving on from we were very excited uh, to have that as our sponsor. Now, spinning the wheel, you, again, have done – you haven't let the side down. You've held the side together. Uh, Jaunty Roadstyle, Rich, with your second review, this, you know, in two shows – with news that has just come down the line. So it literally only just screened today. I was busy working, but Rich found time somehow to slide this into his schedule. Can you give us the Wheel of Time breakdown, Rich? I still think it's absolutely terrible that you're mm. the one raving about the show and I'm the one reviewing it. Absolutely terrible. Well, that's what like happens when you... When you well, look, I mean, the thing is, Rich, like, I've got a lot of angles I'm playing. You know, and sometimes I just, but I, I think you've got a secret love for the show. That's what I think. I think you secretly kind of like you're. No, I the don't. Show. It's just that I, I assume that you're going to be caught up with it, and I don't <laughs> want to be the guy like always behind. But yet I'm not. You're the guy that's always behind me. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, I don't care. Um, so take us through it, Rich. What, what happened? I want blow by blow. I want to be there. What happened? Uh, this was just basically the let's all emotionally fight. And then bonk episode. Oh, um, okay. Um, and then um, uh, Matt believes that not Matt, sorry. Um, uh, Rand? Rand believes yeah. he is the 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 dragon. Yes. 
Um, and so him and um, Moraine mm. uh, basically leave the group to take him to, what is it, the Eye or something? Right. Uh, and that's how it ends. So, yeah, it's basically just everyone's fighting, bickering, two, two of the uh, four of them, not together, but technically four people bonking this. Right. Okay. Um, you know, this is the lovey-dovey episode. Let's all fight, get emotional, and then shag. And who who were the people who did <laughs> and this? And you get a bit more of a back. You 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 find out a bit more of a backstory about Rand's origins. Rand, right, Rand, whatever. Um, um, you know, uh, uh, they they delve a little bit more. Not much. Like this is the weird. This is the weird thing about the show. Is I find that I feel like it's rushing, but mm. also not telling you anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like they're rushing so much that they're not actually stopping to, um, because like even though like oh we're revealing something about Rand, I'm like yeah I still don't feel like you've revealed any more than I actually helps me, mm. in like understanding his backstory or his origin. How much do you they know, show? It's kind of like, like what 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 is his origin? Wasn't he born on a battlefield or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, you that that's that's how the episode starts mm. with his um. His pregnant mother going into labor, killing a whole bunch of army guys. Like it's very Conan esque, actually. That that origin. Yeah, but when you see the woman, you kind of go, "Don't know if I buy this," but anyway, I get that it's supposed to be cool. Yeah. Um. And yeah, then he's found by the guy who he thinks is his father, and blah blah blah. I mean, all that, and then, um, he does a bit of um. Fuck it. What do they call it? When they do magic. Weave? What's it? What did they do? Weaves or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. Channel. I don't know. Channel. I can't remember what they call it. Channel. Like channeling or channel. Weaving yeah, or ch- channel. Yeah. Or, 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 or something. Yeah. Um. Anyway, apparently it's revealed that he was doing a bit of that in the episode, even though like you didn't really see it. They kind of have to like, oh, let's slow it down so you can actually see him using it. Mm. Um, kind of thing and all that. So, um, again, I, I, it's weird. I feel like the show is like going at a breakneck pace, but I also feel like nothing's happening. They're that, skimming over the sense? surface a bit. They're skimming over the surface a bit. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it, yeah, it's like a rock skimming on the water, but you're not really getting to yeah get into the water. No, I appreciate that. I, I've felt similarly. I sometimes think they could dive a bit deeper, but they're also trying to keep the story moving along at a reasonable pace to get all yeah. the sort of CW viewers, you know? No, I, I was talking to my friend and he... He, he's read the books. I mean, I haven't really read the books. I think I read the first one like fucking 20 years ago. Mm. Um, so I don't even remember much of it. But he said the, something that's very interesting. He said, um, one, in the books, Moraine is supposed to be in her 20s. Right. And yet in the show, she's you can clearly see she's probably getting pushed into 50. Um, I, which I, was an yeah. interesting choice. I wonder why they went with a much older uh, actress if in the book she's supposed to be in her 20s. Um, and another interesting thing, he said, oh, that apparently the wife that the guy kills in the first episode, that wasn't in the books either. Yeah, I didn't remember that either. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it seems to be like, again, I don't know any, like, I, I can't sit there and go, oh, my God, that's what the book because I don't remember. But apparently there seems to be a fair bit of stuff that they are changing or, uh, or, or modifying. Now, it could just be, like, smaller things. Although he did point out, and I think we discussed this over lunch, there's something very interesting that, they're definitely changing for the TV show, and that in the books, the dragon is always a man. Yeah, they make a big deal about that in the books. Right. So they're them trying to figure out if it's one of the women is 
not actually in the books because it, it's always a man. Yeah. And secondly, <coughs> he said that it's very interesting that the the Isodines seem to like um, uh, hate men so much, mm. and that they fear the dragon because mm. um, the reason that men go insane from uh, weaving magic it's the dark one tainted the magic. No, 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 no. So here's the thing: they actually like they use their magic to bind him. So in a time where both men and women could use magic, right. it's the men who actually sort of bound themselves with the magic and it basically cut off all men and their magic is like kind of tainted now. And so, yes, if a, if a guy does uh, get magic, that is why they go crazy. It's yeah. because men sacrifice their magic to, bound, to bind the Dark One, which... He said they should. The Isodine should know in the show, which they don't seem to even um, uh, tell you about in the show. Well, they also fear the dragon because the dragon can break the world. So it's weird. They need the drag, the actual dragon, to to defeat. Well, that's the my dark point. One. Like he was saying that the Isodine are supposed to serve the dragon. Well, like, but yeah, they, they, their organization is supposed to like uh, help him, not fear him. Now, right. yes, the last one did, but that doesn't mean that. Uh, all the other dragons have, you know what I mean? Like a one-off doesn't mean, oh my God, now we can never trust the dragon again. That was something that was probably catastrophic that happened. Yeah, but, but also what happens The way is... that they carry on is like it's a guarantee that he's going to break the world well, again. What, or like do In my understanding, and again, I haven't definitely not read all the books, but um, what I can say is that when the men, you know, the false dragons appear, they can channel, but they're going crazy. So they do cause destruction. So yes, and what's again, happening what is what I'm saying is that this show doesn't even tell you. Like I didn't even know this from the show. My friend had to tell me, who's read the books, mm. that the reason for that is because of a noble sacrifice that men made to bind the dark one. Sure. Yeah. Well. But the the show doesn't even tell you that. Like that's not even part of it. Just oh yeah, men go crazy because they can't they because women are supposed to have the magic, and it's like no, that's. Yeah, ori not, originally both that's not from the books. Uh, uh, look, and again, I'm going on my own scattered recollections and understandings. But originally, in the Age of Legends, um, men and women could channel the the mm. power and not go insane. Like that's a that that Correct. happened after something to do with the Dark One, which I forget exactly what, but to do with his imprisonment. Well, as I said, men stuff, to know. bind the Dark One, they sacrifice their magic yes gotcha. they use their magic to bind the dark one and therefore that cut off men from magic but right some men can still access the magic but yes. because the magic is tainted by the dark one drives them crazy it's corrupted by the dark one. that is what drives them crazy but yes. i found that out from my friend the show hasn't informed me about that at all like i'm like that's interesting information that should have been oh there's a like, lot of there's the a show. ton of well building that uh, Robert Jordan did. Like, he was a really good world builder, actually. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of that sacrificed uh, in the show. Oh, just and to move the story. there's a lot. Because as I said, this show is going at, I feel like is going at a breakneck pace. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's really just going, let's go. Let's don't worry about world building. And yeah. they throw it in a little bit, but it almost feels tacked on. Yeah. Like, it almost doesn't feel natural. It's just like they're like, oh, we need to have the character explain a bit more of their origin, so we'll just have them say it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's I don't know, it's it's really weird. Like, as I said, I feel like it's going really fast, but yet I still don't know anything. <laughs> no, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, totally, yeah. 
Uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, but look, I'll definitely catch it. I enjoyed uh, last week's show. I caught up with it. Uh, so what happened with Matt at the end? Like, why did he step away? I, I don't know. I mean, um, is that I think one of the theories is, one, he probably doesn't want to go because of his sisters, or he wants to go get the dagger back. I don't know. So was that shown at all in this episode, or he, he just wasn't in it? No, no. Matt is not in this at all. Right, okay. Although Moraine does uh, send a message. She said, send a message to the Isodine. Tell them to look for that Matt dude. Right. And then the woman goes, which, which, who do you want me to tell? And she goes, the red Isodines. Right, okay. Yeah. So that's a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, she's <laughs> got concerns. And do they go to the Dark One's prison or something? Is that where they went? They're supposed to go, I think that, I can't remember what it's called. They're supposed to go to like the Eye or something. The eye of the world. Yeah, they're supposed to go to the eye of the world, and apparently, if she takes all four of them, the three that are not the dragon will die. Right. Yes. Um, but somehow Matt Matt decides that he is the dragon. Yeah. And he tells Moraine, and then the two of them sneak off. I see. Right. And she even leaves her bodyguard. Oh right, she does. And who were the ones that balked? Who were who the couples? Well, Ren and his, his uh, chicky after they have a little bit of a CW fight, and then Wisdom and the bodyguard. Right. Moran and who? No. Moran doesn't bonk anyone in this. Oh. Oh, so Moran. Moran had her bonking session. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, the, in the other episode. Sorry, yeah. You were saying Rand. Um, yeah, Rand. Yeah. Yeah, Rand. Yeah, and he was already with that chick anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, they have their CW moments, you know, like, oh, you said you would leave me, but you feel I'm going to say something horrible, blah, 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 like, yeah, God. Okay, all right, so... I don't know, It's just, the weird thing I find about TV shows is that no one seems to, like, um, no one seems to argue like real people. Right, well, it's hiding emotions. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I know, but I mean, even, I don't know. I mean, I still think people say more about how they feel in there. Don't just say something snide and then everyone goes, <gasps> and then like, you know, there's like a storm off session and something. Like, I don't know. I just, it doesn't, it never feels like the fights feel natural. Well, it's a soap opera. Especially it's like a, soap opera. In, a, in a CW-ish type, like, yeah. you know, uh, show. I always feel like it's like, it's like, yeah, but normal people wouldn't say that or like react like that. It's kind of like, their fight is a little bit CW. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you, you know, know what I mean. It's very there, like there's a there, there's a soap opera element to these to these shows, you know, and that's mm. that's what. And then again, the other other two that bonk in this one is Wisdom and the Bodyguard. Yeah, yeah. Which is well, definitely... I don't know what her name is. She is a Wisdom, but I don't know what I can't remember what her name is. I'm not sure. Nanani, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. And that's definitely in the in the books as well. Um, yeah, no. So, um, yeah. No, but that's my point. Like, this is where I feel like the show's going at a breakneck pace is that, like, they already bonking, right? Mm. And I'm like, but I don't feel like they've earned that connection yet. Yeah. Well, why not? I mean, you know, but... like, I mean, yes, they've had, they've had, they've had small snippets in, like, uh, the, in the episode where she's, when she's traveling with them, right? Yeah. But I kind of feel like almost the, the level that they are now, I'm kind of like, I just feel rushed. Mm. I feel like there should have been a little bit more journey to get there. I just feel like it's just, just let's get there, let's get there, let's get there. 
Yeah, but some people just want to meet and bonk, Rich. I mean, you know, not everyone has to, like, you know, go through the nine No, but I mean, like, courting. these two are, like, talking to each other like lovers and, you know... <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I get you. Uh, ...pouring their heart and souls out and stuff. And I'm just yeah. like, I don't feel like... I've, I don't feel like we've earned this yet. I feel like yeah. they should still be at the will-they-won't-they they phase. Like, you know, like... Sure. You know, like, they're still trying to suss each other out. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. I hear you. But it's medieval times, man. Like, sometimes carnal urges just take over, you know? Like that's what it is. I don't know about lovey dovey. Uh, I mean, what's what's? Yeah, but again, I'm not looking at it from con. I'm just looking at it from the. You're trying to tell me that I'm supposed to feel emotional about these two characters getting together. Sure. But you've you've rushed it that I don't don't feel that. Yeah, there's I don't no feel build. Like, yes, finally. You know what I mean? Like you know, sometimes when you know two characters should be together, yeah. or you see it happening, and then when it finally happens, you have this like finally you know yeah, what i mean yeah. you don't get that because it's like oh are we there already okay like to, to use the terminology of of the youngsters like it's like there's no time to ship them because they're already together before you know it kind of thing you know yeah, exactly yeah before you can even ship them you're like oh sure, okay they're bonking already never mind yeah. yeah well it is what it is man but um okay i'm looking forward to, to seeing it now by the way dr strange trailer and I believe a lot of Spider-Man was leaking on YouTube, like 4K rips. And I believe Variety may have accidentally uploaded the entire Spider-Man movie in 4K very briefly onto their website by accident, which is which is hilarious. Um, so there have been there've been some weird leakings of Spider-Man and the Doctor Strange trailer, which is at the end of the Spider-Man movie. So, you know, I mean, sometimes I wonder if that's all part of the plan, you know. If that's all part of the plan, that no, yeah. no, 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 they don't want to lose. Uh, they don't want to lose cinema money, mate. Sure, I know, but just to kind of drive the desire, you know. Because once you get that rip out there, that shred that that is shared across the globe. That's true. That is true. You, a four K rip. Of... And everyone's like, "Oh, great! I don't have to go to the cinema." Yeah, exactly. Especially with COVID still going and everything. Yeah, no, good point, Rich. Great point. No, no, that's that's definitely not a purpose. Yeah. Okay, not a, it's not guerrilla marketing kind of thing. No, I get you. I just like to go. No, to websites do that all the time where they accidentally, you know, there's sometimes like game sites that accidentally put up something for sale before the announcements happen. Yeah, because the announcement was supposed to happen soon or something like that. It's just it's just fuck ups. It's like people that yeah. just like either don't program their stuff properly or mm. hit the wrong update button or whatever. Like I, it's just incompetence, honestly. <laughs> I love it. Incompetence. Um, now, we do get the news that Kingpin uh, was teased in Hawkeye, not a show I've been watching. And, I mean, honestly, I will watch it over the holidays. Um, but, gee, my excitement level for Hawkeye is close to zero. Uh, I know that um, Adam the Computer is watching it and Ray are watching it. And, yeah, Kingpin, uh, part of the MCU, uh, very exciting news uh, from, from that angle. Vincent D'Onofrio, an uh, incredibly good actor, and I think did Kingpin extremely well. Um, Rich, your thoughts? Uh, it's odd. Uh, it is certainly odd. Why is it odd? Uh, What's odd? Because, well, well, they certainly can't have him play the Kingpin that he played in the Netflix show. Why? Dude, it's, it's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah, but they like, just don't have to show all the same vibe. No, but my point is, that's what made him dangerous in that show. Yeah. That was that was what made him dangerous, that he could just snap. Yeah. And just brutally fucking kill someone. Like like the, the, the guy that he, you know, he basically smashes his head with the door, mm. with the car door, until it basically just crumbles. Mm. You know what I mean? Until it's mush. 
Sure. But they don't have so, to show I'm everything. Yeah, but my point is, like, but that's what makes him, you just go, fuck, man, this guy is, like, hardcore. Like, you don't want to fuck with him. But if you can't show it, it kind of loses a bit of that visceralness of, like, oh, my God, this guy is scary. I think he can so still do say, a pretty threatening kick. It's cool that they got the act and all that, but I'm just like, yeah, but he's not going to be able to be that same, like, visceral... Force of nature uh, kind of style. Kingpin ...that he was in the Netflix show, because it wouldn't, that's not going to fly on a Disney Plus show. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. But I do think that they can still get away with something. There's some scenes in Spider-Man that are quite violent, actually. There's a, there's a couple of scenes with Tom Holland uh, beating up a couple of people that are actually reasonably violent, you know? Yeah, but okay, Dave, that level of violence is not the same as Kingpin turning a guy's head no. into mincemeat with a car door. Like, <laughs> like that's not even close to the same. <laughs> Very true, Rich. And Rich, you might want to get a bit closer to your microphone there, man. You sound like you're coming in from from a fairly long long pace there, from a long run up. I don't know where. Really yeah, you were just. Yeah, no. Sometimes uh, every now and then you, you you it sort of goes out a little bit, but yeah, no. Um, now some big news, Richard, and I want to get your mm. reaction. Uh, R- Robert Kirk, is it Robert Kirkland? Is that how you say? It? Is that his name? The guy Walking Dead. Yeah. Is it Kirk? Kirkman. It's Kirkman, not Kirkland. It's yeah. Robert Kirkman. Yeah, Kirkman. Yeah, Kirkman. Um, his skybound image imprint is moving to acquire the rights for Transformers and GI Joe comics. It seems like he's closing a deal there to publish Transformers and GI Joe, um, which obviously the rights lapsed at IDW. Um, what do you think, Rich? Uh, and he's not he writing them. Have, he, he's not he writing them. Money, but he better have the money to pay people. Well, he does. Are you kidding, Robert Kirkman? He's fucking made of money. Yeah, but you're going to have to pay to get those. Um, yeah, but like, think about the guy, man. He's got multiple shows on TV. Um, I think he's doing okay financially. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be a, a cash problem. I mean, the 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 price of the comic is the most expensive thing would have been the would have been a license to me. Getting the comics out there is not going to be as expensive as that. Not, not with the kind of cash that he's got. The kind of revenue he brings I, in from... I, I, don't, I don't know if he's that low. Well, Walking Dead and all the Walking Dead spin-offs, he gets a piece out of all of that. He's a producer yeah, yeah, on all of I them. I still count him as independent loaded, not like massive company loaded. Sure. Like... Yeah, but I mean, he, he, let's say conservatively he's probably worth upwards of 200 mil, you know? Um... By this stage, I think that's being conservative too, because I think he's had. Yeah, but even if you're worth two hundred mil, doesn't mean you have two hundred mil. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's not the same thing. How like, much do you think the that, your value much... is not what you have? Yeah, it depends on how much cash you've got. But I would think that he's he's bringing in a lot of revenue, like easily enough to. Clearly, I think the most the most expensive thing would have been Look, buying the license. All I'm saying is that even the bigger companies who have been around for a long time, like say your Dynamites, your IDWs. Mm. Of stuff, even they've been known to struggle to pay people. Sure, like you know what I mean. So I'm just saying, like, yeah, but he's not. Um, he's not doing like as many comics as them. He's not doing the level of. He's not going to do twenty GI Joe comics and twenty uh, Transformers comics kind of thing per month. He's probably going to have at most two to three titles out of each of them. You know, and and how much does a how much does a twenty page comic cost? Do you reckon to get to the printers? Well, how much an issue? I'm not sure. You pay the artist, and then you you paying the writer. Like, what would it cost? Like, what twenty five k? 
something like that? Oh, More? I could not be able to tell you because, I mean, I suppose it depends on what the artist is yeah. negotiated, what the writer's negotiated, yeah. uh, what sort of quality paper you're using. Yeah, but, but, but I'm saying, let's using. say it costs somewhere from 25 to 50K. I don't think it's going to cost any more than that. I reckon it's, I reckon twenty five k per issue. Yeah, but, is probably... but but again, but if again, if you're Hasbro and all that, you might be like, no, we don't want just one comic of GI Joe and one comic of Transformers. We want yeah, like, but there might be three you know, titles we, of each. We per want month. a bit more than that. Well, uh, again, we'll we'll have to see. As I said, I mean, it's all speculation. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter who's publishing. At the end of the day, it matters who's writing it and who's who's drawing it at the end of the day. Like, and that's it's, more what it's I'm apparently not going to be him. About. Apparently it's not going to be him. Um, no, no, of course not going to be him. He's too busy yeah. with uh, with his own uh, self-owned um, franchise uh, stuff and all that, man. Like, he's, yeah. he's way too busy kind of also overseeing a lot of the um, TV Adap and... Yeah, adaptations uh, like Invincible, The Walking Dead yeah. stuff. So, he you know, had, so, yeah, I, know, I know he's... But my point is that still leads to, like, okay, fine, it's going to Skybound, but... Who is going to be doing it? Who's going to be writing yeah. it? Who's going to be I like it. drawing it? Because those are important questions. Big questions, Rich. And I, I like that you're on top of them. And, I mean, stay on the story, Rich. While I'm away for a week in the fucking forest, you've got to be Lois Lane, man. I'm giving you my Lois Lane hat. And uh, mate, that you that week I'm on I'm on I'm off duty from that man. I'm going to be playing Santa's fucking helper for a week. So. All right, fine. What are you doing, Santa's helper? Lois is. <laughs> yeah, I'm helping people fucking buy their, their gifts and getting their shit ready for Christmas. Okay, fair enough. All right, know, so all those, so I'm a, God, my fridge just broke down. I've got 20 people coming. I need the fridge right now. Oh, that kind of stuff, right? I work stuff. Okay, all right. So the news desk is going to lie idle for a week, and, and I'll be in the forest. Man, like... I, if, if you're, you're going on a holiday. I'm going on a working holiday. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to... If there's, like, something massive happens, I wonder if someone could get, like, a, you know, old-style, like, you know, the old the old um, pony... pony What would they call it? The Pony Telegraph or whatever. The Pony Express. You know, get, get, the, get the message out to Dave in the forest. You know, carry a pigeon. Like, there's got to be some way. Set up a flare. Good luck with that. <laughs> Light the signal. Yeah, light the signal strong. Now, there have been release date changes at Marvel and also Indiana Jones in terms of the movies. So I've got, Rich, a list. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which was the trailer at the end of Spider-Man, has been delayed from March 25, 2022 to May 6, 2022. Um, mm. Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, delayed from May 6, 2022 to July 8, 2022. Um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, delayed from July 8, 2022 to November 11, 2022. Um, Indiana Jones 5 has been delayed almost a year from July 29, 2022 to June 30, 2023. The Marvels... Mm -hmm. Um, featuring Ms. Marvel, unfortunately, um, Captain Marvel and uh, some other Captain Marvel. I'm not even sure what her name is. Monica Rambo delayed Next, from yeah, delayed from November 11, 2022, to Feb 7, 2023. Um, gee, I don't care about that movie, and I even care less about Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Delayed from Feb 7, 2023 to July 28, 2023. They could delay this movie to 2053 for all I care. 
and then an untitled Marvel movie has been moved forward, Richard, from November 10, 2023 to November 3, 2023. So... Oh, wow, a whole week. Yeah, a whole week. And untitled as well. So, oh, my God. It's funny that the the one that you have no interest in seeing is the only one I have any interest in actually watching out of that list. Which one is that? The Ant-Man. Oh, you you are an Ant-Man fan, aren't you? You like these movies, don't you? Well, I like... I like that because you can have a bit of fun with it because of the shrinking stuff. Yeah, like, I like yeah. the shrinking stuff. It makes it a bit fun. Yeah, they're okay. I, look, I don't, I don't hate them. I just, to me, they're just very dull. Um, yeah, but interesting though. Like uh, they're really delayed. I mean, Indiana Jones Five. I mean, my God, is Harrison Ford still going to be alive by the time this movie comes out? Um, well, it depends if he stops flying or not. Yeah. Um, when I look at that list, God, I see a lot of movies I don't care about. Like Indiana Jones Five, I care about. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, I don't care about. I'm so sick of hearing about that actress who plays Shuri saying she's definitely coming back. People misreported her anti-vax comments. Like, but it's like, Shuri, I don't really care if you're in it or not, like, frankly. Um, Doctor Strange, I mean, I'm mildly looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it like I look forward to Black Widow. I'm sort of like, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to it, I guess. Thor Love and Thunder I am looking forward to. Um, so that'll be interesting right in the middle of the year. But, yeah, definitely um, none of these movies are making me excited like Spider-Man did. I- I'm looking more forward to the new Spider-Man movie that they do, the next one, uh, than any of this stuff. Um, now, Rich, according to Hollywood Reporter, uh, sources report there are two versions of Matt Reeves' The Batman with audiences. One cut of the film origin- uh, features a certain actor, while the other cuts the actor out entirely. The final test screening has already happened, and the studio has selected its preferred version. This report comes following rumours that Eternal star, and I use that word in quotes, Barry Keegan will appear in The Batman as the Joker, though he was officially cast in the film as Gotham City Police Department Officer Stanley Merkel in 2022. Um, His rumoured role as a clown prince of crime led to an enthusiastic reaction from fans on social media though this has not been officially confirmed by the actor or by Warner Brothers. So do you feel that that's potentially the actor that they're kind of arming and ahhing about? I mean, and ahhing about what? Whether to include it, when they're saying that there's two versions of the movie, you know, one featuring oh. a certain actor and, and one, you know, with someone else. Uh, I, I don't know or care. I'm not interested in seeing any version. Well, you're going to have to see it for the signal, Rich. The Batman. We're but I'm not do... interested in seeing any version, is my point. Yeah, well, regardless, you're still seeing it, and you're going to have to have an opinion. Like, come on. You know, I'm I'm typing in... Oh, Barry. no, I've really got... No, no, man. Just how you give movies 10 out of 10 before seeing them, I'm giving this 3 out of 10 before seeing it. I tell you what, I'm not a fan of this actor. I just Googled him, this Barry Keown guy, and that is not... Yeah, he looks, he looks too much like Ezra Miller. He does look a lot like Ezra Miller, and I'm not feeling that for the Joker. God, I hope that's not the yeah, Joker. Yeah, i be honest with you. I, I fucking wonder when these these reporting sites, these Hollywood reports stuff, when they say um, uh, enthusiastic action from fans. Sure. What fans? Yeah, I know. His fans? His family? <laughs> Batman fans? Yeah. Snyder fans? Like, what fans are, are we talking about that are enthusiastic? I just want to know, like, what fans? Because yeah. I've, like, heard fuck all. Yeah, yeah. So like, I. from Batman fans are like, oh, my God, this Barry Coogan, oh, my God, it's- <laughs> I'm like, I haven't heard any of that from, <laughs> like, uh, people that I know and, and fans of, like, comic books and all Well, that. this fan of Batman is giving him a thumbs down, Rich. Are you hearing that? 
Uh, I've never heard of this guy in my well, life. It sounds to me like they're cramming way too fucking much in this movie anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm I mean, you've got what? You've got Scarecrow in it, don't you? You've got Riddler. You've got uh, Penguin. Penguin, yeah. You've got Catwoman. Like, uh, now apparently there might be Joker in it as well. And you're like, what? what, what we just put in all the fucking... Is Two-Face going to be in it too? Like, I, I, mind you, I am excited for the Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm really not. When that... I saw a still photo of him. He's taken the mask off. Yeah. You know, and he's got the fucking black around his eyes and he's got that emo hair. Yeah. That's looking all sweaty and oily. And I was just like, oh, it looks so gross. Well, it's a different. It really looks like an emo kid trying to be Batman. It's a a younger version, man. Nah, I'm not feeling it, man. Like, nah. Ron Patterson just turns me off completely from this movie. By the way, we're getting live reports. Ray's uh, about to watch Spider-Man. He's got complimentary popcorn and Pepsi. Couple of beers on the way. So Ray's set to go. Like he's he's all installed uh, in the in the uh, in the seat there. Okay, look, he's going to be he's going to be loving it. He's being a pig and shit watching this movie. He's going to really really dig it. I think. Um, yeah, no, I'm not excited for we Barry Barry Coogan. Well, I, I said to Ray, give me a score afterwards. I want your score, Ray. Um, you know we need we need to get it. Now the Super Pets trailer, Rich. You had some thoughts on this at lunch the other day. You were talking about the Super Pets, and um, yeah, I think it's shit. Yeah, I I'm, I must admit, any enthusiasm I had for this is it, it, look, it's for the little kids though. If I if I had your young children, I'd certainly be taking them to see it, kind of thing. Like, but you know. They're little kids, kind of. That's the point I was making to you. I, can I no? Can I just be honest with you? I I hate that excuse, but it's true though. No, 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 no. I'm sorry because when we were little kids, there was plenty. We of watched shit. fantastic animated movies by Disney and all that sort of stuff. But there was plenty. Of Whether shit. they be like your Snow Whites, your Lion Kings, and all that. But no, but again, but this is supposed to be a like a. This is again. This is super pets. This is mm. based on like high value intellectual property. Mm. you know, from, like, DC and Warner Brothers, and this whole, like, hey, it's just for kids, it's stupid, and it's like, yep, so why? Why must kids watch something that's stupid because they're kids? Like, it doesn't have to be so lowbrow and stupid just because they're kids. Yeah. Like, I didn't. I don't remember watching that much lowbrow kid stuff like movies. There was like, a Disney lot. Disney didn't treat like kids like idiots when they made those movies. Yeah, but there was a lot of stuff that wasn't like A list material. Like always has been for kids. You know, they pump out a lot of sort of budget. But again, stuff. but this is supposed to be A list. Is my point. We're not talking sure. about some low budget shit. Right. Okay. Like to me, a Warner Brothers thing based on the Super Pets crypto. Mm. Yeah. You know, a Superman property. I'm sorry. That's that's. That's high value intellectual property. That to yep. me, that should be on par with like Lion King or Jungle sure. Book or sure. you know uh, Beauty and the Beast or something like that. It should be done well. But instead, they're it's doing some cheap shit. Instead, like they're doing pump characters. and dump kind of thing. They're just kind of pumping it out there and dumping. Yeah, it Yeah, it's that you know? typical like let's just do stupid jokes and the kids will go blah blah. blah. It's like yeah, maybe, but the kids won't remember it. But a lot of like, kids, that's it's, lo- it's low hanging I remember fruit. those shows that I watched. You know what I mean? As a kid, I remember those Disney movies not because they made me laugh and then I forgot about it, but because they were actually like good. But they weren't all good, Rich. Not all the kids' products were good. And there was plenty of. Uh, I, I can I can safely say that pretty much Disney was is almost batting a hundred for their early animated stuff. Maybe Disney, but there were a lot of other companies putting stuff out there, like fucking Sword in the Stone or the Black Cauldron and all that stuff. Black Hole, like th- these were all animated stuff that came out in the eighties that were 
pretty good. Those crap. are actually pretty good. Well, a Black Hole wasn't. I, I saw that. That was awful. You know? I don't know. There's Black Hole. Isn't that live action? Mixture. It's a mixture of the two. I think I saw I think I saw Black Hole. It's like again, it's, for when that was made, that's not bad. I mean, it was still quite smart, the movie. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, it didn't dumb down a lot of the science and all that sort of stuff. But, but my point yeah. is I, I, but again, I'm not. Again, you see, I kind of feel like you're you're giving them the excuse of like, oh, there was other bad lower companies or smaller companies. I'm like, okay, fine, but we're not talking about cheaper lower companies. We're talking about Warner Brothers, sure, and a DC property like that. You should be putting your best writers on it. You should be like, let's make a fucking classic. Let's make a great movie. Well, your criticism not, was let's everyone's just make a, a pump and dump like shit yeah. that'll be forgotten in a year. Your criticism was that everyone's a joke machine, wasn't it? Yeah, like every single character, like even crypto is is snarky and like uh, like quirky and funny, and so is Ace, and so is the pig, and so is the squirrel, and so is you know what I mean. Like every, even Superman is like a goofball in it, and I'm like, I get that it's not supposed to be serious. That doesn't mean that every single person has to be a goofball. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? Um, what they're going for. They're, on Disney+, Plus. There's it's called, like, uh, Spider-Man and his friends or something, and it's but it's like, it's Peter Parker, Miles, and Spider-Gwen, but they're all really young, so they're going for sort of, they're all, like, five or six, or six or seven, and they're all, so it's kind of like the kiddie adventures. If It's kind of like Muppet Babies, if you think of Muppet Babies. You know how they're all the younger versions of them? But they're all still the same sort of thing. It's kind of that. It's and it feels like I just put it on just to gauge it for younger viewers, and and that's it. Feels like that's what they're trying to do with this, you know. But um, like, you know what I'm putting like get, put it this way. I can understand that the so in the trailer from what I, I can see is that something happens to the Justice League, right? Right. And uh, a gem or something falls into an animal shelter. Um, and the 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 other these pets these um, unwanted pets get powers right, mm-hmm. um, and I could understand it if like crypto was like the straight dog, like the straight character, yeah, the hero, mm-hmm. and something's happened, and now he's got to try and get these ragtag, you know, characters who yes maybe they haven't been loved so maybe you know in my opinion A should be the gruff um, yeah. Uh, uh, doesn't trust anyone type of character, not the Kevin Hart, like, oh, man, what you doing? What you looking at? Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And then, like, if you give each one of them a personality and then it's up to Crypto mm. to, like, make them heroes. He's the straight guy. They are the goofballs, and he's kind of like, oh, I've got to deal with these guys. Yeah. But I feel like he's just as goofball as the 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 the, the shelter pets. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't feel like there's much um, variety in in character and personality where it should, to me, it would have made more sense for crypto to be the straight guy. Sure. Well, he would have been the obvious. He's trying to get the job done. He's trying to save the justice league and these untrained goofballs, you know, make things difficult. That could be funny, but that doesn't seem what they're going for. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, that's why I said, I think you could have still done it smarter and still been for kids. I don't, I, I hate that excuse of, Oh, it's for kids can be stupid. I'm like, yeah, very little respect for kids. If that's like, 
if, if that's your view when you make something like it's for kids we don't have to put effort into it but they i mean like in all fairness and this isn't just dc but plenty of companies do that there's plenty of kids material oh, these days for sure yes yeah. these days the excuse is oh it's just for, oh it's just for kids don't be so critical it's just for kids and i'm like well that's that i feel like that's wrong because i think kids should get the best too yeah. Like the kids should get your best uh, uh, effort as well, not just your, eh, fuck it, I'll give my bare minimum because it's for kids. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of, it'd be interesting to get some parents out there because, I mean, for all the little classics where they have little in-jokes for the parents, I know there's some stuff the parents must just think, please let this be over sometime soon, you know. And, of course, the kids have to, you know, kids famously, if they enjoy something, they want to watch it again and again and again, you know. Mm. So it can it can drive the parents crazy kind of thing because they've got to watch something that might have been mildly entertaining, like, you know, 400 times because uh, the kids love it so much kind of thing. It's all part of the joy of parenthood, Rich, you know? <laughs> well, as I said, I just felt like the reason that the Disney stuff is classics, right, and mm. that's why I keep bringing up Disney, is because they put massive effort into it. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like the reason that Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, you know, like even the reason they're considered classics is because they were well-made movies. Mm. They're not just kids' movies. They are well-made movies. Sure. And and that's why I feel like a lot of kids' movies today are almost like you forget about them. Yeah. You watch them and you forget about them because they're not... Yeah, they, they're made to just, like, churn them out. Mm. You know, get a quick buck from uh, um, parents taking their kids to the movies or something, and that's it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 100%. That happens all the time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the, the the at the end of the trailer didn't impress me. Is what I'm getting down to. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you weren't happy. Yeah, no, and and it's fair enough. And and I actually I will say this. I think you're on the money. I I don't think you're wrong. Kind of thing. I think I think you've summed it up. And you know, it's as you know, it's it's yeah. I've thought the same sort of stuff sometimes. Where you're just like, man, they don't try. Sometimes you know, sometimes they just sort of slap a label on it. And um, I did think that the the, the Spider Man one was was okay. You know, like I thought if I had a young children and I was trying to indoctrinate them in Spider-Man, like, you know, I like how Ray tries to, you know, brainwash his kid, um, I would definitely introduce him to that show. I thought it struck the right kind of balance if you had that kid that was about five or six, you know, um, mm. you know, or four to six, somewhere in that region. I, I felt in that instance, and I just feel that that's what they're also trying to do here. Um, whether they'll yeah. be successful uh, is a completely separate matter, you know. Mm-hmm. They could they could definitely not be successful. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I, I, just, yeah. I got a question for you before we move on to the next topic. Um, sure. Could you also speaking of a Spider Man? Have you seen Miles Morales's new Spider Man costume? No, I'll Google it now. I'm familiar with That's his normal costume. Horrendous. Yeah. It's horrendous. In the comics, is it? Yeah, it's like black and pink. I'm, I'm typing it in now. Miles Morales. New costume, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Miles Morales, new suit. Um, Miles Morales across the Spider-Verse updates his costume. Is that what I'm meant to be looking at? I think so. If it's black and pink, yes. And you can even see his ankles. It's like he doesn't even... His, his pants don't even go all the way down to his ankles. Right. Well, what I'm or what I'm looking at is not that, but... Miles Morales, here we go, uh, giving the young hero a brand new costume. This will have it. Let me have a look here. Let me see what Rich says. Uh, is this it? It just looks the same. Black with red? No. I don't know. This doesn't look much different to normal. 
Hang on, I will. I'll send you a pic. Anyway, moving yeah, on. Send me a picture and I'll have a look. Um, yeah, move, moving on from uh, that stuff. Now, interesting. Dune director Denis Villeneuve is going to adapt Arthur C. Clarke's Rendezvous with Rama. I will say this. I have read Rendezvous with Rama uh, back when I was a teenager reading just about anything sci-fi fantasy. And I think I even read like a sequel. I remember really enjoying it. Have you read this one, Rich? No. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bring up the the sort of... It, it was an interesting sort of... It was like a Clash of Cultures book. I believe it featured sort of almost like a primitive race uh, that might have had like uh, sort of like telepathic powers or something mixing with, I, I want to say, humans or something. It was really an interesting, interesting read. I, I'm, I'm bringing it up here. Rendezvous with Rama is a science fiction novel by British writer Arthur C. Clarke, first published in 73. The story involves a 50 by 20 kilometer cylindrical alien spaceship that enters the solar system. Maybe this isn't the book I read. The story is told from the point of view from a group of human explorers who intercept the ship in an attempt to unlock its mysteries. I'm remembering it having, like, apes and stuff in it, but maybe I'm thinking of something completely different. Um, I think it might be, yes. Yeah. Wow, that's that's fucking hilarious, man. Because I'm thinking of something that had, like, sort of, like, apes uh, and all sorts of stuff with, I thought, sort of, like, um, uh, how can I say, like, sort of um, telepathic abilities. Um I'm not seeing anything like that here, man. Nothing. <laughs> so maybe, you, you, maybe you're confused with Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I definitely read a book that was kind of like, um, it was kind of like, the book I'm thinking of, it definitely had a clash of cultures. And that's the only part of this that feels similar. But it also had um, like apes and then mixing in with, um, how can I say, like humans and pr- like Neanderthals. You know how we spoke about Neanderthals, similar to Neanderthals, but they were kind of more like apes. But um, I, you know what I also read, and probably this is who it was. I read a lot of Robert Silverberg. Um, as a, a, a in that phase, I was about thirteen to fifteen. I, I churned through a lot of books, so it's probably not that surprising that I, I I tended to read like almost the entire amount of the sci-fi section in the library. Um, and I'm probably confusing with, there's probably a Robert Silverberg book that's exactly what I'm describing, because I definitely read it, and I remember it had a sequel, which I also read, but, um, that's so funny, and I was like, I was like, oh, fantastic, he's doing this book, oh, wow, a book that I remember, and then it's like a completely different book. Um, any memories from you on Rendezvous with Rama, Rich? Have you read any Arthur C. Clarke stuff? Uh, not much, actually, honestly. No. Um, I, I actually did read a bit. I read his 2001 Space Odyssey. I read the sequel. I think I, I read, I reckon, three uh, three of those books. And I read a few other things from as well. Not a ton, because I was never... I, I preferred Robert Silverberg from that sort of harder sci-fi genre. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting, um, interesting writer. And definitely... Was it... It was Isaac Asimov who did the... Um, he did the, the one with... Um, 
iRobot and all that stuff, wasn't it? That was Isaac. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, if, if any listeners are out there, if they can remember what this book was, and I, and I want to say if it wasn't... Um, if it wasn't us, let's see, Clark. And there was a, it was a series of them, and they featured like a Neanderthal race. I think mixing with um, mixing with like humans or something. Like it was it was interesting. Um, but anyway, we'll have to have to move on from Dave's memory. It's so hard when you're trying to remember something from like seriously like 30, 35 years ago, and like you're like I read it once. I love when people do that with movies. Like, have you seen this movie? And you're like, yeah, like in nineteen ninety one. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I saw it like you know I mean that's it I don't remember too much about it uh, like I can give you a yeah I liked it at the time fuck like you know like Jesus um, it's just so funny when that happens uh, now and that's sometimes I feel what Hollywood trades on with like obviously a bigger uh, budget movie but like Independence Day now I saw Independence Day in cinemas when it came out loved it I don't know if I ever watched it again, maybe once, but like so many years have passed that it kind of has this place in my memory that's is slightly nostalgic, but it's not exactly remembering the movie that well, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, that happens. Yeah, like you just, yeah, it's not like a movie like Star Wars. I've seen Star Wars so many times. I'm talking the original New Hope, but I kind of know it beat for beat, all the original trilogy movies. Like, I do know those movies inside out, whereas some other movies, you see it once, you're like, yeah, I enjoyed it, but if you if you had to reconstruct the fucking plot, you'd be struggling, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of movies where you've watched it maybe once, maybe twice, where yeah. you've enjoyed it, but it's more of a, you remember more the feeling. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, of the enjoyment than the actual, like, in the ins and outs and nuts and bolts of the movie. Yeah, totally. Or book or whatever. Yeah. That happens to me a lot. I've read so many books and stuff that I just, the yeah, there's books where I'd be like, man, it's a really good book. I really enjoyed it. People go like, what's it about? And I kind of go, well, I mean, it's like kind of like, because you just remember enjoying it. You don't yeah. necessarily remember like all the, the, the nooks and crannies. No, definitely. Yeah. No, it's it, exactly, man. And like, you know, at a certain point, don't they say your brain can only hold so much information? You know? I don't know if that's true or not, though. <laughs> well, like, well I, for, 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 I like to pretend it's true because I've got a bad memory. <laughs> like, no, the problem is, is I think that your, your brain does retain, like, a lot of information. The problem is, is accessing it when you need it. Right. That's why, you know, like, sometimes you're like, no, I know this, I know this, I know this. And then, like, a day or two later... It'll yeah. pop in your head and you'll be like, ah, oh, that's what I was, that's the name or something like that. It's because I think we do actually like remember a lot, but it's, it's, it's missing sometimes that information that, that goes awry. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we, it's almost like you can't find it. It's like, I like to think of like brains as like a filing cabinet sure. and something's been misfiled. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't, and then you find it in another room. Oh, that's what I was looking for the other day. So I think we can hold a lot of information, but we just can't always access it when we need it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, and I mean it's funny because sometimes you remember stuff that happened. Um, I mean, think about it this way: you might go like, "I don't remember the plot of the movie," and then when someone says it to you, you might go, "Oh yes, of course, that's right." And then da 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 da. So, like, it's there. It's just yeah, you just you know can't always access it. So, yeah, mm. yeah, interesting stuff, man. Like, yeah, you get in real deep into into that kind of stuff, and and where do you wind up? 
sometimes it's like what do i remember am i remembering a memory or am i remembering what i well, you know with, with you we don't know <laughs> well, <laughs> rendezvous with rama sometimes i don't know if you're remembering fact or your dreams <laughs> rendezvous with rama i think i'm remembering a completely different fucking book <laughs> <laughs> well that's my point like so it's like sometimes you just may get your what you're remembering wrong what would have been hilarious is if i sat down to watch this fucking movie and i was like wow i can't wait for the fucking prehistoric race to turn up <laughs> and we're like, i'm like halfway through you, you've been sitting there the whole time going when are the apes coming well yeah it reminds me uh, sometimes that can lead to hilarious results i i always thought that brian uh, not brian cave on brian woods northlanders viking series which i enjoy i for some reason thought that it was that it was the story of Vikings versus aliens, like a sort of cowboys and aliens kind of like so a sort of mashup book, and I start reading it and I'm thinking, wow, they're really building the Viking story up, um, and then I'm, I'm going and it's kind of somber. Um, where, where are the aliens? In, where are the aliens invading? Like we're really spending a lot of time with the Vikings and their kind of domestic life. And and then I, I I looked and I was like I just had completely the wrong fucking you know whatever pitch I'd heard I'd mangled in my brain, and I and I thought it was gonna be Vikings at the height of their Viking plundering encountering aliens and then fighting and just being a massive war book, and instead it's kind of more like a sort of quite somber dark take on the Vikings, um, mm. so it was pretty funny like and it, it is hilarious when that kind of stuff happens and you're just like wow. It's just not what I expected. Luckily, in the case of Northlanders, it was actually a really good series. Um, now, Janae Villeneuve, I've got to say this, his movies are more on the boring side for me. Like Arrival, June, Blade Runner, 2049. To me, they're all... They're they're, they're good, but they're also a bit dull and long, you know? Maybe, maybe that's why he likes his book. Yeah. Well, maybe you should do the book that I was talking about. Maybe say, hey... Uh, Mr. Villeneuve, how about you do this book? What do you, who, who wrote it, Dave? Not sure. Um, I just go go. It's a story about encountering some sort of Planet of the Apes kind of characters with, I think, telepathic. Like no, but not Planet of the Apes. But not Planet of the Apes. Definitely not Planet of the Apes. It was a book. Uh, it was in the Hobart Library in the early nineties, <laughs> and and it was potentially by Arthur C. Clarke or Robert Silverberg. Are you one hundred percent on that? No, I am not. <laughs> no i am not sir good luck but i need you to find it i need you to find it i need you to make that movie and uh yeah basically and any other details none at all zero that's as much details as i've got now you more than enough <laughs> exactly i've given you a fucking movie now go make it um now kick-ass director says a big reboot is in the works for kick-ass uh, matthew vaughn teased a reboot of a superhero franchise saying that fans should expect more details in the next two years jesus like he's really stringing us along isn't he i don't feel like it should take that long to make a kick-ass movie honestly well it almost bit like is he trying to get funding like is he finding out like is he aware that like kick-ass 2 didn't do as well as kick-ass 1 it's not like there's like that's why he wants no but that's why he wants to remake kick-ass 1 yeah right i see yeah okay right just like keep, just keep remaking Kickass One. I, I'll tell you a funny fact. Um, it was in Kickass One. I was I was watching it in cinema, 
and I got the idea for the Demorn series. Not really related to what I was seeing on screen, but I was seeing the movie for a second time, and during the movie, my brain kind of disconnected, and I started coming up with the plot of the Demorn series in my in my head. And I went back home and re- and wrote wrote down like about the first third of the book. Over the thing, it wasn't a good movie then. I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I it was also the second well, time. Clearly, you were not really paying attention to the movie that much because you was you were pl- planning out your book. So, mm. good thing the movie wasn't that interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, but it was the second time I was seeing it as well. So I do enjoy the first Kick Ass, and I quite enjoyed the second one. But I I think the first one was a particularly good movie i mean but just like the comic book franchise i i i feel that like its story was told and the the more they tried to sort of keep it going i i I felt it almost kind of cheapened it a little bit i i don't know it was an interesting concept though i I will yeah but i mean didn't they also they kind of um they they what's the word hollywoodified hollyfied the movie Mm. because they gave him the, the 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 happy ending sure in the in the movie when in the books it's uh he gets made to look like an ass like yeah, yeah. you know like in the in the first movie he, he ends up getting with the girl yes and he's like banging on a dumps and all that but in the comic she like basically tells him to fuck off doesn't she i think so i or mean like, i can't remember she makes him look like an idiot or something like that and i was like and, but that's also see the problem with the hollywood sometimes is that they they want to take you know they're like oh that's popular we want want to you know get that popularity but we also don't want to we don't want to make our audience feel bad yeah like no that's true no we need him to have the good ending it's like yeah but then you're changing the book and therefore you're changing what makes it unique and special or different yeah from like your regular hollywood happy ending trash sure well yeah i mean just because the happy ending doesn't make it trash you know like no, I'm not saying that movie's trash. I'm saying I'm talking about the trash trope sure. that Hollywood has of like this kind of all, like. Do you know how many movies and stuff they've changed to have a happy ending when there wasn't one in like the source material? It's just because a lot. for some reason Hollywood loves the fucking happy ending trope, or or should I be more accurate? The the audience that they get to screen test sure loves the happy ending, but it's like yeah, but you're not making it for those like twenty people. Yes, like you are trying, you're making it for a general audience, and let's be honest, like um, the people who are singing that movie's praises to the moon will be the actual fans of the comic if you make it. Yeah, but... like what they remember, because again, they'll because remember a lot of those guys, people will go on, they'll talk negatively about it, and that will affect people's perception of it. Mm. But if they're all raving about it and like giving it positive reviews and all that sort of stuff, mm. well, it's a good chance a lot of people go see it then. Yeah, I mean, they, I, I, Hollywood, I yeah, Hollywood likes you to leave with a smile on your face kind of thing a lot of the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, happy endings. I mean, I, I'm not, like, totally addicted to them. I do, I mean, I must admit, I, I'm not happy, but but I don't like a, the ending to be too depressing. And, or when it, do, when it does, I like it to sort of be an exception. You know, there have been some endings that, that sort of no, no, I, I do agree with you. I don't have an issue with happy endings, but if your source material doesn't have the happy yes. ending, then I don't think you should be changing it. Totally agree. It's it's kind of like to give an example. Uh, if you were like, okay, and, and look, and Hollywood could definitely fucking do this. You know what they're like? They'd be like, we're going to remake Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you know, and we're going to do it now in twenty, you know, fucking twenty one or twenty twenty two, and we're going to do it all. But in this one, they survive. 
you know, right off into the sunset, live, yeah. live to fight another day. Yeah. Like, but that changes the whole movie. Yeah, exactly. It changes the whole, like, you're, you're changing. Now, I know you're talking about source material, but in this case, the source material is the film. You're changing one of the most iconic sequences, and it has so much meaning within the film that they're so doomed, you know? Um, mm. And the whole lead-up to that, you, you're basically bankrupting the meaning of the entire movie if you change that ending. Uh you know, or for the sake of a fucking sequel franchise that we've got, you know, like, it's like, fuck off, basically. You know, like, uh, and by the way, I think that's almost a perfect movie, and yeah, you could remake it, um, but I think it'd be hard to recapture the charm, but you could remake it, but if they did remake it, I hope they wouldn't change that ending. It's also famous for that ending. You know, it's like the ending of Bonnie and Clyde. Well, because that's the, that's, the, that's the going out in a blaze of glory ending. That's the, exactly. like, yes, we are probably going to die, but we're going to go out with a blaze, like, even though we're not going to make it, we're not going to sit here and cower yeah. or wait for them to come. We're going to go out there. And that's what makes it like sad, but also um, inspiring in a way. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not lying there waiting for death. You're going to go and yeah. poke you in the eye before he takes you. you and which I mean? was in so... keeping with the, which was in keeping also with the vibe of the characters throughout the whole thing. You know, they, they enjoyed, mm. they enjoyed life and they, you know, lived on their own terms kind of thing. Like, if you want to get into it a bit deeper, like, yeah, for sure. Um, now, recently we've had uh, songwriters uh, the likes of Bob Dylan sold, uh, I think, to Universal for around 300 million US, uh, maybe a bit more than that. Um, Neil Young sold 50% of his catalogue. Bruce Springsteen has sold his publishing catalogue to Sony for a reported 500 million US. Um, you know, You know, what fascinates me is... I'd love to know the finances. Like, I think partly this is an estate thing, like where he's thinking it, it makes it easier to divide up his estate, you know, for when he passes away, now that he's probably into his 70s. Just like with Bob Dylan. Like, these guys aren't lacking for cash. So you, you're like, why would they sell all their rights? But maybe it's just to get that really big cash injection that you can then get cash amounts out from the estate to, you know, in your will. What do you think, Rich? Um... Yeah, well, the, yeah, it's, but yeah. If you're getting on in age, then um, you've already. You know, I mean, you've, you've got probably a lot of from your royalties and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and you can't take your music with you. Yes. And I guess what? Yeah, what you're doing is you're getting that big, big payment, like sort of upfront. Yes. And, and then you're ensuring that your music is stays out there, like to be played. Yeah. Like on radios and stuff and all that without any like real uh, restrictions or court issues or uh, stuff and all that. I, I imagine it would be something along those lines of like, you know, you know and I'm just going to add half a mil, no, half a mil, like half a billion. Yes. Yeah. To my royalty pile. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the music can now go live on in the radio waves and they can keep doing CDs and collector's editions and all that sort of crap and my music will still be out there. The, the funny thing is with Bob Dylan, I mean, he's a guy who's addicted to the road. Now, Bob Dylan sold for roughly, slightly less, but around the same number. And he he announced his touring until, I think, 2024. So this is a guy who just loves the road. So in his case, I, I do think, as you say, it was like, I think it's an estate thing as well. You've got XYs, you've got kids, you've got this, you've got that. That way I can apportion out well, yeah, the I millions. Mean... They still own their music. Like he can still go and tour and play the music. Yes. It. It's just yes. that they own like the 
maybe the digital library or something, or you yeah. know what I mean, or the 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 recorded library but i mean he can again it's his music he can still go and sell out concerts yeah and, definitely um all that sort of shit so again it's a win-win doesn't that tell you that bob is addicted to the road though because at his age he's 80 to to want to keep touring worldwide that, that's the compulsion. Can, can i be honest with you i don't think it's an addiction thing i think it's just of like what else would i be doing sure yeah like at my age like Getting- i can either just sit at home well, you could, He's old. but you could say getting a blowjob by the pool. I'd rather do that than have to go out and sing my fucking songs again. But that's just me, you know. Uh, well, that's probably why you're not a, a, <laughs> a an artiste, dude. <laughs> like for him, it's it's about the music. It's yeah, like, sure. <laughs> that, that is his passion. Like, sure. Where I'd just know, be maybe like, maybe your passion is is being rich enough to get blowjobs by the pool. Yeah, I'd be like, day. it's it's coke and horse for that's Dave. Your, as your passion, that's but for him, it's yeah. For, I, I would imagine for him, it's like this is this, this is, is what I want to do. I don't want to be sitting at home. And God bless him. Time. I mean, God bless him. I love Bob Dylan. I've seen him ten times, so I love that he's on the road. Like whatever keeps the guy the guy happy. I mean, I you know he, he's obviously happiest touring. He probably gets enough relaxation at home in between tours, and then he, he gets a compulsion to get out there and perform. I, yeah, but I, I dig mean, it. You know? Look, it's it's no different to to a writer. Yeah, like. When you get older, you might not be getting published anymore, mm. but you're still probably sitting at home in your retirement age, still like writing manuscripts and oh, yeah. treatments and and stuff because that's just what your passion is. That's what you love drawing. It's the same. Like if when I'm 80 years old, mm. like retired, I'll still be sitting probably with a you know pencil and paper. Yeah, you know, because I'm probably too old to understand technology then, and I'll revert back to that because computers will be too far above me. Sure. <laughs> And, but I'll still be drawing probably in my spare time. Because Why not? It's, yeah. It's it's what I derive like enjoyment from. So. I, I, I fully plan to write more books when I get into my into my 50s and stuff in the 60s. I, I 100% plan to no, do That's it. my point. Like, But yeah, but that's his writing. Do you know what I mean? Him going and performing and playing sure. music, that's his form of... But he has to do that on the road. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Luckily for like you or me, our passion and our hobby can be done from home. Mm. You know, like sitting in the nice chair with a coffee or whatever, still doing stuff that brings us passion. But for him, he has to go and perform because he's a performer. Mm. By the way, I looked at that Miles Morales and it looks absolutely fucking woeful. It almost looks like... Oh, he... did, you see the one, did you see the one I put in Discord? Uh, you've texted it to me. Um, no, no, I put a better one in Discord okay. if you can see it. Well, it looks almost like he's wearing a tracksuit. <laughs> it is. It's, a, it's a, like a pink and black tracksuit with a hoodie. Right. Is it really a pink and black, black, honestly? I just don't understand it at all. Um, It's it's terrible, like, frankly. If I have to be brutally honest, it's absolutely fucking terrible. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan at all. Uh, Thumbs down to Miles Morales' new outfit. Um, Go back to the drawing board, literally. Um, CD Projekt said last week that proceedings in the class action lawsuit filed against it in December 2020 over the sorry state of Cyberpunk's 2077 launch have been suspended because an out-of-court of settlement was being hammered out. Today, it announced an agreement has been reached and assuming the court agrees, the whole thing will go away for $1.85 million. Man, I should have got involved in this class action lawsuit just to get a piece of that, you know? Ah, uh, but you just enjoyed the game too much and you weren't paying attention. I know. And now, uh, you know, maybe I could have gotten... How much do you reckon... They're settling for. Would you get like five grand out of it if it was part of a class action? That feels like a very low number, one point five eight five million. How many people joined the class action? 
I honestly have no idea, but I have, I, I don't care about cyberpunk and all that. I have not been following or paying attention to this. I honestly don't. Well, care. you were you were very much against the game, weren't you? No, I just didn't care. Yeah, I mean, but I enjoyed. Here's the game. a weird thing. I'm 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 not one of these people that put uh, CD Projekt Red on this massive pedestal. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Look, I don't mean to sound nasty, but yes. Okay. Did they make a, a, a stunning game that everyone loved in The Witcher 3? Yes. Yes. But people have to remember that Witcher 1 and 2 were nowhere near as well received as Witcher 3. I thought Witcher so 2 was excellent. Make out like they've made... No, no, but let's not make out like The Witcher 1, 2, and 3 are all on the same level. Yeah. In terms of, like, uh, their love and their adoration and all that. So they've made one fantastic game that everyone loved. Why would you just automatically assume that their next game, Cyberpunk, is going to be... Yeah, the greatest of all time. Like, the best game ever. That's why I said hype is the most dangerous thing, man. Like, you know, be excited for something, sure, but do not... Once you start telling yourself, this is going to be the greatest fucking thing ever, it's going to be the best game that ever be made, then you can only be setting yourself up. Because I don't think anything can really live up to that hype. I agree. Because here's the thing. Someone made a very good point. Let's say you're expecting 10 out of 10, right? Yep. And the game's only 9 out of 10. Yeah. That's still a great game, but you're going to be disappointed because it's not 10 out of 10. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, you, can't, you yeah, it's, it's almost impossible not to be disappointed. So um, I, just never thought the, I just never thought the game looked that good, I'll be honest with you. Mm. Um, uh, I, I, thought it, uh, I thought the combat looked a bit janky. Mm. Uh, I, 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 it didn't feel, feel very visceral when I watched some trailers and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, eh, I'll wait and see. I don't really, I don't care. And then, yeah, then it came out and everyone's like, oh my God, it's like a buggy fucking mess. It's like, whatever. I was like, oh, well, see, that's what happens when you. I enjoyed you it. Do you remember I enjoyed it? I, I felt I was going against the, I mean, I thought it was fun. I, I didn't quite see what the big fucking problem was. But, you know, it's just me. If you're expecting the greatest thing ever, <laughs> I wasn't. Just like, oh, well, hopefully it'll be a good game. Yeah, but I, 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 I think sometimes people get too carried away, you know? No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it might be a good game, but for me, like, again, okay, I'm, uh, I'm very fussy with my combat. Sure. Right? I, I like my combat to feel a, a particular way. There's very few games that have, like, um, that I've enjoyed the combat, like, to the point where I'm like, this feels really, really great. Sure. One of them is obviously Halo. The yep. other one is actually Destiny. Destiny, um, yeah. Oddly enough, Destiny. made by the same people. But their combat feels good. Yep. It feels fun. I just, when I was just looking at the cyberpunk with the, the shooting and stuff, I was just like, that doesn't look fun. It looks adequate. It looks fine. But it didn't look like it was fun. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. But again, that was their first time. That's what I thought. They've never made a shooter game before. Why are people getting so hyped up? They've never made a shooter game. They made The Witcher. That's a third-person hacky-slashy game. Yeah. Like the, the, why you thought they would make one of the best shooters, that they, they would be better than Bungie or, you know... But it's uh, not just know. a shooter. It's not just a shooter. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of slashing. If you get the, if you get the blades, there's a lot of slashing. No, in no, no. But it, yes, but it's a, it's a first-person shooter. Okay. Right. Like, that's the core, con- that's the core gameplay. Yeah, okay. Yes, you can like uh, augment like your weapons, and but at the at the core, it's a first person shooter at its core. Yeah, but I'm just saying that was their first time making a game like that, so I'm not sure why everyone thought they were gonna like just blow it out of the park on their first attempt at making a first person 
uh, action game. Again, sure. just just temper your expectations with everything, man. That's the safest thing to do. Yeah, I I I know with Dead Rising, um, my favorite of those games is Dead Rising two or three. And I remember being so pumped up for Dead Rising 4 and was just so let down by what was just a sort of cheap knockoff um, of, of you know, 3. It was like they did 3, but like a half version. They... Actually, it was, uh, I'll tell you now, because I remember it was Dead Rising 2. What? That you absolutely fucking loved. Yeah, I did. It was my favourite, yeah. But Dead Rising 3 was also very good. But, but 2 was... Probably my favourite. Who was your favourite though? Do you fucking love that? I just, I just remember you raving about that all the time. You were like playing that like non-stop. I love uh, that game. So I love I that definitely game. remember that two was your your absolute favourite. Yeah, it was. It was. Now three was also very good, but probably not quite as good as two. And four was like a was a was that final cash grab, if you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. where they're just like we're just gonna pump out like not half finished, but like half size. And we're just going to pump it out and throw it out there to market and just see how many people oh, buy. Wait, hang on, sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Um, four. So that's the one with the mechanic guy, yeah? I can't even remember. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, because I think, or, or is three the one with the mechanic? Three and four was when they bought the photographer guy back. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. Frank West. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they brought him back in four, didn't they? That's the one that you didn't like. Oh, I mean, it was. I liked it. I think you know. three was the guy with the mechanic, and you could make like that's where they started, like yeah, uh, cars and stuff. Up the weapon making ones. Yeah, you could go around. They in 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 three, they kind of introduced the concept of sort of the city. So what wasn't like it wasn't. It, it sort of suffered because at the same time GTA was really going well, and you really felt like oh, but that was fun though because I do remember that you could like like you could you could build a car. Yeah, it was cool. Like a van and just mow them down in the street. Yeah, it was cool. Like I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, no, I no, that was that yeah. was still fun. I, I, I that was a, that was fun. I did actually play that a little bit. That was it was fun, but I did get bored pretty quickly though. Mm. Well, I finished it, man. I loved. I, I love two and three. They're, they're two of my favorite games. But I know what you mean about expectation. Um, for example, Dragon Age, uh, two. Uh, my expectations were so high, and I was so disappointed. And maybe if I hadn't had any expectations, I would have enjoyed it more. But because I enjoyed the first Dragon Age so much, I just bought two thinking, this is going to be more of the same. You know what I mean? Like, um, settle in day for a really big fucking role-playing, and I was like, what the fuck is this shit? You know? Um, so expectations can be a funny thing, you know? And I agree. Cyberpunk, I didn't pay as much attention to it as everyone was. I mean, I was excited for it, but I wasn't sort of like, you know, really following. Well, that's it. why I said that's why I think you enjoyed the game is because you just um, yeah. you were just like, oh, that's that looks like a fun game. Yeah, but like you, you weren't like um, uh, you yeah, you weren't expecting the moon. No, not at all. Like, oh, that looks like it could be a well, fun game. To be honest, like, yeah, I, I pretty much got what I expected. Like it wasn't that different from what I expected. You know, like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's funny. I, one thing I like about Cyberpunk um, was the amount of places you could go, like inside the game. Like it was all the levels and stuff. I, I thought that was cool because I've always played GTA Four, for example. The man, I wish I could go to more places in the cities. You know, like I wish that the cities and and stuff were were more full, 
with stuff you could interact with and fight with and everything rather than just being sort of like empty corridors and doors that won't open and all that kind of stuff. I've always kind of like to have a more immersive city. And I did feel that like cyberpunk was kind of going in that direction. Um, so I enjoyed it. Like, I mean, for me, it was an enjoyable. Well, can, can I just, but this is why I find so funny, right? Is um, as games have gotten better in graphics, mm. they've actually gotten less in content. Yeah. So to give you an example, if you look at like the really, really early uh, Elder Scroll games, right? Yep. You know, like your Dagger Falls and all that sort of stuff. Simple, basic games, right? 2D fucking sprites and all that sort of stuff. But you could literally go anywhere. You could talk to anyone. Sure. You could literally go into any house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could do pretty much whatever you wanted. But as you introduce new graphics, because they take up so much like uh, uh, memory, they, they, they require so much RAM to run and all that, it actually limits mm. what you can actually do in the world because the graphics are so high. <laughs> yeah, like, I it just, is. That's quite but but I thought Cyberpunk kind of, at least to me, uh, seemed to sort of be going in. A, they they kind of made me feel like it was more of a world. You know what I mean? Like more of a living world. That was my well, impression. That's because I think again, the, the the smart thing they did is that they made the world a little bit smaller. Yeah. So that you could do a little bit more in it. But again, yeah. the larger you make the game, the less you can do in it. Yeah. If you go for something smaller, you can do like, oh, you can go in any building, da da da, because you've you've small, you, you've made the world smaller that you can concentrate on that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably what helped lead you to maybe thinking that like it felt like a more lived-in world where you could go anywhere, yeah, you know, do anything kind of thing, but in a in just a smaller location, which is fine. That can still be fun. I tell you something, I enjoy, and it was in Witcher Three but it's in many a medieval game. I always like... Like, Dragon's Dogma is a game that, that I love that never gets any love from anyone, but I, I dug that game. Um, I love when you go into the town... Oh, yeah, it's got its fans. I've got a lot of people who tell me that's a good game. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, now, what I'm saying is I love in, say, Witcher 3, when you go into a city, the, the market and all that stuff, and you can walk around the city. I love that kind of stuff. Like, you've been out in the wilderness for so long doing all this crazy shit, but then you kind of get to civilization and the, the adventures within the city and stuff, and, like, it feels like the city's quite big. I, I dug that with Witcher 3. And it's in other games, like Dragon's Dogma. Um, do you know what I mean? I, I like that in medieval sort of fantasy games when they they have the wilderness areas that are massive in the main chunk of the game. But then when you come into, like, usually it's a main city. But usually it's only, like, one or two cities that are like this. But you can kind of wander around the city and have your own adventures in the city. I always think that's fun. You know, the contrast. You know, just just, just, yeah. just, just yeah. my take. Just my take, Rich. Uh, now, we've got some news uh, with the untimely passing of Anne Rice. Uh, interview with a vampire has found it's Claudia. Um, the 1994 cult classic which starred Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt is getting a second shot on screen with multiple Game of Thrones alums attached. Uh, for those who don't remember, Interview with the Vampire opens with a conversation between a reporter and Louis de Ponte Dulac, a centuries-old vampire determined to tell his life story. In Louisiana, circa 1791, plantation owner Louis is approached by the mysterious and mercurial Lestat de Lincourt, who turns him into a vampire and becomes his immortal companion. As the decades pass, Louis worries of immortality and human suffering, growing increasingly at odds with Lestat over their differing views about feeding on human blood. 
Fearing that Louis will leave him, Lestat uh, turns a human child into a vampire to give Louis a reason to stay. Louis develops a fierce affection for Claudia, their vampire daughter, but the family bond sours when it becomes apparent that Claudia's body will never mature. She will forever remain an adult woman trapped in a child's body. Claudia plots to kill Lestat for condemning her to this fate, but Lestat won't go quietly, leading these three vampires on a high-octane chase across the ocean, where they meet old-world vampires in Europe. The story ends with the reporter begging Louis to turn him into a vampire and grant him eternal life. Disgusted, Louis vanishes while the reporter resolves to track down Lestat, whom he hopes will grant his request. Uh, it's being placed, I think, at AMC, I want to say. I'll just pull up that news while I'm talking, but... um. Yeah, uh, you haven't read the book, and have you seen the movie, Rich? Unfortunately, I have seen the movie, yes. Right. You know that um, Christian Slater, who played the um, who played the uh, uh, reporter, that was going to be played by River Phoenix before he unfortunately sadly passed away. And the movie's dedicated to River Phoenix, actually. So that's a little nod. Uh, I might have known that. It yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah, well, the movie is dedicated to River Phoenix at the start. Uh, and yeah, he would have played the Robert, but uh, Christian Slater, uh, and I think Christian Slater gave his uh, salary for that movie to charity or something from, from memory. It's a long time ago since I've seen it. Um, oh, yeah, Interview with the Vampire. I was, I was trying to remember what I was doing. Interview with the Vampire uh, show. I want to say I think it's AMC. Um, there was a really bad. Uh, Queen of the Damned movie. Uh, here we go. Yeah, AMC's Interview with a Vampire. Um, eight episodes. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Upcoming drama. Scheduled production in November 21. And wrap in April 2022. So, I think it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I dug the movie, man. I know you're not a fan, though. Um, at all. You know? Uh, da, da, da. Um... So I think that they're they're making some big changes. Uh, I think they might be changing the race of the vampire um, and some other stuff as well. Shock horror. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, the cast, uh, the other lead character, Louis Dupont, uh, will go through some change from page to screen with casting, looking specifically for a 33-year-old black actor for the role. He is described as Creole, beautiful, eyes are brilliant green. His skin is smooth as if sculpted from Salon Ebony. The vampire has also been changed from plantation to an owner of several brothels. Um, Blah, blah, blah. He can't be a plantation owner, can he? No, exactly. Um, Louis has maintained a veneer of self-assuredness and pride through hubris and belligerence. And while respected by many, he was disregarded by his wealthy counterparts for his skin color. For truth and reconciliation, he calls on the journalist to finally tell his true tale. Um, blah, blah, blah. So, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Um, there was a lot of crying uh, from uh, some cowboy bebop uh, actors uh, to the series cancellation. Should you get a chance to watch this? Because I know that you're a more of an anime guy. No, I'm not watching this. You were, you were super against it, weren't you? I'm I'm pretty much against any anime live adaptation, honestly. Right. They all suck. Every yeah. single fucking one. Is there a good... Like, while you're here... And that, I don't care if it's a Japanese company making it. I don't care if it's a Western company making it. They all suck. Right. Okay. 
Is there any really good and dark vampire animes? Like, that's what uh, I... Uh, vampire Hunter D? Yeah, okay. Um, uh, there's another one that I'll have to rack my brain. Vampire um, Knight? Is that one? Uh, there's one from, like, the... I don't remember if it's the late nineties, early two thousands. It it's got a like a girl. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I'll remember. Um, I will remember at some point. But that one was another pretty good one. Have you watched the Castlevania I, thing I, on I Netflix? I think you would you would like Vampire Hunter D for sure. Okay, cool. All right. Well, maybe one day I'll get around to watching that because you know I always I, I always want something a lot darker than what anime ever seems to give me whenever I check it out. I'm always like seriously, like what's with this bullshit comedy? Well, another one is also they've got their own Helsing as well. Right. Uh, I think yeah. it's called uh, Helsing. Yeah, it's here, Helsing. Yeah, I'm just... Ult- Ult- well, there's, there's Helsing, which is the older one, I believe, and then I think there's the next one, which is Helsing Ultimate. Uh-huh. Okay. So, again, you'll, you'll enjoy that as well. Um, I just got to try to remember that one about the... And is Vampire Hunter D a, a, a movie or a, a TV show? Uh, it's a it's a TV. I think it's a movie and a TV show. Right. Okay. Cool. All right. I'll have to check it out because I'm quite willing to give it a chance. Like you know, frankly, I, I I'm always up for that kind. Of, I always think that I would probably like a really dark anime more than you know some other stuff I watch. It's just it's just a question of finding the right one kind of thing, and you know that's. That's kind of an adventure in itself sometimes. The shit. Yeah, look, I, look, I'll be honest with you. The, the, like, I'm not a massive anime person because there's too much anime. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like, there is so much manga and anime, man. Like, yeah. seriously. But like, you, you're pretty, like you're pretty knowledgeable about it, aren't you? You, you? I, luckily, I'm friends with a few weebs. Right. Is so, that is that anime um, fans? Is that what they call themselves? Uh, not anime fans, anime fanatics slash Japanese fanatics. A lot of weebs right. don't just love anime; they just love um, uh, j- j- Japanese culture in general. Cool. Like they'll learn Japanese. They'll they'll cook Japanese food. You know what I mean? Like really, those are like weebs. They are just like obsessed with Japan and anime. Really? Um, I think the one I'm thinking of is called Blood the Lost Vampire. I have heard of that too. Or I'm running I'm running this. That's a movie that's a movie though, and it was from two thousand. So yeah, I was right. I said late nineties, two thousand Blood the Last Vampire and Blood vampire. the Last Vampire, you'd enjoy that one. I All think. right, I'm gonna I'm gonna track these down, Richard. Vampire Hunter D and Blood the Last Vampire. Cool. Alright. Well that's good news. And and I by the way, I have seen a bit of Cowboy Bebop and I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I'm talking about the original the, anime. The, not, not... No, the anime is an absolute classic. Yeah, I uh, thought it was The cool. anime is like literally like that is like um, uh, that's re- it's almost religious. Is um, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's held in such high regard and esteem that it's 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 sacrilege to speak ill of it. Right. Really. Okay. I didn't realize it was that high. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was okay. Oh right, you 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 weren't as big a fan of it as some other stuff. I liked it, but I def I didn't get into it as much as a lot of people did. I didn't go like, oh my god, it's changed my life. Like I was like, hey, it's good. Yeah, 
It's like you're like, calm down. I, I'm here's the problem is I'm also a bit more old school with my anime, mm. probably because of my age. I actually love anime from like the the eighties and the nineties. Right. You know, like because I grew up with like um, you know, Gundam, Robotech, um uh Cobra, um uh again ninja scroll akira mm. um that Old sort school. of stuff like i i'm uh trigon i think that's another one from the late 90s early 2000s like i i'm not really into a lot of modern mm. um although again uh, that's not modern either um uh um uh cowboy bebop is definitely from the early 2000s oh yeah it's yeah it's been around for fucking um, 20 years it feels like yeah for sure no i, 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 I hear man. i just i miss the old 80s style of anime which mm. I really love, like the original Voltron. Uh, as I said, Robotech was one of my favorites. Voltron, wow, that, that's that's a blast from the past. Voltron, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I just miss that eighty style of anime. Uh, another good one, which they still make today, which they 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 still try and tap into that old is uh, Lupin, Lupin the Third. And what what genre is that? Like, what what is? It's like heist movies. Oh right, okay. It's 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 anime, but they um it's like heist movies. They're like oh. crooks. Oh right, okay. So quite different, okay. Yeah, a bit more like more Robin Hoody type crooks, but still crooks. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they've got they've often got to go in that direction, aren't they? Like where they sort yeah, of like like what one of them is even a samurai. <laughs> really, it's quite funny. Cool. Yeah, you'd like yeah. it. I think Lupin the Third. If if you're looking for something a little bit more funny, comedic. Um, that's a good one. I, I do recommend Lupin the Third. Okay. Well, thank you for some good recommendations there, Rich. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, Kevin Feige spoke with Collider about getting Tom Hardy's Venom into the MCU, calling his performance iconic and his character's connection to Spider-Man inherent. Um, well, I mean, yes, I, yes, I agree. <laughs> like, there is an inherent connection to Spider-Man. <laughs> he got the costume in Secret Wars and came back and yada yada. Like, you know, you're not telling us anything we don't know, Kevin. Um, what, what do you think, Rich? It's pretty obvious stuff from Kevin Feige. Just so desperate always to make everyone aware that he's read some comic books, you know. I think he's. I think he start. He needs to start changing his name to uh, uh, Kevin Obvious. Yeah, it's like yes, uh, Van, uh, Venom is related to Spider Man. Yes, he comes from that franchise. No shit, Kevin. Like really, any other fucking you know th- bombshells you want to drop? <laughs> like, well, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> now he was also. Uh, he was really on a on a kind of like obviously on a talking jag because he also brought up. Um, the information about the importance, Richard, of the three Oscar wins racked up by Black Panther at the 2019 ceremony. He also explained how difficult it is for superhero movies to achieve such recognition, saying, I think we're always at deficit because of the Marvel logo and because of the genre bias that certainly exists. I just love that for a shining moment there with Black Panther, that was put aside and the work was recognised for the achievement that it was. It's like Crimea River. Like, yeah, yeah I, I do agree. Yeah, but also, let's let's be honest. Come on. Yeah. What? No, let's 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 not go to overboard. Like, it, 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 there's reasons why that was nominated for an Oscar. Well, it seized a cultural moment. It became a, it became a cultural moment. Is that what you're referring to? That's my point. It got it. It. I don't believe that movie got um, nominated for the actual quality of the movie. Right. I believe it got nominated for the outside 
um, factors. Right. Okay. What do you mean? Like, what, the race card and all that kind of stuff? Well, yeah, because, I mean, people are, like, hopping, oh, my God, it's the first black, you know, black superhero, full black cast and all that. And it's like, well, no, it's not the first black superhero. It yeah. might be, um, uh, it might be, yes, a predominantly black cast, but there has been other black superheroes before this. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, True. literally even Luke Cage. Yeah. I know it's not a movie, but even he came out before. Yeah. Um, Good point. Uh, Good uh, point. Black Panther and all that. And again, let's not forget OG Blade. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. but you know what? There was even, and a lot of people might even like be aware of it. It's so old. There was a movie called Meteor Man. Right. I've never heard of this one. Which was a, a movie. It was kind of like, it was, it was capitalizing on like, you know, the Batman 89 and yes. all that, you know, and, and stuff when like superheroes are like, oh, superheroes in. Black superhero called Meteor Man. Okay. Low budget. Another team movie. So, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, not 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 high budget or anything like that. Yeah. Um, kind of made for TV. But my point is, it doesn't matter. My point is, like, you fed people a lie. To, <laughs> no, no, but it is you. I love it. You you lie to them to <laughs> to like pretend like no 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 pretend that no other movies come before this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or TV show. This is the first of its kind. Well, that's Hollywood, you know. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying. I just feel like. Let's be honest. I, I, if, if you're going to line up all the Marvel movies, it's no way in hell Black Panther's getting nominated above some of the other movies. Oh, well, I always felt, and I said this on the show many years ago, I always felt Robert Downey Jr. deserved an Oscar nomination for his Iron Man portrayal. Um, I, I oh, feel... for sure. Is, is Tony Stark? Of course. Yeah. I always felt that that was, that was... I mean, the genre bias that Kevin Feige is referring to definitely exists. Uh, by the same token... The sheer amount of fucking money they've made makes me not cry too many fucking tears for them. You know, uh, the way that they've cannibalized yeah. the entire industry and made them all so dependent on their tentpole films, um, I, it's hard to feel sorry for fucking Disney and Marvel when it comes to this. You know, they've driven. Yeah, but I mean, but it's not. But to be fair, it's not just. Um, it's not just superhero movies that get like excluded. It's almost any any blockbuster movie. Yeah. True. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, Transformers. Oh, yeah. You know, all that. Like, like it's anything that's considered a popcorn flick. 100%. Yeah. It's never going to be Austin for. And guess what? Those Marvel movies, they are very good movies, but they are still seen by the, the, the Hollywood, the, the elite, the Oscars as popcorn flicks. Sure. And I think to us. I mean, I don't believe that. I'm just saying that that's that's still what they labelled as when it comes to the Oscars. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're popcorn flicks, like don't you? Like, I mean, I, to me they are. Um, you know, undeniable. Oh, but I I do think they have deeper. No, but they, I I think they've got deeper moments than like any like let's say Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know what I mean? Like, sure. You know, I mean, if you're talking about a popcorn flick where it's an action, like there's there's moments. There's there's definitely a, that, that's what I said where uh, where really Scott was carrying on. I was like. No fucking way you've watched any of these movies if you say that there's no character development. Oh, yeah. That true. these movies aren't based on character. Yeah. You know, that these characters don't have arcs. And like Tony Stark and and, uh, and um, Steve Rogers, their arc yeah. as these guys who just see eye to eye and, and the friction that it causes throughout all the movies. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Even to the very last movie, there's still friction between the two of them. Yeah. If true. that's not good 
drama, not good like movie or TV or whatever you want to call it, then I don't know what's. Very true, Richard. Very well said, actually, my friend. You know, you've you've hit the nail on the head, Rich. Uh, Rich, I think. Uh, we... I feel like no, like, I feel like, huh? I think we may have lost you for a second there, Rich. What I'm going to do is I'm going to call you back. Okay, so just just okay. just hold on. Thanks, man. Oh. Okay, cool. I just, I just, we just had some glitches, um, but now we're we're rock and roll again. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Richard. I think you make some great points, and and and, and I and I agree. I I think that um, there's definitely some merit in these films. There definitely is a genre bias. Um, I just find it hard to feel too sorry for Kevin Feige, and uh, I mean he's fresh off telling us that Spider Man's connected to Venom, and Venom's connected to Spider Man. So, thanks, Kevin. Right, maybe go focus on making hey. you know. To, to be fair, there could be a lot of normies who watch these movies that have no idea. I know, I know, I know. But, like, you know, some I, I feel like certain aspects of this society uh, might revere him a little too much at times, you know? Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it, but, like, hey, but come on the show, Kevin. Wouldn't it be fucking funny to get him on the show and just throw him nothing but fastballs? Like just fastball after fastball, and he's like, "Jesus Christ!" I thought I was coming. Uh, in. You know, I was gonna say, I think he, might, I think he might disconnect pretty. Quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I thought I was on here to do a puff piece about how Spider Man was connected to Venom. That's like, pal. No, no, you'd be like, oh, you'd be like, what's that? I, you, I, I think bad light would click. <laughs> yes, yeah, like blacklist these guys, and I'm like, yeah, we don't care about a blacklist, man. Um, now. Some good news. Marvel, uh, this came from you, Rich. Marvel have announced a new Venom series written by Venom co-creator David Michelini that takes place in Venom's early days. That's good. Yes. It's a five-issue mini. Um, and this is the similar... The cover looked really good. I don't know if that's the artist for the interior, though. Right. And this is similar to what J.M. DiMatteis is doing with Ben Riley. He's coming on to do like a five issue. So it looks like Marvel is doing this thing now where they, yeah, they kind of like dive in back into the, 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 good the well stuff. again. Yeah. You know, and they get in a couple of the writers and stuff to come on and be like, oh, just give us another five issues of like that classic, please. Well, why not? I, I'd rather take five issues of the classic Michelini stuff than the fucking Venom I read recently from whatever the fuck that was. Like, remember that Venom in Space shit we read? Uh, you mean uh, Venom Lantern? God, that sucked. That sucked so hard. <laughs> I, I was just like... I was just like... I was fresh off reading, like, Larry Hummer Venom, you know, and Michelini Venom, and I read that and I was like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> like, I'm fresh off the movie. I'm pumped up on Venom. I was, when I saw Venom, remember, I almost had Venom juice rolling around in my veins, didn't I, Rich? I was really into it. And then I was like, Space Venom? Are we, are we fucking serious? Like, who came yeah, up with this were. shit idea? Like, anyway, now, Richard, we've got some news here. I don't know if you want to read this out. Um, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the Gollum game. Remember, we, we, I was very curious as to what the game would entail. Uh, we now have a, a trailer which shows... It's a stealth action game. The, sh the trailer shows the protagonist slinking through the shadows, avoiding detection as he traverses through orc-infested territory. When the orcs encroach on his position, Smeagol 
briefly considers fleeing the scene before his darker character personally chooses violence. The Lord of the Rings Gollum is a story-driven cinematic stealth adventure game that aims to tell an untold story that focuses on Venom, the once benign being named Smeagol that has since been corrupted by the One Ring of Power. Um, Gollum will largely see characters avoiding conflict, uh, sticking to the shadows to avoid detection. The game will also focus on platforming elements, with players needing to climb, jump and sneak across dangerous territory to help Gollum survive the story of his untold quest. Are you going to be picking this game up, Rich? Uh, I might. Um, I like a good stealth game. Yeah. Um, and I don't make too many good stealth games anymore. Assassin's um, Creed. Assassin's Creed. That's sad. Uh, that's not a stealth game. Um, <laughs> um, you can sneak no, up I'm, on people I, and I kill them. Mean a, no, no. I mean a proper <laughs> stealth game, like what Assassin's Creed used to be. Like Thief, for example. Yeah? Uh, yeah, Thief or, or some of my favourite, Splinter Cell. Okay, um, yeah. Back in, especially when Michael Ironside was voicing um, uh, right. the, the character. I thought that was fucking... He's, oh, Michael Ironside's voice is just, like, the best. Right. He's, he has it's, got a good voice, it's actually. One the, it's one of the best voices in, in history. I'm I actually sure. really like Michael Ironside. He's a cool actor and a yeah, great voice um, actor. So, uh, love those games. Um, I did enjoy the... Um, Metal Gear Solid, but the Metal Gear Solid games, as they kept going on and on, became far less about stealth and more just about watching cutscenes. <laughs> well, I, I'll never forget the last game of of um, Metal Gear Solid was just so incredibly weird that I was playing that game. I have no idea what I was doing. Uh, other than I enjoyed the battling, but the storyline just made no sense to me at all. I had no Which idea what I was talking about. The last one that came out, or the last one you played, Phantom Pain, or something was called. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, look, that game is is not terrible because they actually started to try and bring back more of the sneaking. Right. I mean, I enjoyed the game. It was it was it was fun. Like it was as a shooter, it was fun. I enjoyed it from a shooter aspect. Mm. But yeah, I love a good stealth game. In fact, um, you do you do you like a good uh, a, a stealth game? Oh, I mean, I consider Assassin's Creed stealth. Like, you know, that's my kind of stealth, where you can sneak up and... No, no, no. Do you, do, you, do you like a proper stealth game? I don't know. I Maybe not. I don't know. Like... So, okay. Well, I, I'd be very interested. I'd love for you to try a game. Dishonored? Is Dishonored stealth? Creed? Dishonored stealth? I enjoy Dishonored. Depends on how you play it, Dave. You can play that game where you just literally go and fucking kill everyone. Well, so, I, mean, I, I thought that was a pretty good stealth game. Well, if you if you do like stealth, I would recommend that you try out a game. There's two in the series. It's called Sticks. What's it called? Styx. Sticks. Okay. Yeah. Sticks. It's a you play you play a goblin assassin. Right. Uh, there's two games: Master of Shadows and Shards of Darkness. Uh huh. And so you basically just play this goblin, and you've got to assassinate, steal. Uh, sneak around in places and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. That okay. That's a that's a good that's a good fun stealth game in a fantasy setting. Okay. Obviously cool. with goblins, orcs, humans, elves, all that sort of shit. It's a lot of fun. Okay. Cool. Oh yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as I'm not as hot on stealth as you are. Like like this goal. But but I am a fan of Lord of the Rings. And so if if it's a good stealth game with um Gollum, I'm sort of like 
Yeah, I'm pretty partial to it. You know, like I, I like the idea of it. What was the game, Rich? And you're going to forgive my and, and the listeners, you know, right in last show. We were talking about a video game for something we got excited by that was that had the Assassin's Creed engine, or no, it had the Shadow of Mordor engine. That's right, it had the Shadow of Mordor engine. Do you... uh, Wonder Woman. Ugh. Gee, I'm not as excited by that today. <laughs> really? Was that it? Because because I was thinking it was going to be something way better than fucking Wonder Woman. Really? No, it was Wonder Woman. You said it's going to have the yeah. nemesis. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Uh, I'm not. You know what? One week later, Dave's not as excited by that news as he was one week ago for some reason. I, I don't know why. But well, the like... funny thing is, no, no, no. So here's the funny thing: is you announced that they were making a Wonder Woman game, and then you spent the next 10, 15 minutes talking about um, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings yeah. game that the that uh, with the Nemesis system. <laughs> I, so that should yeah. tell you that you weren't really excited for that game to begin with. <laughs> No, I was more excited for remembering the. I enjoyed those Lord of the Rings games. Those, they're pretty cool. In fact, that's a, that. Their games that I after I finished Assassin's Creed, I liked to go back and finish because I didn't finish either of them, but I played them quite a bit. I actually did quite a bit of stuff on both those games, and I really did enjoy them. I thought they were fun. Um, yeah, that, I thought they had a good story too. Like, um, yeah, it was, it was just good stuff. Uh, now, Disney have pulled the Ben Affleck and a DMS uh, Deep Water from the release schedule. It's now coming out on streaming. Uh, this is a movie he made with this actress. Um, it's kind of an erotic thriller, sort of a throwback to the 90s there. Um, yeah, and it's no longer having a cinema release, so interesting. I don't know who made that decision. Um, you know, Ben Affleck. Well, obviously Disney did. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was just speculating, could it be part part of the Ben Affleck J-Lo relationship. Maybe they put some pressure on Disney. I don't know. You know? Who knows? Oh, my God. I need, I need to... Fi- um, I don't think it'll be... I think it'll be Disney that's doing it. Yeah. Okay. They've probably crunched some numbers and like, yeah, this is not going to make any money, so let's yeah. just put it on the streaming. Um, I started watching... I need to go finish it. The uh, The Accountant. Oh, The Accountant's good. Yeah, with Ben Affleck. I'm, I'm only, I only got like about... Um, 20, 30 minutes in before I, uh, I had to stop, but I do want to go back and watch it. It looks very interesting. Oh, the, the, yeah, I, I've seen The Accountant. That, that, that's a fun movie, man. Like, that's a good movie. And in fact, I th- believe that he's doing a uh, sequel to The Accountant. Okay, well, I mean, hopefully I'll finish watching it and enjoy it so much that I'll look forward to that sequel. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, Yeah, no, I, 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 give that, I give that a thumbs up, man, Um, for sure. Mm-hmm. I actually, uh, I, I stopped watching it and I meant to go back to watch it. And then for some reason, I decided to watch a movie that I hadn't watched in about 15 years, which was called Identity. I've not seen that one. What, what's the storyline there? Uh, I think it's actually by James Man- Manigold, Mangold. Oh, yeah, Wolverine and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, um, and it's it's from like 2003, I think, or something around by them all. Mm. And uh, it's, uh, it's a movie with Ray Liotta, John Cusack, um, Good cast. A couple of other actors uh, that you know, but I can't remember their names. And it's basically it's a psychological thriller, mm. murder type thing. All these people somehow get trapped in a storm at a motel, and then they start dying one by one, and oh. who's who, and all that sort of stuff, and all that, and who's not who they say they are, and all that crap. It's really good. Oh, so it's I, like a... I, I enjoyed it 15 years ago, and I enjoyed it the other day too. <laughs> well, that's good when you can sometimes go back and... I mean, I enjoy that. Like, uh, I watched a movie um, 
a couple of nights ago. Uh, I was getting some Humphrey. I was in the I was in the shop with you, and we saw some Humphrey Bogart movies, and it made me think about. I've got a lot of them, um, you know, uh, basically on my digital library, and I watched one called Dead End, um, mm-hmm. which is an like nineteen thirty seven. Uh, it's not the greatest movie. I mean, it's it's based on a play, and you can really tell. Uh, but it was enjoyable, um, and it features the Dead End Kids, which were a group of young kids that played gang members, basically, back in the day. Um, and funnily enough, the hairstyles on the kids that played the sort of, like, urchin street gang kids are very similar to the hairstyles you'll see on kids today, that kind of slightly longer hair with the longer fringe. Um, mm. yeah, it's not but- the safe sides. You know, not shave sides, but the the front sides. Basically, it was a, look. It was an interesting movie. I enjoyed it, and I'm always up for a Humphrey Bogart movie. Um, Which goes to show you that nothing's actually original. No, well, everything's <laughs> everything's cyclical. Everything's yeah. recycled. Yeah, everything's recycled. Always has been. Um, the Matrix Awakens um, is a new. I think it's a game, Rich, that's coming out, and people were saying online, and and I fucking fell for this like an idiot that it was GTA 6 screenshots. And I was like, wow, GTA 6 screenshots, but they were actually the Matrix Awakens screenshots. Now, Rich, you know more about... You, you're, you're more in tune with games. Have you heard much about this Matrix Awakens stuff? Um, I think I saw a, a, a trailer of some sort uh, that was showing off the, the graphics and the engine, but uh, uh, I know of it. I haven't looked too much into it because, again, I don't. Yeah, about the Matrix. Right, yeah, okay. So, but it, it is coming out and as... I think they were showing off, like, it's made in... I think it was made in Unreal Engine. Right, okay. And the trailer they were showing off was kind of in a in a way to also show off the, the, uh, the, the new Unreal Engine and all that sort of stuff. But... Um, <sighs> Do you think it's going to be any good, though? Like, or is it going to be another cyberpunk kind of like everyone's just, you know, pumping this up? Kind of thing. Uh, it's tough to say. Like, it's good. At the end of the day, to me, like, all of this is just too late. Hype. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like, the, oh, you, you remember 20 years ago that fad? We should try and bring it back. And it's like, yeah, it was a fad for a reason. Like, you know what I mean? It had its moment. Yeah, but in uh, today's world, the Matrix is even more relevant with the advent of VR and everything. You know? Yeah, but then, but then maybe redo the Matrix with mm. newer concepts and ideas. Then I don't know. I saw the trailer for the Matrix Revolutions in the cinema or Resurrection, sorry, um, in the cinema uh, for Spider Man, and I thought it looked pretty good. You know, the actual movie. I thought it looked pretty interesting. That's just that's just me. You know, I don't know. I think it could be a hit. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a hit. Look, um, it'll probably make money because it's Keanu Reeves. Yeah, like I mean, Keanu Reeves is is at literally at like fifty seven, fifty eight years old at the height. Yeah, of his popularity, like he has had like um, you know, uh, spikes and lulls and all that, but this sure. is like the highest spike. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Of of his career, like he can do no wrong. I think people will go and see a movie just because Keanu Reeves in it and everyone loves him because mm. he's he's like. Hollywood's darling, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. not only is his movies enjoyable, but people love him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, they support him. So I can see it doing money just because, again, it's Keanu Reeves in it. Sure. Like, no, I definitely agree. 
Yeah. Um, it's got Carrie Ann Moss as well, um, returning. No one really cares. Oh, those of us who enjoyed The Matrix care about her. It's cool that she's in it. You know, like I, I think she was a cool character. Um, now, uh, Remedy Entertainment have officially announced Alan Wake 2. Uh, it's a survival horror game. Now, Richard, I said to you, what was Alan Wake? I thought it was like that fucking boring game that I bought that time on PS3, Heavy Rain, if you recall it. And you would... Look, it, it depends on who you speak to, because some people do find the Alan Wake games boring, because they're not... Um... It says survival horror, but it's a much slower right. survival horror. It's like, um, uh, it, it's not like, say, um, Alone in the Dark or um, Resident Evil. Right. And stuff where it has you like a bit more in constant danger. Mm. It's, it's, it's more like there's just even moments where nothing happens, but you're on edge. Mm. Because... He's, it's basically, uh, I believe Alan Wake is like a writer. Mm. And um, uh, so I think something happens to his wife and he's trying to find the bottom and all he literally has is like a handgun and a flashlight. And the flashlight is just as much of a weapon. Right. The, it's, it's, again, it's, uh, it's creatures of darkness and stuff and all that. So um, it can be a bit slow. I shouldn't say it's boring. It, it's a bit slower. It's, mm. it's a slower survival um, a horror game that some of it's more maybe action. Wow, I, I'm almost a fucking sleep listening to that description. No thanks. Um, uh, here's the thing: you might really enjoy the story, especially as a writer. It's a really interesting story. Okay. Like it's a slow, it's a slow story because it's kind of meant to be. Yeah, you know, it's a guy. It's almost like he's questioning his own sanity. Sure. I've been like, there. Yeah, somebody's like, "Do I even have a wife?" Like, you're like, it's it's. Well, yeah. Like, do I even have a wife? Maybe I should just fuck this chick. I don't know. Like, <laughs> no. Well, again, he's trying to find his wife. Has disappeared, but then you know he's starting to question himself and his sanity sure. and sure. what's real and, and not real and all that. It's again, it's a good story. Okay. Right. I'd love to see it as an actual movie. Yeah, that'd be. You know cool. what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That'd be more interesting like, than a game. Uh, but again, like Remedy, love making movie games as well. Not as bad as Heavy Rain. That fucking that guy that makes Heavy Rain and That's so fucking dull. Um, uh, what, what's that? A Detroit Two Human. Yeah, no and, thanks. And all that. Like, not like that. They still have some actual gameplay. Heavy Rain. I'll never forget. I was in the mirror brushing my teeth, and I said, "No, thank you." You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you to oh, this guy. Not you brushing your teeth. You, you were actually brushing the teeth of your in-game character yeah and i just didn't care i was just like you know what i i'd rather be just doing anything oh no it's ridiculous man when i when i fired that game up this is when i was still working uh for game uh back in the day um when i actually worked with video games um i popped it in and the first thing is that you you're drawing you're doing like an architectural drawing and like you're making coffee and you're you're playing with the kids in the backyard and you're brushing your teeth. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing right now? <laughs> like, I've just had a hard day's work and I feel like I'm just, it's a life simulator. Yeah, that that's like that game which I almost bought because I like Daryl from Walking Dead. And it's like, it's it was described as a walking simulator and I was like, huh? Now, I, I work with a guy who loves it, thinks it's great. Um, but you said to yeah, me, but, Dave... But some people, okay. Some people do love that because some people are not actually interested in necessarily a game. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? They're just interested in like maybe an experience or maybe just the experience in it, looking at the, 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 like the scenery, the atmosphere is, because there are games like that where it's, there's no real actual gameplay. It's almost like you're just moving a character through a world and it's more like you're admiring and going on a journey. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, it's a bit more like that, but for I think for someone like you, like you being an Assassin's Creed fan, yeah, yeah. or a GTA fan, yeah. I I just I don't see it being the game for you just because it isn't yeah. It's really just a run of just like go to point A, go to point B, but maybe you might have a tussle every now and again with some guys, but you're mainly just running away from them yeah, kind of thing. It's like that. it's 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 a weird game to explain. Yeah. And it's a weird thing to even call a game. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, we are. By the way, while uh, Rich was talking about that, I used the uh, lawnmower 4.0 again to shave my feet, and I realized it's got a um, a light on it, Rich. So when if you're in dark conditions and you turn the manscaper on, it lights up, and it gives you like a torch. We on the on the sort of like on the actual thing, and you can see where you're shaving. So you can do it in complete darkness. And, 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 I, and I just shaved the top of my feet just then with, with the Lawnmower 4.0. I'm absolutely loving this thing, man. You know? Um, yeah. There you go. There's a feature you've just learned. Just a feature I've just learned live. So remember, go to manscaped.com and type in signal code and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Enjoy. No. <laughs> now, um, Rich... What was this? Uh, Disney deletes preview video of Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser following public criticism. I believe this was their, you know, price gouging um, on the uh, hotel experience of the Star Cruiser. If you recall, like, if you could pay, like, mega bucks and you, you go and stay in, like, a little spaceship-themed hotel or something? Uh, yeah, so... They have the hotel. Mm. This was actually a a cruise now, I believe. Oh, where, like a di- oh, where, Disney cruise. Where it's right. supposed to make you feel like you're on like a spaceship or something, but you're just on a oh. ship. You're just on a cruise. Um, That's a pretty but cool it's idea. all it's all it's it's it again, it's just cash grabbing. Yeah, but that's a cash grab um, that I actually am interested in. You had, but I mean, how much? Yeah, but cash? a lot of people were basically saying it, that it's not good for the price yeah. that you're paying. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's borderline like they've just thrown some shit together and gone like, yeah, you go, isn't it Star Wars? Like, yeah, I'd rather you know go I mean? on like the like, Kiss cruise. You know, you know the band Kiss. You can go on a cruise and they play like nightly and stuff, and I think you get to mingle with them and everything. I, like, obviously, you're paying through the nose, but like, I'd I'd, I'd like to go on that cruise. You know. With the Kiss Army and stuff, that'd be cool. Um, that's, you know, just and that's just not that's just not me, dog. <laughs> I, I'd be but, fucking down. I'd be so I'm, fucking. I'm, I'm not that guy that needs to go and pretend to live in a, a fantasy world. But you're on the cruise with them, dude. Like that's you know you're. It's for the mega fans. I'm not a mega fan, but I, I'd like to go on one cruise with them, and you know you get they play live and stuff like they'd fucking want to for what you're paying and but i think you get to mingle with them and stuff but i imagine it's all pay through the nose for the VIP I mean, experience it's, it's different if you're just talking about like kiss that's like yeah, oh kiss. i'm cruising with a band that's completely different though yeah well that's what i'm talking about like no but this is not the same thing this is like you 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 make believing that you're on a spaceship oh yeah the, yeah, yeah 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 
Yeah. And that I can't do that. Like, look, I'm a very imaginative person. I create my own worlds. Mm. I find, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have a problem with that. I just have a weird thing where my real, my brain, like, this is not reality. I can't yeah. do that pretend I'm in another world thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, like, I can use my imagination to create worlds, create stories, create characters, but I cannot use my brain to try and go, just pretend you're in, look, you just you can imagine you're in Star Wars. Like, yeah, but it's not. <laughs> my brain just, yeah. I can't switch it, or I can't switch that on. I'm on a yeah, ship. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, like, I'm on oh, a ship. I'm in a spaceship. It's cool. It's like my brain just goes, no, you're not. Well, when you go out on the deck and the sunning, you know, sun, you know, sun baking, clearly you're not on a fucking spaceship. Oh, obviously they're trying to keep you indoors, aren't they? Oh, you don't even get to go outdoors and like. I don't know. I, d- like, I haven't actually. I've not been on the cruise. I don't know. <laughs> well, the fact that people are complaining about it and they're, and they're pulling the ads is not a good sign, you know. Well, as I said, I believe they like a lot of the complaints is that how fucking overpriced it is for what you're getting. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. No, I, I but again, they've got to price gouge you, man, because Disney's not making any money. Because you, you, you're referring to the, the, the parks aren't making the normal kinds of cash? Yeah, well, the parks are not. I don't I mean, they move, let's be honest. They move like Disney Plus can only make you so much money a month, and you're not getting the bigger, big dollar dollars from your, your cinemas anymore. Mind you, you know? they'd be making a fair bit of Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah but my point is. Um, Consistently, okay. too, month after month. Correct, but that has plateaued, mm. right? So that my point is their their money is not growing. Mm. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, yes, when Disney Plus first came out, it was growing and growing and growing, but now it's plateaued. Mm. And now that's plateaued, and again, your movies are not making, like, you know, mega uber bucks at the movies anymore. But how much do you reckon, and how much revenue? have been closed for, like, a year and a half. Well, the parks are open now. No, but they were closed is my point. So you've lost profit there. Mm. And I'm sure there's uh, people who are not going to the parks anymore because they've been scared to stay away from everything fun because of COVID. Yeah. You know, so I, I just, yeah, I think I think they're not making anywhere close to the money they used to make, um, like uh, pre-COVID and, and, and when Disney Plus was still this new thing that yeah. everyone was signing up for. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, the, the the fact of the matter is, though, I will say this for them. I think they're that kind of company that will ride through any recession. And I, and I think they probably made the right decision to pivot to Disney Plus because that is a, a monthly stream of revenue worldwide that they've got people hooked into. And then it's just a question yeah, of generating apparently content. I, think, apparently the, I don't know. I had to look into this because I didn't have time today because I only just read a bit of it or I read the headline. Mm. Is that uh, apparently the HBO boss was bragging that they've got the best streaming service and they're beating everybody they do have a very good streaming service they've got more content he's he's saying that they're like kicking the crap out of everyone i need to look i need i didn't have time to look into it because again i i came straight here from work well i had like 20 minutes to slam down some dinner and watch the last half an hour of of uh uh wheel of time before the show started so i i I read it but i was like i don't have time to look into it yeah I mean, the thing as well is, Rich, um, HBO Max have an advantage. They've got the DC. They've got the Adult Swim. They've got the Criterion movies. They've, they've got Turner Classic movies. They've got their own fucking more modern movies. They've but got not, a lot. Not but don't forget, they almost do day, and HBO. day release. Day one release on cinema and yeah. um, Max. So. They do. They do. But apparently they do. But even with that model, apparently, according to him, they are doing better than... The other newer, I mean, I don't think he's talking about Netflix. I think he's talking about the newer, yeah, 
streaming services. Well, yeah, you know. No, Netflix, I think, is losing money because they just upped their fucking uh, um, subscription by a dollar again. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're squeezing, aren't they? Well, again, when you lose customers, you have to gouge the ones you have. It's all a question of content, though. As long that, that see, that's where Disney, I think, are a bit behind the eight ball. They don't have the same amount of content, and they're slower in generating content. Like HBO Max has an advantage; they've got a lot of fucking content on that system, like a lot. Um, you know, and there's less need for them to do. They've also got all the HBO shows. Like, don't forget all that stuff as well. On top of the movie library. And all that other stuff they've got. Whereas Disney, it's a little more like, yeah, it's great. There's a new Hawkeye show out for the Marvel fans, but there's not a ton of stuff on there, you know? I just feel it's a bit more of a, it's somehow it's more niche. Um, I, I agree, but I also think their biggest problem is is that they they are relying too much on the, the Marvel and the Star Wars brands. But they're their two biggest like, brands. Yes, but, but, but my point is you need to diversify. Yeah. Like, you can't just be going, hey, it's the new Marvel show. Hey, it's the new Star Wars show. Because it's like, yeah, but what else is there? Like, you should be, like, looking to do either some new, brand new stuff or also start looking at, like, um, rekindling some older stuff. You know what I mean? Like, rebooting or, or trying. Like, they tried it a while ago. You remember Boy Meets World? Yes. And then they did Girl Meets World. Yes. And yeah. it was it was their daughter. Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I mean, like, I think you should be like putting more stuff on your network than just. But that is on their network. I'm pretty sure. No, I no 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 no. But that but that was from years ago. Is my point. I'm talking about new stuff right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. New shows. I'm the stuff that you that you you should be having in the pipeline to get onto your network. You can't just be going. Hey, we announced twelve new Disney sh- uh, Marvel shows, and we've got twelve Mar- uh, Star Wars shows. And it's like, bro, why don't you like reduce some of that down? Yeah, take that money and go make some other animated stuff or some oh, other yeah. movies, like original stuff that you've got more stuff on your network that's not just Marvel and Star Wars. Totally agree with you, Rich. Like they they de- they desperately need to do that. Like you you are right on like. You should have your Marvel and the Star Wars stuff. Always keep churning that out. Never abandon it. But at the same time, I agree. They've got to put a lot more stuff into production at Disney, um, their own properties, their own shows, and, and pump it out more so that every month there's like, you know, X amount of new shows and like how Netflix does it. You've got to, you've got to generate a lot more original content and it can't all just be Marvel or um, Star Wars. It, it can be, you know, more youth entertainment oriented stuff. Um, you've got to have a lot more of that stuff. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, but you like you've got a massive library, yeah, of decades and decades worth of stuff. Sure, you know what I mean. You could be going through the vault and saying, "What can we, w- w- what can we do here?" You know what I mean. Like, I mean, remember, uh, I mean, th- th- there's certain classics that like almost get made every like ten years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, you'd always, you always used to get some. Every couple of years, you get a a, um, a Sherlock Holmes movie, right? Yeah. Uh, or you'd get a Robinson Crusoe movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or or something. So just go back through your library and say, like, okay, well, what can we modernize for the younger kids mm. or or the younger adults who maybe 
have never seen a Robinson Crusoe or, or, or something like that, you know what I mean? Or some of your classics. Definitely. Because for some reason, I mean, look, everyone's different. I'm the type of person, I can watch a classic movie and enjoy it, right? Even sure. when I was a kid. Sure. You know, if I was a kid uh, in the eight, 80s, 90s, I could still watch a Disney thing from like the 50s or the 60s sure. and enjoy it. Like the Shaggy Dog, you know, Robinson Crusoe, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But not ever, all kids can. So again, have the classic on there, but then maybe do a, a modern version. Yeah, you know, sure. give give the the newer kids, the younger kids are like, ah, oh, that's too old. I'm not interested in watching that. Just give them something to watch at least as well. Or and you know what, you may do a good version of it on on top of that. You're making you a good point. You're making a very good point. It. You're making a very good point, man. You, yeah, the modern version. I'm surprised. Yeah, they don't do more of that. And surely they've got to do more of that. Like that, just that, just um, you know, that to me, that's essential. They've that's got it. I think they they got all their eggs in the um in the Marvel basket. Mm. And I think they're still trying to save the Star Wars basket. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they put a lot of effort into that and they've just forgotten about the entire library of all the other stuff they have. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you, man. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, like it's going to be a story that will take time to be told. I would say, I think it's, it's all going to take a lot of time. Now, um, this was kind of uh, funny. Uh, the, the news broke that, uh, if you recall, in July, Tim Drake, the third Robin, uh, was going to be a young bisexual man. Um, he went on the date with um, his, you know, long-time school his friend. His new uh, lover. Yeah, his, yeah. Um, now, so that just happened. Uh, and Bleeding Cool Report, showing just how unplanned, unthought through this was, next week's Urban State... Batman Urban State 10 follows up on that story was scheduled for four months afterwards, but it also reveals the lack of communication within DC Comics because the fact that Tim Drake was going to have a boyfriend was a surprise to many inside the publisher as it was outside. It was especially notable to some higher-up folk at DC Editorial who only found out after the comic in question had gone to print. The request was then politely made across departments that if anyone was going to do this kind of thing again, that was fine, but please let the folks upstairs know so that it could at least coordinate things. Um, especially when they'd been revealing for another character to be revealed as bisexual for some time, which of course was um, uh, John Kent, uh, and it was. I, I I don't believe that either. What? I don't believe that was in the in in the works for a long time. I also think there was another. Well, define long. Like define long. Well, I depend on what they say by long term. I guess. I mean, are they is two months long for them? I I would say six months. Mm. You know. No, 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 no longer than that. I, I would say six months, man. Yeah. Look, I mean, as I said, I mean, uh, a, a lot of the times the stuff they do just feels a bit snappy, like snap decision. Yeah. Reactionary and all that. Um, and I think that is why so many people get annoyed with them mm. because they feel like they're like, oh, you just, you just like, uh, just, we'll just make him this. But if you, if you have a plan, you you should build towards it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you shouldn't go from one issue to the next and all of a sudden he's by. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's the I think that's more the issue that people have is that I think they comp- they get annoyed because it feels like you're just flipping a switch. Sure. Instead of actually taking the time mm. to work towards that. Sure. Do you know what I mean? And and getting there, they just go. Flip the switch. I, I, they might not, as you said, maybe it's six months or eight months, but 
but to readers, it feels like that because you've not actually laid any groundwork. Yeah, he, he just got up and then was like, you know what, I want to date whoever. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, I think again, you. I think you'll convince more people of it if you if you give them time and you build towards it. I'd be interested to know what long term uh, Tim Drake and Robin fans in general think of the whole thing. Like, I guess it all depends on after the speculators have finished. You know, because you'll get your speculators who'll be buying that first issue well, kind of thing. Look, I mean, if you're talking about fans, I'll be honest with you. I don't think any fucking person cares about John Kent. Yeah, because he's too new. Yeah, but what right, about so, what about Tim Drake? Because he's been around a long time. No, but that's my point. I was going to get to is that Tim Drake is very different because Tim Drake has been around for decades. Yeah, and he has had so many girlfriends. Yeah, uh, uh, Ariana, I mean? Stephanie yeah, Brown. I, I think he even wasn't he even dating Cassidy at one point, uh, Wonder Girl. Uh, maybe, yeah. Like a short term, and then I think she ended up with Superboy or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but he's had like like girlfriends and stuff and all that. So I think, you know, a lot of people just get invested in his relationships. Yes. Um, and a lot of people thought that him and Stephanie were still a thing. Yeah. Or that, that we're going to get back together. You know, that, you know, oh, what's happening with them? You know, are they going to, you know, stay together or whatever? And then all of a sudden, just for them, it must just feel like one day you work and said, I'm bye. Which does happen, I guess. That does happen with young people, you know. Uh, I mean, you know I, that, know. I don't know if they just wake up and go, right now I'm by. I think no. it's maybe something that they think about for a while or sure. like yeah. they contemplate, they talk to maybe some people about, try sure. and figure shit yeah, out. Yeah, there's a lead up. There's a lead up. Go, there's I'm by now. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lead up. You are right there, actually. Yeah. There's at least internal lead up. Is, which you would That's expect it, in a comic that they yeah. could explore. Well, look, and another, I think I've brought this up before, another a show that did this as well was Brooklyn Nine-Nine, mm-hmm. right? I think you said you had this Rosa character who was dating guys. You get, you know, you, you, you get invested as a character. Even one of the other main characters has a crush on her and all that sort of shit. Mm-hmm. And then out of the blue, she's just like, oh, I've got a secret. I'm a bi. And it's like, there's been no lead up to this. Right. There's been no issues where you start to wonder or, 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 or she's, you know, you start getting a sense that like something, it just one, just one episode is like she decided I have a secret I'm by. Right. Yeah. And, th- and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's why people get annoyed because they just feel like you have just decided at last minute. Sure. To make this change and you've not actually thought about it. Mm. If you think about it and you do it right, I, f- I guarantee you, you know, far less people not on board. Yeah. If you do it right, yeah. I mean, I, I don't care. I couldn't care. No, less. Just, I don't care because you and I, I'm not a Tim Drake fan at the end of the day. Sadly, <laughs> I don't mind Tim Drake, never, but a bit like no, the I, whole thing. I'll be honest with you. I haven't been a big Tim Drake fan like like at all in my life. It's so true. You, 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 my many, heart always belongs to Nightwing. I'm sorry. It's true. Many times in that conversation, because I like Tim Drake, and and many times you've said that he just feels like Batman Junior to you, kind of thing. You know, I felt I I. I I always found things a little bit dull. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I think writers have done some interesting stories, but the stories are more interesting than the character. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear I've you. just felt him to be a bit vanilla. One, one thing I always used to love about like Nightwing and all that, he was just, he was a little bit more, uh, he had a bit more personality. Sure. He does. You know, even when he was Robin and all that sort of stuff. And then with the Teen Titans and, and then when he became Nightwing, he was really leaning into the, 
I'm the fun guy. I'm not going to be yeah. like Batman and fucking mope about and all that sort of shit. I'm definitely not going to be that guy. And so I just gravitated towards that like personality, but I just always felt like Tim never had a personality. Yeah. I mean, or, like, not, got... mu- or not much of a personality, I should say. Okay. Well, um, in, in interesting news and hopefully good news, there is a world's finest Superman and Batman comic coming called World's Finest, um, written by Mark Wade and art by Dan Mora. I believe it's coming in, I think, January next year. I am looking forward to this. Uh, obviously, Mark Wade, it's hits and misses with him these days. It's not like it used to be where it was like, you know... He I'd, had... say, I'd say it's a bit more misses than hits these days, but... Yeah, I know. It's the sad part of the story. Old, old Mark Wade had a pretty good batting average, I'll tell you I that. would just hope... I mean, he spent so long kind of exiled from the Superman books, you know, due to his... Uh, disputes with Dan DiDio, I would just hope that he's really been storing up some great stories that he's finally getting a chance to tell, you know? Fingers crossed. Yeah, I know. It is It is a fingers crossed situation, Rich, actually. Uh, and uh, finally, Old Man Logan is being dug up again by clueless Marvel Comics. Um, not content with using Old Man Logan when they killed off Wolverine to sort of be the, it's almost, it's almost Wolverine. They finally killed him off. Well, now they're bringing him back with a mini-series that picks up directly after the original Old Man Logan series, Rich. Like, I wish they'd spend... I've got some Wolverine news that I'm about to say, but honestly, do we need more Old Man Logan? We've got Wolverine back. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've never had a problem with Old Man Logan as a Elseworlds book. Uh, you know, like that, oh, what if future? Yeah. But yeah. I've never been a fan of bringing Old Man Logan into the, um, you know. The 616. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I'm remembering the thought that I had the other day, mm. which, the, and, and this is going to come back to like the Tim Drake stuff and all that, right? Mm-hmm. I think Marvel had the right idea mm. years ago. mm where they split the line into two. Right. Right? When you had the ultimate universe mm-hmm. and you had the regular universe. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the regular universe could be for your old school fans. Yes. You know, who have been reading those stories and, and Peter can be married and he can have a kid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he can grow as the readers themselves are growing, your old school readers. Yeah. But then the ultimate line allows you to kind of retell those stories for a more modern sure. or a younger audience who would maybe not identify with a married, you know, 37-year-old Spider-Man or, you know, a, a married Superman or, or all that sort of stuff. But you get the best of both worlds. So even you as an old-school reader can still go back and enjoy those. And it was super popular you know? when they did it with Ultimate. Yeah, I know. Mm. I think they were on the right track now. And I think this is this is the problem where anything that's even, like, remotely popular they want to bring into the modern universe. And I'm like, yeah. but... But why? You could have you literally have an uh, your own universe. Yeah, where I know. You can literally do what you want in that universe. Well, they just lost momentum because I was reading all those Ultimate books. They lost momentum after Ultimatum. But, they just lost. The Spider-Man book didn't though. No, I know, but like see it... the difference. Can, can I be honest with you? I think the difference is the other books were not written as ongoing series. Yeah, they were almost written to end. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we've got this really good like arc, mm. and then oh, we've got another good arc, and oh, whatever. but with the Spider-Man one, that was still written like a monthly book. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like an old-fashioned monthly book where you felt like 
every month you get in a bit of the story, a bit of the story, and it could go on forever. Yeah. The Ultimates and, and all that, I always felt like it had an expiration date, but it's because they weren't telling like fun monthly stories. It was like it was it was meant to be a trade. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and if I, I think if they just followed that Spider-Man line of like, look, no, 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 no. This isn't like supposed to be like, we're going to make it so different. It's like, what can we do to retell these characters, modernize them, but they don't have to affect the, the old universe? Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I just, I felt like that was such a good idea, like the basis of a good idea. And maybe if the comic companies did that, so then you wouldn't even have to worry about a reboot. Mm. You could literally say, hey, let's keep, you'll keep going there. She may be married, you can have a kid and all that, but let's do a, I don't know what, what I don't know what universe. I mean, I know they tried like all star, but again, that was still written for for adults. Yeah, it's supposed to be like edgier and oh yeah. But it's like, but no, no. But what you should have done was like, let's pretend that we've rebooted the universe, and we can start telling you know more modern sensibilities. Did stories you like what did a younger crowd? Did you like you what Trzinski did with Superman Earth One? If you remember those, not quite successful. Um, that was no, successful. Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, Kind of, but the problem is, is that again, that's a trade. Yeah, it's, it's written to be a trade. I'm talking about doing like a, a proper monthly ongoing. Gotcha. Um, so like like when they when they rebooted Superman after the crisis. Yeah, you're just starting again from number one, but now you can go in a different direction. You can make some changes. It's a good idea, Rich. Guess what? You you keep the older readers happy, and guess what? A lot of those older readers will probably pick up those books too. Exactly. Exactly. Just to get a bit of both and see if they it's like it as well, and they might like it, they might stick around. Like, exactly. I don't know. Which, is... which, which I'm sure was happening a bit with Ultimate Spider-Man. You know? Oh, for sure. Which was definitely that's probably why it was the most popular. Yeah. Because you had all the Spider-Man fans who were like, "I'm getting the best of both worlds." Yeah. I'm I getting agree. a new telling of Spider-Man mm. with updated like villains and character stuff and all that, and then I'm still getting my Peter Parker married to MJ. You know, um, regular stuff. It's, yeah. I don't know. It blows my mind how they don't do that. Like they don't think see that as a viable option. Yeah, I know. Um, now there's a new Wolverine event coming up, um, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, it's going to be kicking off in late January 2022. Uh, the story will be featured in two fortnightly titles: the X Lives of Wolverine and the X Deaths of Wolverine, written by Jip Zdarsky and Benjamin Percy, who currently writes Wolverine. Uh, they'll be delving deeply into the many, oh-so-many lives and identities of the man known as Logan, or sometimes James, ha James Howlett, or Weapon X, or just plain old Patch. But we're not just diving into the past, we're also going to go back to the future and everywhere in between as this double dose of monthly mutant mayhem revisits some of the most popular and fan-favourite eras of Wolverine's long lives, as well as unveiling some all-new and previously undiscovered key moments that will all tie into, well, what? That's the question, isn't it? Um... That's the question nobody asked. Logan's past and futures collide as he time hops throughout his lives, kind of like Quantum Leap, to prevent the death huh. of a key character, a key figure in mutant history. Who could this mysterious and apparently rather important mutant be? Uh, apocalypse. Who did you say? Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, told over the course of 10 weeks with both series seeing new issues every fortnight, this is easily the biggest Wolverine story since the modern classic that is Origin. I wouldn't if I called it a classic. And while we'll delve even deeper into the parts of Wolverine's life we've already seen, it's the unknown chapters we're all really curious about, as well as the identity of this all-important mutant he's trying to save. And King's say, we're putting our money down its dupe. 
Um, oh, look, I mean, finally they're doing something interesting with Wolverine uh, since they've brought him back. Uh, this should have been done three years ago, but I'll take it now. Uh, we'll definitely do it on the signal. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think this is the push that Wolverine needs. Where are you on it, Rich? Um, yeah, I mean, sounds interesting. Um, also sounds like, if not done well, absolute dog shit. Um, <laughs> But um, it. Again, it. it just fascinates me that at the height of Marvel's popularity, sure, uh, they just decided to change all their characters. Right. You know what I mean? Like Wolverine disappeared, Iron Man disappeared, Captain America disappeared. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, yeah. But he's back, he's back now. But you know. no, no. But but my point is now. But yeah, but but even though they've brought him back, he hasn't really had anything. No, I know. It's, it sucked. Like, I don't You're know. talking about, like, you had a brief moment there where, like, Spider-Man and Wolverine were in the Avengers. Yeah. Two of your most popular characters. Yeah. Well, rightly so. in the Avengers. You're, you're capitalizing on that a bit there, right? Like, at the height of their popularity, then you decide, now nah, we need to change it all. Yeah, that was crazy. The movies have just come out. The movies have been super successful, right? With yeah. The, the Avengers movies, as we said the other day. Yeah. You've got Iron Man, who's at the most popular he's ever been. You know, even Captain America, the most popular. Thor, like, they are becoming household names now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you decide, ah, let's get rid of Captain America. Let's get rid of Iron Man. Let's get rid of Thor. Yeah. You know, let's, you know, and I'm just thinking to myself. Why? I just, I don't understand that. I understand you doing that when the characters aren't popular anymore. Sure. Do you know what I mean? But Wolverine has never not been popular. No, I know. It was crazy. And then you kill, you kill him off, and he disappears for a while, and you do this, like, this, uh, you, oh, we'll bring in the old man love and keep those fucking Wolverine fans happy, shut them up. Yeah. That doesn't really work. You're like, oh, fine, we'll make X-23 Wolverine so you have a character called Wolverine. And they're like, no, that's not what we want. That didn't work. <laughs> fine, we'll bring Wolverine back, but we're not doing anything with him. Yeah, we're just going to bring you back. Like, yeah, it was ridiculous. It was you know ridiculous. what I mean? Like, that, I just... I, I still I can't wrap my head around their decision no, making. It was the height it, of their popularity. I think they were confused, and when they brought him back, they wanted to soft pedal with him. Um, it, it's honestly like I'll say this: since they brought Wolverine back, it's been the most boring amount of Wolverine that I can remember. Like for some reason, they've managed to make Wolverine not the star, and I don't they, understand. They, they, they declawed him. <laughs> it's really odd. It's really weird. I, I don't understand why. Uh, and maybe partly it's Disney telling them to hold off because they're going to relaunch Wolverine in the cinematic universe. But even so, just just tell us no, some good Wolverine. I, I, no, I don't believe that. No, yeah, well, just tell us some interesting Wolverine stories, please. Because, Put us because out of they, they, they fucked up Wolverine before Disney even got the rights back. It's true. It's true. It's true. Um, now, turning to um, anything that's coming out, I'm shopping with the gang. I mean, I had a look. There's not a ton of stuff. There's not much stuff coming out from DC. There's a lot of Marvel product coming out, um, a lot of Star Wars stuff. Jesus Christ, they fucking like, lean on the Star Wars in their Marvel lineup now. Um, but there is a new Cone in the Barbarian Epic Collection, Queen of the Black Coast coming out. Uh, there's a Jessica Jones alias Omnibus coming out. Um, I'm sure you'll be getting that, Rich. Um. <laughs> yeah. Actually, can, can I just go back quickly? That You are talking about they're leaning heavily on Star Wars. The comics, I've got, yeah. I've got to, no, no, but I've got to tell you something funny. Yeah. So uh, back in the day, I used to play this uh, mobile game, right? Mm-hmm. 
called um, Star Wars um, Ga- uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Right. Right. It's one of those uh, collector gotcha games, right? Yep. Where you, you collect all the characters, you make them battle and all that sort of stuff, right? Uh-huh. And they and it was all like canon characters, right? So your OT, your sequel, and yes. your prequel characters, and uh, they added they added like you know clone uh, clone wars TV show characters, and then they uh, sure. and started adding like rebels and all that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They are leaning so heavily. I just found out the other day they are now just in a rush, right? <laughs> yeah, are releasing fucking tons of uh, legends characters. Right. Okay. They 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 they're going to be putting Kyle Katarn in the game. They're going to be putting even Star Killer from the oh yeah uh, uh, Force Unleashed Force Unleashed games. They put in Mara Jade in. Um, right. They've even put in uh, uh, what's his name Dash Rendar. Is Mara Jade the one with the sort of big red tentacles? No, Mara Jade is uh, Luke's wife in the um, yeah. But does she have like two sort of? Is she kind of? I'm just trying to... There's a character. Do you remember in Return of the Jedi the, the offside of Jabba? Like a female version of that race. No, she's human. Oh. But do you know that there's a major character that looks like that? She a might be a character? She might be what? a Jedi. She might in be Legends a, or the... In the Legends. Year? In Legends. Well, she might be a Jedi I'm thinking of. Well, they, well no, they are truly Jedi. Okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um, We've got to do at some it, point. It, it at some point, get shot to death in the um, in the the prequel trilogy. At some point, dude, you've got to pick a Star Wars Legends epic collection or something again because I really enjoyed. I trust your judgment. I really enjoyed that legacy one we did. We can do the second volume of that if you want. If you'd like to, I'm happy to do it. I really. I'm always happy to read that. Seriously, that is. Something so, that what I is it? The se- the second epic collection of that? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm down for that. Yeah, for sure. Why not? I don't know if it's actually the second volume. I think we right. just did the first volume. So okay. We can do the second volume. Well, we can do the second volume, yeah. Um, yeah no, no need to rush through it, you know. Yeah, sure. Like fine wine, sip it. <laughs> sip it, sip it, sip it. Not really how I do it, Rich. I tend to guzzle, you know. I you know what? I don't have time to guzzle anymore. Mate. Like, no, that's no, fair enough. Yeah, we can sip. Um, yeah, but anyway, so, yeah, they're leaning heavily on the Legends because... Oh, yeah, they are releasing just tons of Legends characters, and I just think that is fascinating. It just goes to show you they're not making. Do you know what I mean? I don't think the new characters have got quite the appeal as as the legends characters. No. And apparently, there's lots of people super excited that these legend characters are coming to the game. So, well, there's a there's a fan base there, you know. Um, yeah. Well, again, these characters have been around for over twenty years, thirty years. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they are for a lot of Star Wars fans, they are characters and. They don't care that Disney says they don't exist or they don't matter. They're like, yeah. well, they matter to me. So now they're like, well, shit, we're so stupid. We literally already have pre-made characters that everyone loves. Yeah. That we could be doing action figures of or games and making money instead of trying to come up with our own stupid shit that no one likes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, what I've read of the Legends stuff, I, I've, I dig. And I don't have the breadth of knowledge you have, but... When I stumble into some of this stuff, I'm like, man, this is good shit. Like, it's so much better than... I mean, I, I hate to beat a dead horse, but it's so much better than what they put into the sequel stuff, you know, which just feels yeah. just crap. Like, Oh, I love... 
I was really hoping, I'm, I'm not joking, when they said that Disney was acquiring Star Wars, right? Sure. There was a part of me that was really happy because I, I, I stupidly thought, because this is before they announced the, we decamp, you know, we, we, we chuck in all the other stuff in the bin. Sure. I was like, oh my God, I would love to see Parkatan in yeah. like an animated or a movie. But haven't you, you seen know, it now? Disney. Isn't she in the fucking Mandalorian? No, Kyle Katarn. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, Kyle Katarn is from the uh, the uh, the video games. Oh, okay. Um, uh, the, I think they were called the new... Is it, the Jedi, there was Jedi Academy, Jedi Knight. Uh, they were just called the Star Wars, the, the Jedi Knight series. I think it was about right. three games in them. Right. And he was a really cool, interesting character. Um, and I thought to myself, oh, man, maybe I might see Kyle Katarn, you know, like yeah. in a movie or... Yeah. In a TV show or something like that, and then they were like, "I always throw all that shit in the bin." I was like, "Oh, yeah, we don't need that stuff." <laughs> As Kathleen Kennedy said, "It's not like we've got twenty years of comics." Yeah, we don't have books or novels or. Yeah. or <laughs> like, we don't have anything other than the six movies that George made. That's it. That's all we got. Um, yeah, that was a particularly ignorant comment. Now, just closing up on shopping with the gang, there is a Star Wars Darth Vader omnibus by Charles Soule. Um, Chucky Soul. Um, there is an X Men Hellfire Gala. Remember, they were pumping that Hellfire Gala, Rich, as if we were. Oh God, yes, where they were. Oh God, where they were all wearing terrible outfits. Yeah, and we were all supposed yeah. to care, and and we didn't care, and that was apparently our crime as oh, humans. I, I've literally forgotten about it until you. Yeah, so that's out there as a red carpet collection. Uh, an X Men Inferno prologue omnibus is also out. Um, you know. De- dealing back to the classics and that's pretty much there's a lot of product out there and have a look but um i don't know for me it's 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 not fantastic and uh i'm, I'm definitely looking to some stuff coming out next year uh so now we come to week to be fair they probably did a big release early in the month because obviously a lot of people are going to be buying early for christmas yeah so i doubt there's going to be <clears throat> too much big releases no. like a week or two before christmas because they're like oh well probably people have already bought their gifts or yeah, it's two last minutes. So I can understand why there's not maybe too much in the last two weeks before Christmas that's that's coming out. Okay, Richard's weekly commenting up was the Hulk magazine from the I think late seventies issues twenty six and twenty seven. Oh, late seventies, very early eighties. Um, these were great fun, and it was a black and white magazine, similar to Savage sort of Conan in its you know magazine format. Black and white. Um, they featured not superheroes against the Hulk. It was Hulk in and Bruce Banner in sort of like realistic situations. I guess. Is well, like, I, I feel like this was like pretty much uh, going off the TV show. Yes, it was. Yes, exactly right, Rich. Um, like a roaming Hulk getting into adventures. Now, yeah, it's why the Hulk in this is also not that big. Yeah. Yeah. Now. I want to say, though, it's got one of the wildest apologies from anyone I've ever read, and I want to read it out. It's from Jim Shooter. It's at the start of the comic. You cannot miss it. Um, And it says, an apology to John Byrne. This is from Jim Shooter. And he goes, in issue number 23 of The Hulk, we printed a story written by myself, which has sparked more than a little controversy due to the fact it contains a scene in which Bruce Banner is threatened by homosexual rapists. I was like, huh? (laughs) I was like, okay. Uh, The story has been hailed as a masterpiece and condemned as trash. The attempted rape scene has been praised as a powerful piece of gritty realism and decried as cheap, exploitive, and a betrayal of gays. 
Because the story evokes such strong and polarised responses, I felt obliged to reply personally to medical letters, especially accused those that accused myself or Marvel Comics of prejudice against gays. Subsequently, the Hulk letter column editor, uh, Ralph Macchio, decided to print some of the letters and my personal replies on the letters page of the next issue, number 24. Um, yada, yada, it goes on and on. Um, and then it gets down to this bit where um, uh, there was an interview with John Byrne. In that interview, John apparently made statements which Mr. Letterer took to be anti-gay. Um, Mr. Letterer criticised Marvel for publishing the Byrne interview and my Hulk story, perceiving these, I assume, as some evidence of some Marvel anti-gay conspiracy. Uh, and then he, he, Jim Shooter said, if John Byrne has bigoted ideas, it is his right to express them any damn way he well pleases outside of Marvel pages. Marvel didn't publish the Byrne interview, the Comics Journal did. Marvel is clearly not responsible for what Marvel freelancers think and say in their own time. And no, I don't agree with Burn stupid prejudice. Um, the last sentence should have said, I don't agree with Burn stupid prejudice, if indeed he has any. As originally printed, the sentence in question seems to imply that John is in fact the bigot Mr. Letterer imagines him to be. This is not true. Comments made by John have been taken out of context by various publications presenting a distorted view of his personal beliefs. Unfortunately, my answer to the Letterer's letter inadvertently added credence to this altogether forced characterization of John Byrne. Blah, blah, blah. As, I, as a result, I have apparently caused John no end of trouble and grief. For this, I am sincerely sorry, and I hope that in some small way this message will serve to undo the harm I have done him. I mean, Jesus. Like, firstly, a lot to unpack in this apology. Um, I went back and, and found the issue in question, Rich, because Lois likes to go back to the tapes. And, um, yeah, it's like a shower scene. Bruce is at a YMCA. He's kind of broke. And, uh, and these guys, kind of rough trade gay guys, like try to rape him, basically, in the shower. It's a shower rape scene. Um, I, I forget what happens. I think he turns into the Hulk and annihilates them. Um, actually, I can't actually remember what happens, but they don't rape him. But, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's as he as he indicates, that's, that's what it was. I mean, so that's... Okay, they were doing that in like 1980 in the comics, apparently, and um, then this weird story, I can't believe, uh, it just goes to show how non-corporate it was as well, like back then when guys are firing off in the press at each other, um, pretty pretty amusing. What, what did you take make of it all, Rich? Oh, very much like a, a storm in a teacup, <laughs> isn't it? Like, because, I mean, when you think about it, the initial thing is really a, a non-issue. Like, you know, like, but, but what's funny is I think it's still, it, it's still prevalent today where sure. you're know, like, oh my God, you wrote, you know, these two gay characters as bad and you, that, that's terrible. You're doing the gay. And it's like, wait, wait so you telling me that no, no, no gay guys raped anyone. Sure. I, I find that very hard to believe. I mean, it's not equality is that you get to be good guys, bad guys in all stories like it, it wouldn't that be like a sign of equality that oh, you get treated I, I, the same I, I hear your point i hear your point you know and let's be honest more than likely you he probably read that happening to someone and used that in a story like that's what a lot of writers do oh, yeah is yeah. they use real world events like that inspires them oh, there's certainly been sexual assaults by gay guys for sure 100 percent. yeah so i mean so i mean it's not like it's like oh my god they were like 
bad mouthing gay people or, or or mistreating i mean that would be terrible in the book but i mean i don't see that as what's happening i just see it as something bad that's happening and probably does happen like that's just the fact of life but the whole thing of like i mean but this has also been i think jim shooter's problem is that he he, he does run his mouth a lot yeah that, that, that's, that, that's even... yeah that's where i'm like well jim no one forced you to come out with that big tough guy statement, you know. You know, which you would you, you weren't putting and out to, fires. You were you were throwing gasoline on the fire. But also, to be fair, um, he he should not have said the he's entitled to his bigot reviews, even if he has them. Blah blah. Yeah. Even if you meant to say that, you should have just stopped at outside of Marvel. He's entitled to have whatever views he has. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it. You should have just ended at that. Mm. But the fact that you said. And I don't agree with that bigoted reviews he has. And it's like, but why did you say that if that's not what you, why did you even like <laughs> yeah. say that as a sentence if that's not what you meant? You should have just said, listen, <laughs> yeah. we didn't publish the interview. John's views are his views. And outside of Marvel, he's allowed to have whatever views he likes. Yeah, at the end of the day, Marvel didn't story. publish the interview at all. That was, you know, a point of view expressed in a separate publication. And I mean, potentially. It could lead, like, like hypothetically here, if this had if this had actually blown up bigger than this, and he really was running his mouth in the comics journal and saying all this shit, and it wasn't out of context, that potentially could have been the end of his Marvel contract. I mean, that would be you know um, something Marvel could have possibly done. But the fact was, it wasn't being published in a Marvel magazine. They don't have any power. John Byrne can do an interview and run his mouth. And if it's not Marvel but, publishing it, they, they, they've got no control over that, you know? But what I do like about Byrne is that, you know, it, it's that attitude of like, and, and again, this is what's missing from, again, attitude today. Mm. You know, today people with their outside beliefs, people try and cancel them for their jobs. Yeah. You know, so if a writer does good work and he writes good stories, if he maybe just has a point of view that you don't like, and in these days, a the point of view could just be he's Republican. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They will literally try to get that person fired because of their personal yeah. beliefs or views or politics or whatever. And it just goes to show you that's been happening for ages. But the difference is at least people like Jim Shooter and all that uh, who were running this, the, the companies and stuff and all that had uh, stronger backbones. Yeah, true. Insane. If he does something in with his work we will take action outside of that we're not uh, we're not there to police our writers or our artists personal life sure so i agree with him with that but how he said it was definitely the wrong way to go about it yeah i mean uh, he he had all the subtly the rhinoceros um blundering through the undergrowth yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's really bizarre to read that sort of now shit. anyway turning to what i think is the most cool story out of out of all the stories i love this storyline where uh, james dematteis wrote it of um hulk and bruce banner going to the kind of commune situation oh uh, yeah yeah with the 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 hari krishnas with the hari krishnas and sort of like it was his old friend who was kind of more of a scammer than a genuine holy man, but like I, don't, but I didn't get that. But also, he had um, he had uh, you know actual power. He actually could help the Hulk. I mean, I don't. He wasn't a scammer. It's just that he, um, 
he had good intentions. And again, sometimes when people get a bit of power, yeah, they lose sight or they get drunk by the power. But I don't think he was intention like he wasn't scamming anyone. Yeah, like because he did believe and he was touched himself by a um, a guru guy. You know what I mean? Who who who, who he kind of feels set him on that path. It's just that I think he lost his way where. Yeah. Having all these people look up to you, uh, it, it inflated his ego a little bit. Sure. And that's why at the end he said, I'm coming, like, I'm leaving with you. And, Bruce, and you know, Bruce is like, but what about, and he goes, no, I've, I've lost my way. Yeah. I allowed, I allowed the, the, the adoration and the power to, to change me and to blind me. So I don't, I didn't see him as a scammer. I just see a guy who, had good intentions and did believe in like because again he did help Bruce. Yes, yeah, that like, was interesting. You know, he he did that sort of like mystical thing and and kind of helped him and the Hulk kind of like um, uh, he didn't solve the problem, but he kind of helped. Yeah. Um, mitigated a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, like the rage and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, okay, so I mean, he clearly he he is a good guy. He just like he's he's fallible. You know, he's he's a human and, and he had good intentions and he meant well and he just lost his way because people adored him and they looked to him and he, you know, he, again, he just got that big head and got a bit full of himself. And, in preacher's um, and, terms, they and, call and, it and getting worldly. And he realized that and then he walked away. In preaching terms, they call it getting worldly when a preacher gets yeah. worldly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, good, that's, yeah. Interesting story, though. I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a – and it's a very early JM story. Yeah. Um, very early on in the piece, I, I dare say it's probably some of his first Marvel work. Um, I, I dug it, and I enjoyed the the black and white nature of the story as well. I don't know how oh, you uh, felt. Fantastic art, like it kind of reminded me of uh, two thousand AD. Yeah, yeah, I, I can feel that, man. Yeah, because it was a little bit quirky as well. And the second one with the weapons was also pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, how about when he comes back? I enjoyed it when he came back, and they're on the fucking bazookas and stuff. It's like Jesus, like <laughs> these survivalists have really got. Well, they could do that in the comic because they might not have had the budget for that on the TV show. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good stuff. Um, yeah, and then the second uh, one, I'm just bringing it up uh, while we're talking. With, there was another JM story, and this was the last issue of the Hulk magazine. Um, do you recall this one? Was this the one with the hitchhikers? And they were um, the hitchhikers, and and that was uh, like, um, you know, they were luring them in. JM's story was the one where Hulk goes to Vegas, which actually uh, is something where he wound up in the Peter David run as well. He was in Vegas as Joe Fixit. This predates that by like ten years. Um, but I also enjoyed the previous story where Hulk was. Um, you remember it, Rich, with the hitchhiker chick picks up. You know, he picks up the hitchhiker. He winds up in the back of the truck. Yada yada yada. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the uh, the the hillbilly ones, right? Yes. Where they 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 rob in the truck and it's filled with mice. Yes, 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 yeah. And then, and then I enjoyed Hulk going to Vegas, and I I just love the artwork. And what a shame that this this um and kind of like the um I thought at first it was Sinatra, but no, it's kind of a more down on his luck singer than that. Who who is uh, owes money to the mob. Um, and it's kind of a crazy story. It's kind of nutty, but it's it's fun. Like it's a lot of fun. I mean, this is a this is a magazine I would have definitely picked up if I was at that age range in the late seventies, early eighties. I would have definitely picked this one up. You know? Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it's just it's a lot of short stories. 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's quite nice. It's almost like uh, yeah, because it's a magazine. Uh, you know, it's like I think each, I think each issue had about three to four stories in it. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. And Rich, back in the, you've got some of the original Savage Sword, and I assume these would have been the same. They were bigger than a normal comic, weren't they? They were magazine yes. format. Yeah. yeah, they were like 2008 size. Yeah, okay, cool. Because I remember that time I went around to your house and you and you had a couple of those Savage Swords out, and I almost just basically parked myself on the couch and just, just kept reading. Yeah, you were like, I don't think we can do the show tonight. No. I can't do the show. <laughs> I, just, I just want to be reading my Savage Sword. Um, I, I've got to get the issue number off you of those because I've got the entire Savage Sword collection uh, digitally and uh, I'd love you to give me the issue number of that one so I can read that. I think uh, more like between 70 and 80. Okay, right. Okay, because I remember... Well, sorry, he, well, between 70 and 90, I should say. He was in the East, I recall. He was like in the Eastern, like sort of like, you know, the Conan version of China or Japan or something. I believe. Uh, I think the ones I've got is more like more Mongolianish. Mongolia. Okay, cool. Love it. Yeah. Okay. But that brings it back, man. That brings it right back to Genghis Khan and people like that, man. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or allegories of them. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The what what you would hate in Lord of the Rings, basically. What what I want to turn Lord of the Rings into. <laughs> Again, I don't have an issue with that in a fantasy setting necessarily. I just have an issue with it in Lord of the Rings. I'm aware of that, Rich. <laughs> uh, now, uh, I'm giving the Hulk magazine a 9 out of 10. Uh, both issues, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, 8, eight out of 10 for me because some stories were hit and some were missed. Which you always um, get in an anthology comic, don't you? No, no, but I mean, that's why I give it an 8 out of 10, like yeah. overall. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's a still a high score. And I think the good stories do... Uh, are definitely worth even like the this maybe if there's about like eight or nine stories in it I'd say maybe like two to three are like eh but yeah. the others are good and and one is is the the one you mentioned the one with the 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 uh, the, the commune and all that is probably the best one I agree I I thought that was the that was kind of the best real the, the, the hillbilly one with the trucks is pretty funny as well yeah uh, I good. have to admit that one was quite 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 funny that one was great quite humorous yeah. It was kind of like because the, they weren't evil; they were just like they were sort of just like opportunists and thieves, but they but they weren't like killers or anything, you know. Well, they kept threatening to kill him, so I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but well, I guess they did threaten to kill him. Yeah, that's true. They did, but they didn't want to, you know. Well, he kind of talked his way out of it, so we'd never know. But they were still funny, nonetheless. Like I didn't. Yeah. He, I always got the sense like he didn't feel like he was in actual danger because he was almost like laughing himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, like it, them, which is again, it was just a, it's a funny, charming story. So those two were definitely the best. I think those two of the of the magazine are probably the best two stories. Totally agree. Uh, then we had, and I'm really dying to get your views on this. We did the two Green Lantern, uh, Green Arrow issues, eighty five and eighty six. Uh, Denny O'Neill and um, Neil Adams. Uh, I believe Dick D and Giordo uh, might have been on ink duties as well. Now, this was basically the famous run in the... Was it 70s, Rich, um, of of Green Arrow and Green Lantern? Probably the very early 70s or 1970, potentially, uh, where they teamed up and did their road trip and they were sort of like in each other's books or in the same early book. 70, early 70s. Yeah. Now... 70, 72, 73, something like that. Okay, now Denny brought in a lot of socially conscious stories in the in his run. I've read the entire run very recently, 
Um, my first time reading these two issues. Um, it's a story about heroin addiction, actually, and um, Speedy, um, who's, I guess, Oliver Queen's, like, ward, kind of like his Robin. Um, his sidekick, yes. Yeah, sidekick, that's the word I was looking for. And he later becomes Arsenal, like, in the comics. Um, but, like, yeah, and he was a long-running sort of sidekick to uh, Green Arrow, but it deals with him being, ad- being addicted to it and Green La- Green Arrow, sorry, completely not reading the situation. I was kind of surprised, like, by just how badly Green Arrow has read the situation, um, really badly, and Green Lantern actually has more insight into Speedy than Green Arrow. I-, I thought Green Arrow and Speedy were, like, connected at the hip back in the day, but no. Um, there's some serious. I mean, problems. it's it's a little bit different because I mean, obviously, uh, Carol is a little bit more removed from the relationship. Yeah. So uh, he doesn't have as much investment. The problem with with Oliver is that I think he takes it so personally. Yeah. Because it is his um, uh, it, it is his um ward. You know what I mean? It is his sidekick. It is his yeah. The 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 young guy who's been with him and. I mean, to him, again, because it's a much more personal relationship, he sees it as more of a betrayal. Well, yeah, and of, I... And of I trust and what they stand for and all that sort of stuff. So, no, I, I think it's more natural that, that Hal would be a little bit more sympathetic because, again, he doesn't have that... That's so. a, he, just, he just sees a kid in trouble or, you know, he's trying to... Because he's, he even he says to him, like, how? Like, like, like how did you get... Like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. he wants to understand it, whereas Green Arrow is just too angry. Yeah. He's too yeah, hurt by it. well, and I was kind of, because I mean, we all know Danny was a Hollywood lefty and, you know, champion the cause of social injustice and all that, like sincerely, and, and, and conveyed it well in, in these storylines. I, th- I find them very interesting. But he was, there's a massive anti-drug message in this, and and Green Arrow, before he knows Speedy is, um you know, hooked on heroin. He he he's like, you know, they're just scum these uh these users and stuff. Like he really goes off on the heroin users and I was like, okay, well, it's it's very unsympathetic towards them, which I personally don't mind. But I was kind of thought the comic might pedal a bit, but it doesn't really. Um it's interesting. Uh look I I honestly I, I felt that were very interesting comics. Great artwork as well. Uh, and I mean, it's kind of cheesy in a weird way, like with the over-the-top narration, but I, I find it really charming. Um, I honestly think these are two very good issues of comics. Um, what did you think, Rich? You're the Green Lantern guy. Oh, I mean, <clears throat> to be fair, like, um, I know people, you know, I, it, it's called the, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Yes. Um, stuff, But I always felt like it was more of a Green Arrow um, book. I agree. I definitely than a, agree. Than, than a Green Lantern. So, um, uh, but I give Denny a lot of respect because I think personally Denny would be sympathetic. Mm. Yeah. Um, but he understands that he is not the character. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, uh, I mean, Oliver's a, at this point in his life, you know, he's, he's not the, the, uh, the the playboy anymore. He, he's very much social and stuff and all. And 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 probably because he's a street level vigilante stuff and all that. I think he sees the, uh, the hard side. you know what the the drugs are doing. Uh, you know yeah. and and how the streets are just becoming darker and and more dangerous and 
uh, more miserable. And he just he he just paints them all with the one brush, whether they're the user or the the dealer sort of thing and all that, you know, because he just feels both of them are just like scum. Um, the, they're destroying the city, mm. like the, the fabric of the city and all that sort of stuff. So I I I, I doth tip my hat to Denny that, unlike today, as I said, I think a writer would be like they would write it as to how they feel about the situation. Sure. Because obviously Denny would be sympathetic to a, a, a an addict. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But but even Hell, like the the the, the interesting thing is like Hell's not like sympathetic um necessarily. It's just that he's more trying to understand why someone would um do drugs. And especially someone like Roy mm. because he would imagine that, but you've had a good life. Like, yeah, you, you know, you're not like these, you know, you, you, you're, you're speedy. Mm. You, you, you do good. How, how does even someone like you? So I've got um, a question. Was speedy undercover at all? Or was he no. just, he was just with that gang of users. That That's just what uh, uh green arrow assumed. And speedy just sort of played along. He's like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was checking it out. Got you. So, <laughs> I, now the I want to read this bit out because he he um he basically he he goes you did inspire me to go cold turkey, uh you did a lot to inspire me to go cold turkey I, I I should show you my appreciation thanks and then he smacks him across the face, and Oliver's like what was that for call it sharing I'm sharing a very small piece of the pain I've just gone through these past few days, the kind of pain thousands of kids are going through every day because an uncaring and unthinking, unthinking system turns its back on them and it shows the shooting up with the heroin, which is like, okay. Uh, drugs are a symptom, and you, like the rest of society, attack the symptom, not the disease, but the symptom is worse than most. It maims, it pains, it dims you. It drives you over the edge of insanity. It drives you to the edge of insanity and over, and one day ends with your trip on a slab in the morgue with a tag around your toe. Um... Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And then so he just lays that down, um, and you see Black Canary, and he's like, "Thanks for the hand, sister, but he needs your help now more than I do. Only he doesn't know it. He's kind of dumb in a lot of ways. I'm like him a lot. I'm cocky enough to think I can help some of my friends avoid that slab. See you straights around." And he just rolls out, and um, it says it's a very large lump of pride which forms in the throat of of a queen as his boy becomes a man. And it's, I was like, okay, I mean, look, it was kind of what I was expecting, but it was actually a bit more, it was a bit better than I expected it would be. And, I mean, not that I'm surprised by Denny and Neil writing good comics, but only because of the time period. And I thought it would be more clunky, and it isn't. It's it's very public service announcement, but done well. I... I mean, I, I thought it was particularly good two issues of, of the comic. And in fact, the entire run I've been reading in that hardcover I bought, Rich, and I'm digging it, you know. I, I like it. I think it's fun. I, I think it almost could have been a Green Arrow solo title. Um, I, I know that they have adventures with Green Lantern and stuff, obviously, and I know Green Lantern's there to be sort of the straight guy. But, I mean, I... I'm going to give it 8.5 out of 10, and I could probably even go higher. Where are you on it, Rich? It's a good story that I don't necessarily agree with the ending. What, where are you? Just because, 
Well, what you just read there, sure. like I, I, I have, I'm fine with the message that he's saying, yeah. you know, about Simpton and all that. It's just the whole like, I, I'm sober now. I'm heading like oh, I'm yeah. heading off and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then Oliver Queen, like, oh, my boy's become a man. I was yeah. like, ah, that's a bit too neatly wrapped up. Agreed. No, I agree with you. I, I wish yeah. it would have been left a little bit more, maybe open. Like Oliver still doesn't maybe understand yet. And uh, you what know, you, you know more about this? So does what happens to Speedy? I mean, he becomes Arsenal. I know that. So does he relapse or what? Um, sure. I mean, well, I mean, yes. I mean, it depends on like. I mean, I mean, this came out in like seventy one, seventy two. Yeah. And Speedy has been around <laughs> for like fifty years after that. So of course they have sort of yeah. had moments of him and all that sort of stuff with drugs and all that, but. Um, uh, he, he, he basically did kind of go clean and then he kind of started working for the CIA, I think. Right, okay. Um, he's in, he's in some of that, that Green Lantern stuff, Green Arrow stuff with um Connor Hawke. I think he turns up as a CIA guy, yeah, but that's that's um 90s, man, right? Yeah, okay, that's, that's 20 years later. So right. I think in about like the 80s, when you kind of uh catch up with the, that character again, although because I believe. Shit. Was it Suicide Squad? Mm. Maybe Suicide Squad. He turns up and, and, and you find out that he's he, he's kind of not doing the superhero gang the game anymore. He's more doing like CIA op work. Right, okay. And then after that, I believe I think it becomes Arsenal. Right. In like the nineties when they That's what uh, I know him. That's when they I redo the Titans and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um uh um you know, uh, he's been a very interesting character over the years. Um, he had a kid with um, shit. What's her name? Is it Cheshire? Right. Okay, I'm not familiar with that. She's she's like an assassin, so she's a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, he kind of like they kind of met like when he was undercover CIA, right? Kind of stuff and all that, and then that's when he ended up with a daughter, which oh my god, which they basically killed <laughs> in um. Like before New Fifty Two, right? So uh, yeah, there's... even I was even I was like devastated with that. I was like, "Fucking hell, are you kidding me?" And then he lost his arm. I'm reading through this article, and this just CBR annoy the fuck out of me. Um, they're listing the top ten sidekicks of Green Arrow. Roy Harper comes in at four. Like it's like really like he's number one. Oh, like I'll tell you who and. Emiko Queen. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. She's only just been introduced like recently. Yeah, but that's what they always do, man. They're so in the pockets of fucking DC. Like, Emiko Queen is supposedly his number one sidekick. Connor Hawk is two. I don't even count Connor Hawk as a sidekick. Neither do I. Neither do I. He's he's the legacy character. Um, then you have Mia, who I like. Oh, in. of course. I but like. again, but not above Roy, though. Not above Roy. Not above Roy. Roy comes in for... You know, I don't mean to sound nasty, but that's like saying, you know, um, uh, uh, Dick Grayson is a better sidekick than... Um, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Tim Drake is a better sidekick than Dick Grayson for Batman. Yeah, I know. It's, it's garbage, man. Like, CBR do a lot of shit articles, man. A lot of shit articles. Like... They just put out so many articles that there's no real quality control. Anyone with any well, take, you know. But this is also kind of why I love DC Comics and why I've kind of always loved DC and why I never agreed with my, um, Stan Lee's sidekicks are stupid thing. Because oh, yeah. 
the the sidekicks is where you get the most growth. Yeah, I agree. Like if you look at Batman and Superman, like look at their eighty five years. There's not like a massive amount of growth no. with those characters. You know what I mean? Mm. They kind of like they don't go through like too much life altering shit. Batman got but, his back broken. Yeah, but fault. then he's back. Is my point? He and had he's the, back yo- just the yoga teacher. Like, the yoga teacher. But my point is, him breaking his back never had any long term effects for him. Sure. It's, it's not like it's almost forgotten about. Not by me, but yeah. No, but I'm saying by the character, like yeah, the I know. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. But course. one of the reasons why, like, I've always had a, a, a soft spot for for Roy. I know, I know, some people don't like him and all that, but between him and Grayson, I think that they're the only two characters that have probably grown the most in like the world of DC Comics. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, they've gone on journeys. They've become yeah. new men, new yeah, characters. They've had stuff happen to them, like. And he and Roy probably even more than Nightwing, like him even more oh, than Dick yeah. Grayson has has gone through so much. I mean, he's had the kid, he fucking had his kid die, he's lost his arm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's. I I just find him a fascinating character, and it's such a shame that. And this is why I I don't like the New Fifty Two because the New Fifty Two got rid of all of that. Yeah, like yeah, all yeah. that hard work, all that great work. Is gone, and then they're like, "Oh no, but don't worry, like uh, Roy Hopper's still there." And it's like, "But it's the character's shit." Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You well, just, I... You've made him some baseball cap wearing, like, weirdo dude. Yeah, I know. Like he almost hipster guy, and you're like, "But that's not that's not the character, man." I miss character. Roy. Ho- oh my god, I really enjoyed Roy Harper with the the kid, and and him sort of becoming his own man. So you gonna say you really enjoyed Roy Harper when he had the heroin strap on? <laughs> Hey, look, I mean, put, I put read that later in life. I put, I put probably in the Green Lantern stuff much, much later. In fact, I only really kind of knew about Roy Harper from, um, from like the 80s. Actually, and, you and know, funnily enough, I, I knew for many years, and you know me, I didn't read any Green Arrow growing, like none. I wouldn't even know who Green Arrow is. Yeah. But when I got more seriously into collecting DC comics, I... One of the first things I bought was actually this collection, and I knew that it had the story of Speedy with heroin. So I always knew that, and um, I knew that the character from like the Titans and stuff. I think he's a cool character. I don't, you know, I don't see him as a. I I think he's a character because he's a minor side. You know, he's kind of like a B list or C lister because he's the sidekick of a B lister. You know, so he it's not like Robin is the sidekick to an A-lister. So uh, they do a lot of stuff with those kind of guys. You know, they go through a lot of incarnations. I, I actually, over the years, I have found uh, Roy Hopper far more interesting than Oliver Queen. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've I, enjoyed his journey, his story, his character. Yeah. Because, again, even though Oliver is a B-lister, um, although, okay, I, I, I will admit that, like, Later on, they did do a lot more with with uh, um, uh, Oliver, especially when you maybe got to the nineties. Mike Grell was good. Mike Grell's yeah, run, you know, because that's when they were doing like the um, what was the 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 art the you know when he started wearing the hood. Yeah, that was Mike and, Grell. That yeah, was Mike yeah, Grell. and he's, yeah, and he started getting a bit more darker. Yeah, that was Mike Grell, and then it went to Chuck Dixon who. Killed hit well, he did the death of, and then he brought in Connor Hall. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I and I enjoy the Connor. So I've never been a big Oliver Queen fan. Again, as much as I, I, I've read these multiple times and all that, 
I never really liked Oliver because I always felt like he was just lecturing. Well, he is. I mean, he is. You know, like, like, you know. You know, and, and this was kind of nice by Denny to kind of give Hal his moment. Yeah, I like, agree. You yeah. know, yeah, you fucking lectured me on all this shit and uh, look at your life. Well, that was kind of the, that was kind of the irony because fucking Oliver Queen never shuts the fuck up in these issues about like he's just no he always, always thinks I know what's best knows what's, what's best you know. he's like constantly lecturing um, and you know he's just constantly like on the side of the little man and just throwing he's throwing plenty of fingers at plenty of people and then it was kind of clever by Denny it, it massively backfires on him when he just totally fails to grasp what's well, going on with Speedy, his sidekick. Yeah, because that, that, that's what I love about the um, the cover. Yeah. Uh, the, the cover they did, because, again, you're talking about, because, <coughs> sorry, uh, what you're talking about happens much later in the series, right? Gotcha. Like, this is in volume two of the collection. Yes. So, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the first volume is, like, they've all been going around, you know, he's been lecturing and lecturing and all that sort of stuff. And then you've got that classic um, uh, cover. Because I, I know there's two different covers. Mm. Uh, no, the, the, there's the first first cover, which is the one I'm talking about. You always have all the answers, Green Arrow. Well, what's what's your answer for that? And then he goes, my award speedy is a junkie. <laughs> and I just love that because it's like, mm. you're always telling people, you don't see, you don't see, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're not looking. And it's like, and he's like, well, there you go. Yeah. Here's your life. You're not seeing that. No. Dickhead. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. It's it's great writing. Now, what did you give it, Rich, out of 10? I gave it 8.5. Oh, it's an it's a 8.5. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's Because fair. it would have been higher if, if, if he didn't. I just feel like the bow at the end is... is uh, oh, yeah. I don't want to say unrealistic because it's not like we're talking about a reality thing, but... I don't necessarily like something when it's it, when when it's such a difficult topic. Yeah, that it has such a like almost defi- like he's oh I've kicked the habit after a couple of days yeah. and, you know, and it's like and now I'm going to lecture you and I, I don't mind the lecture part but it's the whole like I wish he would say I'm going to get clean by myself. Yeah, I don't need you. You know, I've already taken the first few steps with with Dinah. It's going to yeah. be a long road. Yeah, but you know I'm do this on my own because you're a shithead. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, I mean, so you it, don't kick yeah, heroin in. Like, like that, I probably would have scored it higher. You don't kick heroin. I mean, I'm not a heroin user, but <laughs> I assume you don't kick heroin in like two or four days. It takes a more longer yeah, than Yeah, ex- exactly, yeah. You know, like, I mean, and, you know, before people start rushing in telling me what cold turkey's like, like, yeah, I well, get it. You could probably cleanse your system, but the psychological addiction. Well, I was going to say, you never actually truly um, kick the habit. Yeah. Like, you actually still crave. You could be, sure. you, if you're an out, recovering alcoholic or a, 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 you, you've quit smoking or you've quit drugs, the urge is always there. Sure. Like it's a constant, um, it's pretty much a constant thing to stop yourself because it's mm. almost like you're wired now. You know, Denny was a massive alcoholic. I didn't know that. I, I actually listened to the John Sumter's interviews with him recently on Word Balloon that he did. He did several interviews with him, you know, prior to his very, tragic passing and yeah he in the 70s um he was a really big alcoholic who um and john Suntra said to him did you think that maybe some of your own addiction and demons were playing out in the storyline he goes yeah probably yeah i wasn't aware of it consciously but um 
he yeah, Denny was a real he was like he he'd get like blackout drunk regularly and stuff. You know? And was a, I did not know that. Yeah, it was a social lubricant for him. Uh, that was, he said, that's how it started. He said, no one starts the first drink thinking I'm going to ruin my life and my marriage and, you know, hinder my career. No one thinks that. He said for him it was a social lubricant, a way, you know, he'd have a couple of drinks, get a buzz going, he could get the confidence to talk to women and stuff. And that's where it started. But, yeah, no, he was, yeah, a heavy alcoholic and recovered alcoholic, like, you know, like he went through AA and everything and cleaned his act up completely. But in the seventies, it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So that's, well, as I said, like, yeah, you, you can, you can, you can get clean, sure. but like the habit is always there. Exactly. Yeah. Any, like, I, because yeah. there's, there's just things that happen in your life where they either stresses you out or whatever. And then your body starts, you know, it's almost like your body goes, Oh, you should, you know, hit it up you, again. You should have a drink or you should have a smoke or you should have a puff and all that. And it's like, um, it, you, you, it's a constant, like, I'm not joking. Like it's, it's amazing that, you know, cause the way like movies and media, it's like, ah, I kicked the habit. I'm clean now. It's like, yeah, it's not like that. <laughs> it's, it's, no. it's a, it's a, it's a lifelong process of not falling back into it. You gotcha, man. Now we'll just do our final one for weekly comics, Superman 301. This is just a fun storyline with Solomon Grundy. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what else there is to say about it. If you like Solomon Grundy fighting Superman, uh, here it is on the page, and, and not just that. If you like, if you like it when Superman can just do the most ridiculous things, <laughs> um, it's it's fun too. Where he literally, at the speed of like a blink, <laughs> um, what's it, Lomb- Lombardi? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, he basically dresses, applies up. makeup and a wig <laughs> to make him look like Clark Kent, and <laughs> quick quick hypnotizes him. Yeah, that was in, in the blink of an eye. That was <laughs> so applies the makeup, uh, changes his suit, gets the wig, hypnotizes him to believe he's Clark Kent in the blink of an eye. It's like honestly, it's kind of it could be viewed as a malicious thing. <laughs> what he did, like, the, <laughs> like that's why I say the things that Superman could do. Yeah. Um. Uh. Pre-crisis. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, just. Whatever the writer needs him to do. Well, Denny was saying in this interview, actually, because Denny had a lot of issues, and I can understand as a writer, he had a lot of issues writing Superman, and it was purely logistical. Like, he, he was just like, the amount of power he had at that period when he was was going to write him, it was almost unlimited. Like, he could put... No, no, but that's know, my point. It was because the writers would just make him do whatever they needed him to do. Yeah. He, his power was unlimited because no writer put a fucking limit on it. Like, yeah. <laughs> every writer, as I said, in literally the, because he was with the woman. Mm. So he had to speed away from that woman as she's talking to him. Yeah. Change Lombardi's outfit, apply makeup, glasses, wig, and hypnotize him. And then have him standing back there as the woman is still talking. Yeah. And literally, and you think to yourself, that's impossible. Like, not even Superman could do that. Like, realistically but in those days whatever the writer needed to do to have superman achieve something he just did it yeah and denny was saying that like literally he could search through all of metropolis in the space of a second like that was in one story like there was no limit to how quickly he could do shit you know it was just like you know and, and we've done comics on I'm not sure if it was on Hero Legion Outpost where he flies through time 
to the end of time and then goes back to the start of time to go exactly where he wants to be. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> like, in, in the gold, golden age of man, he's literally a god. Yeah. He's literally a god. He has whatever power he needs. Yeah. And, and I, but, but, you know. But when you read it now, it's funny. It's yeah. charming. Yeah. I agree. It's kind of fun. Like, you know, it's just like, okay, Superman can do that, I guess. You know? <laughs> Um, now, but it was a cool brawl between him and Grundy. Grundy yeah, was, was fucking super strong. Yeah, Grundy was. Powered he was up. actually kicking the shit out of Superman. Yeah, Grundy was like was like Grundy's best fucking day ever. Like Grundy came out to fucking play for the title that day. Like well, that's uh, so. What I find interesting about the story, it looks like. <clears throat> so that's the Grundy from Earth Two. Yes, and he's coming over Earth One, but apparently wherever he's walking is like it's creating like a swamp. Yes, uh, and it looks like so Superman kind of gets rid of him. Yeah, because Grundy went to Earth One looking for his for Grundy. Yes, he said. But that, there yeah. is no, but there is no Grundy in Earth One. Right. But then the story ends with like, but maybe he was too early, and so now it looks like his swamp shit. He's going to create Grundy. a Bundy, uh, uh, a Grundy. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, I didn't realize. I that. mean, again, that's what I'm getting from not having read the next story or or down the track. But it looks like that's what they were implying. It was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I, I mean, I'm yeah. giving it eight out of ten. What are you giving it, Rich? I kind of felt bad for Grundy because Superman like dresses up as a Grundy, <laughs> flies into the moon, and then just leaves him there. And, and Grundy's turn is like, I'm so happy I found a Grundy. And then he turned around, there's <laughs> yeah. no one there, and he's just stuck on the moon. I was like, I actually feel bad for him. Like, yeah, that was. You know like, what I mean? Because so he's not of... doing anything necessarily malicious. No, it was kind of he just he doesn't want to be alone anymore. Yeah. So he's looking for another Grundy. He thinks he's found another Grundy when Superman dresses up as Grundy, right? He's so happy. And then Superman flies him to the moon and doesn't, like, say anything no, no. Or, or whatever. Grundy's just like, oh, I'm so happy. And then he turns around. No one's there. He's just like... Yeah, Superman's pretty and cold. And I was like... I was like, no, but Superman does go, I feel bad. And I was like, yeah, you should. I feel fucking bad that you did it. Like, I mean, Superman did it. He showed hard. He's like, I really feel bad about doing that, but I had no choice. And I was like, well, you fucking should feel bad. That's pretty mean. <laughs> Poor old Superman. Um, yeah, so I'm... Oh, um, it's again, it's an it's a 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Now we come to the main event uh, and the conclusion to our night. Uh, Chuck Dixon, um, Claw, the Unconquered. I mean, basically, it's Conan with a with a claw. Um, I'm digging it. It was a dark story. Jesus Christ! I actually messaged Chuck and said, "Wow, that was a dark ending in Claw the Unconquered." For those who don't know, Claw, pretty much a barbarian, but he's got a claw on one hand that's massively like a demonic claw that he can't get rid of. He's tried to hack it off before, but it comes back. Um, and yeah, it's just it's it's just nutty. Like it's a really kind of like against the dark god storyline. Um, I believe David Michelini wrote the original Claw in the seventies, and Chuck kind of rebooted it uh, in the early two thousands with Wildstorm. Um, wow, this was a lot of fun. Werewolves were in it. They reminded me of the werewolves in Skyrim. Rich, if you're familiar with them, um, the the group of the group of mercenaries that were werewolves. I I mean, I dug this story, dude. And I was surprised by the ending. Oh, what a dark fucking ending. I was like, Jesus, Chuck. Like, okay, the whole world's enslaved is how it ended. Um, where were you? I, I, I wondered if that was maybe like a, a dream ending. Gotcha. You know, like it's not the true ending and maybe they were going to come back and well, do another volume, but then it never yeah. got, like it just never happened. 
I'm sure that that was the intention. You know. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I really enjoyed the story, but I'm going to be honest with you, mm. and, and I wouldn't mind asking Chucky Chuck this. Yeah. What's that? Is, was he inspired or anything by Army of Darkness? Because sure. Army of Darkness came out before this, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Army of Darkness came out in the early 90s. Yeah, because in that in that movie, mm. he chops his hand off. Right. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. Oh, no, no. Yeah. So he chops his hand off, but in the Army of Darkness, one of his little... Yeah, mini. Uh, mini things become evil him. Yes. And in this, when he chops his hand off, the hand becomes evil. Well, save that oh. question up. We're going to have Chuck on in um, 2022 and save that question up for him. Because he's wondering if... if, if uh... If he even knew, like, if it was just... Well, Chuck, I know Chuck watches a lot of movies, so maybe he was. I, I mean, I, I'll I be honest with you, when I saw that, I, my immediate brain was like, oh, it's like uh, Army of Darkness. <laughs> I, I, I can't... Well, because obviously Army of Darkness is more comedic. Yeah, and this was... This is not, not comedic at all. Like This, this is, is kind like, of horror, would thing, you agree? That thing literally becomes an evil version of him and literally goes around literally raping and killing, Yeah, like, the legions. And see, I, I'm so stupid. I, I didn't understand the evil version of him. So that evil version of him that came out of the pool and stuff, that was just the hand. It became a person. Is the that right? Grew that the rest of him. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Yeah. And at the end, were the werewolves fighting on the side of the good claw? They were, weren't they? Uh, I think the one was. Yeah, the chick. But then she ended up running away and getting killed, so... Oh, I thought she was in prison at the end. Oh, no, that... In prison at the end is... the sorceress that was in prison. Yeah, that's right, it is too, yeah. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I I mean, I I just found it was... It was just page-turning for me, and this, this is where I feel Chuck Dixon doesn't get enough recognition because everyone knows him from the classics like Punisher and Batman and he wrote so much of that that even me in my mind I always think of that as his you know they're his main you know columns but you, if you read outside the lines he did a lot of stuff sometimes in the fantasy realm with Conan and here and plenty of other stuff that you know he has a lot of talents as a writer to I would say almost any genre well, that's why I asked him when we had that interview with him, when mm. we had that chat, mm. I said to him, hey, every time I, people make a top 10 um, Dixon list, mm. it's always Batman. Yeah. Or Batman related or Batman adjacent. Like yeah. all the top 10 is like Bane, Nightwing, Batman, this, Batman. And I'm like, but you, you've done so much other stuff. Like what, yeah. what, you know, and what would you like people to like go and check out that you really... I remember. I, I remember he said Joker, Devil's Advocate was a good one, which is a good one. We've done it on the show. Yeah, so that's my point. Like, yeah, people just. I think a lot of people just think of Chuck as, oh, he's the Batman guy. And yeah, partly that's because he was so fucking successful and did it for so yeah, long. Yeah, I know, you know, I know. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that he's got a massive like library. Like, I mean, uh, look, on so many different properties, and uh, he's done it well. Yeah, that's it, man. This this was so readable, like. I, I wanted more. I mean, when you when you finish this story at six, I'm like, man, give me volume two. Like, I want to see Claw fight his way out of the situation, you know? And... I, the, the only negative thing I can say about this, mm. while I like the art style, I did not like the inking. Okay. I found the inking was too... It was an uh, interesting. It was too light. It was too dull. Um, 
I, I feel like the inking should have been a bit darker. Did you see the werewolves coming? Uh, not necessarily werewolves, but Animals. I knew that there was something with them because obviously they were acting a bit animalistic and then obviously when the one said I could smell them. I thought they were cannibals. And the, and the claw was like, you can smell them. It's like, well, obviously animals have a heightened... Yeah. Uh, the, um, but I thought they were demons or animals or... Yeah. Or something. But, I mean, werewolves was in my brain, but I wouldn't have said, oh, definitely werewolves. I would have said, oh, there's something... Yeah. There's something off about them. So I, I knew there was something off about them. I'm trying to find a. I, I, I'm trying to find. I, I saw almost a little touch of, at times in some of the artwork, um, a bit of Carlos Esquizita's influence. Um, you know the Judge Red artist, uh, in some of the faces, um, especially of the, um, especially of the, uh, the monks who who were blinded. Now I've got a question for you. Um, is this a joke? Do you reckon from Chuck? Like when the um, in the first issue, he's looking in, at his claw, and then he's and then this the woman comes, a sorceress, and she's dressed in like I can only describe as almost like a stripper kind of uniform with tassels, and she says, "It is a mark of greatness. You wish it gone without any inkling of what it pretends. There on the end of your arm is the key to all of the world's tomorrows." And then it, he's smiling, and he says, "A woman of fine birth, from the look of your dress." Um, now, is he making a joke because she's dressed like a stripper, or does he mean that it's expensive, like gold or whatever she's got on her? Honestly, I wouldn't have a clue, mate. <laughs> <laughs> like, because she's not wearing anything, almost. No, I know. That's well. That was my. And he, if you notice, he's grinning when he says it as well. You know. And he goes, you are far from the comforts of a manor house or protection. So he's, he, mind you, he, he, he doesn't mind getting it on. He got it on pretty heavily with that werewolf when he saw her in the pool. He was putting out some strong signals to her previous to that incident. Uh, but he wants to shake anything that looks good. Though. That's what I'm saying. He's, he is very sort of like uh, amorous when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, I would even say he's a little bit more forceful than... Um... <laughs> Conan for sure. More forceful. Conan enjoys women though heavily. Like yeah, know. but like I feel like uh, I feel like Conan's a little bit more charming. Yeah. Whereas the um, Claw is a little bit more like let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, look, fascinating stuff. I, I said to Chuck, I want a sequel, or I want Claw versus Conan, like one of the two. Um, it was also fun to see all the ads. For, for all the computer games that from the time period, like in the in the comic book, there was a lot. Of, I always enjoy seeing comic ads, you know. By the way, something that I really enjoyed is that I think for the first two covers, mm. um, it was uh, Ethan Van Skyver. Really? Mm. Okay. Wow. Yeah, wow. I know he definitely did the first two covers, but then after that, um, I think um, oh, I think uh, Andy Smith, uh, the the interior artist, yeah. Um, I think he started doing the covers after that. But the fir that first cover yeah. of him with the woman, like yeah. uh, almost digging her nails into his into his chest and all of that, that's, that's Ethan Vanscriver. But that's... the second cover is Ethan Vanscriver. Yeah, they're, they're two damn good covers, actually. Um, and this was Wild. Well, I've got to be honest with you, if Ethan had actually did the interior books, that would have been fucking cool as well. Because I would have loved that, yeah. Um, if you look at that cover of the first issue, you just go like, yeah, well, that looks fucking badass. 
man, it it brought back heavy memories of playing Skyrim with because I love being the vamp, the not vampire, the werewolf in Skyrim, um, and and the mercenaries and stuff. And I said to Chuck, you get automatic points if you start bringing werewolves into stories because I didn't see it coming. I've got to be honest. I was well, as I said, I didn't see necessarily werewolves coming, but I knew something was coming because oh, yeah, obviously they sure. were acting. Um, strange. Oh yeah, and how you blinded that one guy? <laughs> that one, that one guy got permanently blinded. <laughs> well, he did shoot him with a silver arrow. He did, yeah, he did. And I liked it when the when he was like, the, they're like, we don't have any silver, just gold. And he was saying like he had no money, but then he's like, you've been lying, and he had enough silver to you know make some arrows. Which he which he fired. Well, off. it's funny because every single character in this book dies except for uh, Claw and the Sorceress. Yeah, well, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, but it, but it's it's one of those things where he's like he's almost setting up a character and then pff, no no nope. no ah yeah. tricked you they did. Well, I you know <laughs> I, my question to Chuck um, will be was this planned as an ongoing or was it always going to be because you know how they they kick off a title and then if it's um, you know, the sales aren't there to support it. They just make it a limited series. I, I had a feeling that this was setting up to be longer than six issues, you know? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, that's usually why they do a miniseries. Yeah. Is to see if they want to do another miniseries or if it can be an ongoing. Yeah. The problem is, is the... Uh, let's be honest. Unfortunately, the Wildstorm imprint... Um, I don't think a lot of the titles had a lot of the sales. I mean, that's kind of why the 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 was this went sort of defunct. Was this before they sold to DC, or was this after? Like, I think it was after. Right, yeah, because originally Wildstorm was Jim Lee's imprint at Image. Yeah, yeah after, well, well, after he kind of left Image. Right. Oh, okay. So you know, all those guys got together. They started Image, uh. and then I think Jim Lee was like, ah, "I'm going to do my own." Oh right, I, I should have uh, said image. Oh, okay. uh, imprint and which was Wildstorm. Right. After his success of um, Wildcats, mm. which is why it's called Wildstorm, obviously. Um, but you know, he and then DC came and said, "We want to buy you," and he was like, "Cool, let's yeah, let's do it." And he's never looked back. Well, uh, I mean, honestly, for me, for the Chuck Dixon fans out there, for Conan fans, for Culver Conqueror fans, check out Claw. I think if you, you know, Claw was a character from the DC implosion. Um, firstly, the explosion. And uh, David Michelini uh, wrote Claw and probably created him for all I know, or would assume so. Um, let's have a look to see who created Claw. I'm pretty confident that David Michelini would be the creator. He did write all those early issues. But, any, but then what happened was the implosion happened and Claw got cancelled um, and laid dormant i don't think there were any claw comics well i mean to be fair that is what happens when everyone jumps on the bandwagon yeah you know like when things are popular mm. you know and this is why they do say that you know like fatigue is a thing mm. you know like um it, you know, at that point like um you know you you had the conan books you had the um the cold books you had like almost everyone was doing their own barbarian mm. Some more successful than others, but at some point, like they lose, they wane, yeah, and then they kind of get forgotten a bit until someone says, "Hey, mm. why don't we redo this character? We need some 
new comics or you know new stuff and all that and then they try and get a second run sometimes it works and it goes on for a long time and other times it's like oh, okay it wasn't the there they weren't the sales that we needed or yep you're you're 100 right now i've got get... the thing here claw the unconquered was created by david michelini uh with ernie chan um yada 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 uh was one of the several new titles which was set in this fantasy or sort of sorcery genre other such titles included warlord Star- stalker starfire nightmaster <laughs> tor and bewolf dragonslayer I remember Warlord. Yeah. That was fun. Um, Claw mostly resembles Conan both his character and appearance, except for the fact that Claw had a deformed hand. Claw the Unconquered was published bi-monthly up until issue 9, October 76, restarting again at 10, May 78. The entire series was written by Michelini, although they never published 14 was credited Tom DeFalco, and Chan remained on the title up to 7, with Keith Given taking over penciling duties with number eight. Um, with the addition in Giffen, the series began to incorporate some science fiction elements, moving away from its pure sword and sorcery beginnings. Uh, the relaunch of the series lasted just three issues and was suddenly cancelled with issue 12 as part of the DC implosion when the DC comic line was drastically cut. The cancellation was so sudden that two or further issues of the series had been fully written and drawn. These stories were published in cancelled comic Cavalcade 1 in 78, although... Only 35 co- copies of that comic were ever officially published. That's crazy. Um, the character was revived in a two-part backup feature in Warlord 48 and 49 in 81. Um, the series tried to wrap up the story of Claw. It, wasn't, it was written by Jack C. Harris, unfortunately, not David Michelini. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, um, yeah, his, his first... In continuity appearance in over 20 years appeared in Wonder Woman 21 when Wonder Woman and Stalker recruit Claw and Beowulf for a mission to slay the demon lord, Drogoth. Yeah, I um, think that's the crossover I was talking about. Right, okay, cool. When, when he had a crossover with Wonder Woman. And um, they don't mention, um, they don't mention the one we read. I don't know why they don't do that. There's a the Red Sonya Claw. Uh, unconquered. I don't well, know. again, unfortunately, they might be talking about all the DC ones and not including the Wildstorm one. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think, I think you might want to check it out, look into it. But I think there was a Red Sonia Claw. Um, yeah, that's right. there, there, there was. I'm just reading that there. And that was part of Wildstorm, though. That wasn't part of DC. So why have they mentioned that one and not this uh, one? Because it's a badly written Wikipedia page. Um, oh, okay, fair enough. Wikipedia, yeah, the yeah, it's just, yeah, there's a the lot site of site that has all the answers except the one you're looking for, and there's, <laughs> um, yeah, there's some, yeah, there's there's not much when it comes to old claw, he has a lot of information here, like, uh, in the pages of Dark Knight's death metal, oh god, so the atrocious death metal, Claw <laughs> the Unconquered is among the superheroes revived by Batman using a black lantern ring, um, okay. Great. I'm sure that was a very disappointing appearance. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I probably wouldn't be worth the money to buy the thing to check it out. I won't be checking that out. Um, but nonetheless, an interesting character, very Conan-inspired. And, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, they, and I, I like that they gave him a claw, though. Like, that's the... They're like, it's Conan, but with a claw. <laughs> it's like, good idea, actually. You know, because you can tie... Well, it, it's, it is interesting because... Again, where they've done clever is that Conan is the everyman. Yeah. Right? He's not destined to to necessarily do anything. 
He's just a big like, king. No, no, no. But I mean, like, he doesn't have like a um, a prophecy, uh, like a supernatural prophecy or something. Right. You know, a seer has told him that he'll be a king, or it's more his drive to have his his own kingdom, and it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. But with the claw, that he he has some sort of supernatural prophecy. Definitely, yeah. Like he was the moment he was born, he was that claw meant something. Yeah. And obviously, in this one, it's meant that he was meant to open the gates of like hell, kind of thing, and all that sort of shit. So it, it makes him a bit different in that. Conan has a purpose, but it's like a very roundabout purpose. Yeah. There's no like direct oh, no. path to completing that purpose, whereas Claw, there kind of is. Like, Claw has like a, a set destiny of where he needs to go mm. and how he's going to get there. So it does make him interesting in that he, yes, he, oh, he looks like Conan, but he is different to Conan in that, that you know, it's not necessarily a, it's a copy and paste in design, mm. like 90%. But then it's a kind of like, okay, but let's make him the chosen one. No, I think it's clever. Yeah, I, I think it's clever. And they can bring But that's in... why I also like Warlord, uh, the, the, the Warlord one. I, I, we, should, we, should, we should read one of those one day. 100%. One of those older ones. Because yeah. I love because that's a really cool idea of like, uh, it's almost like, uh, what was that show that came out? It was filmed in Australia. Farscape. Oh, yeah. Where it's, a, it's, a, it's an astronaut... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, who basically like crash lands or, or somehow like lands in this fantasy realm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then he becomes like, oh, you know, you're our savior. You're going to defeat the evil and blah, blah, blah. And so you, it's a guy out of time, like in a, like a, in a world that's not his own. Yeah. And, and, and so again, I, I, it's again, it's, it's, it's the fantasy trope, but again, everyone's giving their own little, a lot of people love Farscape. I've never watched it, but I, I, I used to know a lot of people who loved it. I, it's okay. It's okay. I found uh, uh, to be. I'm going to be honest with you. I found a lot of the characters annoying. Yeah, I, I've never watched the episode. I, I just remember I had a lot of friends who liked it. You know, although I did become a fan of Claudia Black. Mm, okay. From that show. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, but anyway, regardless, this was fun. Um, yes. I, I, it left me wanting more. I wanted more claw. I wanted. I wanted more claw for sure. I. I thought. It, I thought it was. Uh, I'm giving it an eight point five, and I, and I feel like it's a, it's a really nice little sort of Chuck Dixon adjacent kind of cult title, frankly. And I'm sure Chuck had a lot of fun writing it. Like, it was. I'm, cool. I'm giving it eight out of ten because I feel like um, it left me with blue balls. You know what I mean? Because it kind of ends abruptly. It ends super abruptly. And I, I kind of feel like it, it needed. It, I, I feel like it, there was another issue coming. I was almost put into therapy by how fucking I, dark it, the ending I turned was. the page. I was like, "That's really weird." Like, is there a seventh issue? And then it's like, "Oh, I was expecting to be continued next oh. issue." Because it just kind of like my only negative thing is that it kind of like just ends. I mean, there's there's the Hollywood happy ending, and then there's the ending that Chuck wrote for this one, which has the world enslaved and Claw and the sorceress like on a fucking chains. <laughs> it's like, which I'm sure is is just a, a, a it was meant as I said, I'm sure that was meant to be like yeah, a definitely, uh, definitely a vision or uh, or something a, a set or like, a, set, a set I think he's like going to open the door, and I think he has a vision of that, and then my prediction was that he would then like pull his hand away, or it's and, a setup for a sequel, you know. I mean, I suppose. I mean, maybe they were going for the sequel of like the world's now fucked, and so now we just 
Oh, you could definitely do a sequel. Like to stay alive, I guess. You could definitely do a sequel, like for sure. Like if he's not dead, he can do a sequel kind of thing, you know. Um, I don't know. I I, I enjoyed it. So eight from you, eight point five from me. Um, look, I haven't. A lot of eights. A lot of eights this week. Yeah, it's been a good week. Uh, now I do want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. We're taking a week off. Um, next week for Christmas break, I'll be away. Um, we're going to regather just before the end of the year um, to do a show. Richard, it'll be your choice to, of what you want to do. Um, plenty of time to decide. Plenty of time to decide. No rush. I'm going away for a week in the forest um, f- to find myself rich. I've already found myself. You I, lie. You've got to go look for Red Sonja. I've already found myself and I like myself. That didn't take long. Um, and, yeah, and I mean, look, uh, Ray's come back in. During this call, he he absolutely dug the Spider-Man movie. I think ten out of ten. Did he give you a score? Is it ten out of ten? Let me let me go to it. Um, I will see what if Ray gave a actual score. Yeah, just finished. Brilliant. Ten out of ten. There we go. Two ten out of ten. Perfect translation of a Spidey tone from the comics makes me want to watch all the old Spidey films again. Absolutely brilliant. There you go. So two ten out of tens, man. It's pretty strong stuff. It's that, yeah. That's a uh, yeah. Looking good. Looking good. Looking real good. Now, look, we're proud members of the collective. Um, you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook. You've got people like Ray, we just mentioned him on Into the Night and Last Sons of Krypton. You've got uh, Connor's uh, Iron Fist, Sons of the Dragon show. Um, there's plenty of good stuff on there. You've got Capes and Lunatics putting out lots of quality product. You've got Ghost Spider Groupies. And you just got uh, obviously you've got Inner Demons with Brian Biggie, um, and plenty of other people out there producing their hits. Signal, we've had a fantastic run this year. We're still going to do one last uh, show still to come for this year, but when I reflect back on it, Rich, I just see basically us just building huge partnerships and just batting deep, deep into matches. Don't you? Oh, we're approaching two fifty. Approaching two fifty, exactly. It's going to feel good. It's going to feel real good. I remember earlier this year you said, "What happens when we hit a thousand? I was like, "Jesus Christ, Rich, I'll be like 80. No, um, I didn't say a thousand. I said five hundred. Five hundred. Okay. All right. Well, still feels like a lot, but um, no, it's this. Well, is hey, the, you're almost halfway there. We are almost halfway there, Rich. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it's. I want to say thank you to all the listeners. Obviously, look, if you could support the Patreon, it's much appreciated. It goes towards show running costs. Um, Patreon.com/signaloftdoom. Um, look, price of a cup of coffee per month, it, it goes all towards the show running costs and lets me do more material. Dean and I finally did our Cinema of Doom episode. Uh, oh, that time. Yo, Jimbo, I know that's only been, sorry, Michael Kellishim for the delays. That was all Dion's fault. And um, <laughs> we, we, we put, I put the show up um, during the week. So there's a new Cinema of Doom for Patreon supporters. Uh, we're going to be doing another one um, in January uh, after because Dion's uh, going. Uh, to his mother's uh, mother-in-law's uh, for Christmas, and so we're going to regather in January, and it's Dion's choice, and then it's going to be my choice, and then we're going to be doing, uh, God, what's it called? Um, Boondock Saints uh, <laughs> is the next listener um, request, uh, and that's from that that is from Brian Biggie actually. So yeah, that's going to be fun. So look, this has been an epically long show, but we want to give you guys, you know, a triple album to celebrate Christmas with, you know? Enjoy yourself. Well, you know, you, there's no, no show next week, so... 
exactly. You might you want know, to give, you know, if you, if you need to take two weeks and listen to it, that's fine. Take your time. <laughs> take your time. Knock yourself out. All right. Thank you and good night. Good night. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Great stuff, Rich. Flickering through the city streets, one billion TV sets glowing off concrete. One day closer to death, I know that I don't have too long. Whatever happened to soy bomb? Collector loves all the pussy cats, but when he goes to bed, he wonders where he's at. Thrift store shirts and old haircuts, living in an old sitcom. Whatever happened to soy bun? Cloudy sky, one billion lonely hearts beating till they die. One day closer to death, I know that I don't.